Bigger on the Inside presents The Day of the Doctor and the Time of the Doctor. Welcome to Bigger on the Inside. I'm Dan Toland, and with me, as always, is Michael Sims. Hello! Hello, sir! How are you today? I am excited. Yeah? Very, very excited mm-hmm. for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it's weird, because we were just talking about this same thing off the air, and now we're doing it yeah. on the air. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> Pull know. the curtain back a little. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is... This is big, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, five and a half years, and now it's over. Parenthetically, for now, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm excited to, to you know not only talk about these two episodes, but also the three mini things we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, all the emails, and you know, wrapping everything up at the end. Um, I'm sure we'll be taking several breaks throughout this recording. <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> Those being uh, water breaks and uh, water breaks. We'll put in mm-hmm. quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's just an exciting day for me, you know. So yeah, yeah what about you? Like yourself, um, I am excited. Mm-hmm. I'm a little wistful, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But realistically, like the, the because again, we and we talked about this again just just like two minutes ago. <laughs> it's not like we're not going to be coming back and doing something in a month, right? You know, we're going to be recording things between now and 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 then anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's oh, see, that. see, you should have said now and forever. Forever. Ah, bad puns, <laughs> bad puns, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is one of those things where we kind of started doing this not quite five and a half years ago, mm-hmm. at which point this was such an absurd <laughs> project. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that we would hit this point. Okay, yeah. I, it just, it just at some point, we would, we would plot fade. It just, it, oh. you know, it was just one of those things. Of course, we were going to do that at some point. Okay. It would be fun for, for as long as it was fun, and then we'd, you know, get bored with it and drift away. Mm-hmm. And that didn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the reason I was sure that wouldn't happen mm-hmm. is because I wouldn't let it happen. Or, more mm-hmm. accurately, I wouldn't start a project Mm-hmm. That had a definitive ending, mm. as this one did. That sure. I like. I, there's no way I would start it if I would if I wasn't going to complete it. It's just when it comes to podcasting, I'm that mm. um, mental about it. Yeah. You know, like like okay, no one needs to worry. But let's say I decided to end Earth Two dot net the show. No one needs to worry about that. Mm-hmm. I'd be sad, but I would be contented because. It's not an ongoing, I mean, it's an ongoing thing, but it doesn't have an end point. It ends whenever it has to end, you right. know, for whatever and it's not reason. like you don't have, like, 700 plus episodes <laughs> under your belt. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> you know. Like, today, I was like, oh, man, there's, with April, you know, with a convention coming up, C2E2, and mm-hmm. something I want to plan in May, we have to talk off the air. There's potential <laughs> to hit episode 750 in late May, you mm-hmm. know. So, wow. potential, potential, you know, but... 
like I said, if that ends, okay, sad, but whatever. But this, it's like, no, if, if we said we're going to start it, we're going to finish it. You know, in one way or another, this was going to get finished. <laughs> and honestly, there being a definitive endpoint is probably what kept it going. Uh, oh, yeah, very, you very, know? yeah. It would have been, you know, I mean, not that I ever stopped enjoying doing this. I mm-hmm. always enjoyed doing this. Mm-hmm. But it does become work. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely becomes work, mm-hmm. um, especially when we, you know when it was when it was the the classic series, and it was like, oh Christ, I got to watch ten episodes tonight. Yeah, and nine are reconstructions. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when it, it really was. It's I mean, you know, for guys that for, for listeners that don't podcast, you know, sitting down and, and talking on your computer for a couple hours is the easy part. Yeah, quite frankly, sometimes editing is the easy part. It can be, you know, it can be, yeah. but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into this, and sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. So, um, it would have been very easy to just kind of let it stop happening if it weren't for the fact that, you know, well, you know, just, you know, but you know, that in April of 2014, this will, you know, we'll have actually finished this thing, and that kind of gives you something to shoot for. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to say anything else before we actually get into the show proper, or...? I'm sure there'll be lots more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those, so, yeah, let me do that. Okay, any uh, any uh, Doctor Who news? The only thing uh, that I really kind of was paying any attention to is, I don't know if you've been following this or even heard about this. In, there's a, a town in the UK called Boscombe. I believe that's how it's pronounced. If that's not how it's pronounced, I'm sure somebody will let us know. Um, they, they built an actual honest-to-God police box. Okay. Like a real one, yeah. Like an actual working police box, and it looks like the TARDIS. Cool. But it, but it's there to be an actual working piece of police equipment. Huh. And it opened this past week. Okay. And it's um, it's just it's just a really cool little thing. And they went like, I mean, they went all out. They like, you know, here's a Dalek to help open it and all uh. that. But it's going like it's an actual steel and concrete police box that huh. you know has the phone that leads back to the police station. And of course, you know, they're hoping it'll be. Uh, you know, a tourist attraction as well. Yeah. But uh, it's just a cool little thing, like like this little slice of 1920s <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of this town. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about the tourist aspect, because I'm mm. like, not, not tourists, but even locals. It's like, how many people, anybody who actually needs to use this thing, for whatever reason, that includes the actual police officers themselves, mm-hmm. will they be able to mm-hmm. when it's going to be surrounded by tourists, probably... All the time for the next couple, at least the next couple of months, you know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, if it brings the town, you know, money, that that's what really counts, I guess. You know. Yeah. That, that's a cool little thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. But in terms of the show itself, no, I guess the um, you know, the the, the there was a proposal for a Doctor Who Lego set, mm. and that that's been going on for a little while, and there's been so much um, kind of feedback that Lego has, I guess, officially pushed that to the review stage. Ooh. Okay. Like somebody, um, you know, a, a person, you know, a collector or fan or what have you, you know, kind of put together a proposal and kind of made, made a little mock-up. Hmm. And, like, the reaction to it has been so strong that Lego said, okay, yep, we will officially start looking into this. Sweet. So, uh, so that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be, and depending on how they do it, I mean, you know, you can, like, make your own doctor or, like, mash him up, you know? Well, let me uh, hang on one, hang on one sec. I actually want to. I actually want you want you to see this. So okay. Me... Yeah, it'd be cool. Like if you could take like Tom Baker's head, put it on, you know, uh, Colin Baker's body or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. right. or, or just whatever. And uh, while we're talking about Lego, have you seen the Lego Movie? Not yet. Okay, you got to see it. If you can yeah. see it in the cinema, 
Um, I, I think it's kind of being pushed out of cinemas now. But if you do get the chance in like a second run theater before it gets out of there, it's fun. It's it's okay. it's really fun. And without spoiling anything, there comes a point in the movie where you're like, wait a minute, this is the logic starts to get a little wonky. And that's all I'll say about it. But it makes sense. Like at the yeah. end of the day, everything makes sense logically um, when, when you see what's really going on in the movie. Um, I don't know how much you know or how much our listeners know, so I'm trying to be as spoiler-free as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear nothing but good things about it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I would like to go see it. I go to the movie so rarely these days. Mm. And I, I did just go see Winter Soldier this past week. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. What did you think? I dug it. I loved it. Yeah. I did. I absolutely loved it. Um, but And that, that's probably going to be my, my going to the, re, to the movies budget for... A while. Oh, okay, yeah. Until the next big thing that comes out. Yeah, in fact, uh, Shane and I are gonna. She's got a. She she's got spring break this uh, upcoming week, mm-hmm. and uh, we're gonna go see it together Monday because I saw it by myself um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, you're, you're looking at it now. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny though. The Sonic looks like a lightsaber. <laughs> it does kind of. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, these these are really. I'm digging that little canine. I'm just trying to yeah. see if there's anything I'm missing here. Look at the little Dalek. Yeah, I know. I like that. <laughs> It'd be funny if you if you took off the back and like Artie popped out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this morning I had a. I woke up at like five thirty this morning in a panic that it was Sunday and I had missed oh. our recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I. I didn't panic that I had slept through an entire day. Yeah. I panicked that I had slept through it a day and missed our recording. <laughs> but yeah, this is cool. It's hardest console mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, and so this is just some guy that just put this together and like yes, okay, yeah, yeah, just, just kind of put this together and like submitted it to Lego and got the you know I guess they I guess they they have a, a program where it's like if you get a certain number of signatures, we'll look at it for real. Huh. And he more than got the <laughs> number of signatures he needed. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, they're they're looking at it, and it sounds like I mean, you, I mean, you're you're looking at it right now. Yeah, it's I got yeah, cool. yeah. It's pretty cool looking. Uh huh. Um. Okay. If there's anybody from Lego who happens to listen to this, I have an idea for you. Mm-hmm. This is one of Mike's crazy ideas. This is a really cool Lego idea. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just said the idea I came up with is really cool. If you can find a way to the TARDIS. Put it together, but then open it up like a Transformers or like a Transformer. So when you open it up, it becomes the TARDIS playset. So it's mm. literally bigger on the inside, but well, it this folds is, this, together and to yeah. form the box. You know, I mean, there's a video there. Oh, okay. Which I haven't actually clicked on. Yeah, I'm not going to do that right now. Because like the oh, screenshot oh. is. Oh hell! Of, I didn't even scroll down and see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Well, yeah. If they can, if they can find a way to make that work, that'd be really cool. It would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh so the emails done. Yeah, let's do uh, let's do a few emails. Okay, we have a few emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Our first one comes to us from Mike Pasqua, and he writes, "Dan and Mike, I agree with you about the last two episodes in the Cybermen. At some point, some writer will bring back the Daleks. I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. Now, with the new reworking of the Cybers' powers, who do you think would win in an all-out battle? It's going to be interesting to see what happens when they decide to have Jenny regenerate. We will have to wait and see just who they will cast in that role." I think it's a good idea to do a fan service episode at the end of each Doctor's lifespan, don't you? You could write this. What would you put into that episode? I think that it is time they bring back K-9. I think it's time for another alternate reality episode like Inferno or reworking of Battlefield. 
Uh, so starting from the beginning, uh, the Daleks are always going to beat the Cybermen. Yeah, that's never not going to be the case. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, tick off any cyber fans out there, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, when I mean, okay, getting ahead of ourselves in one of the mini shows we're going to cover today, the last day. Mm-hmm. One of the Gallifreyan guards says, if one Dalek gets through, like, the 400 Sky Trenches, which is impossible, that mm-hmm. one Dalek will wipe out the entire city of Arcadia. Yeah. And it's like, if the Time Lords, with all of their massive power, can't stop one Dalek, Cybermen might be cool, they might be super fast now, they might be able to regenerate and upgrade in their own way, Daleks are always going to win. It might take them a little longer now, but they're always mm-hmm. going to win. Yeah. Plus, I mean, just, just just realistically speaking, the Daleks always have to be the big bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no chance that any writer is ever... I mean, okay, there's no chance that any showrunner is ever going to let them be beaten by another bad guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to see the Jenny character again. Yeah. It would be interesting to bring her back, but... You'd have to find a reason to bring her back. Like mm-hmm. somehow the doctor finds out she's alive and he goes look goes and looks for her or something like that. Just or I mean she could just pop up if an episode demanded it. But right. I I don't know if the character can regenerate being only half human. Well, remember, she half, did regenerate, but, but she staged a Georgia Moth. Right. Well, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't physically regenerate, but she brought herself back to life with the regeneration power. So we don't exactly know what her character can do. And it's also, I think it's it's kind of worth noting that she, I mean, she, you know, somebody that, like, like hardcore fans really want to see again, but she was kind of a one-off character in a story from four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, bringing her back would really have any real cachet yeah. for, for the viewing audience at large. So, yeah, unless there was a story that, you know, the only way it would work would be to bring Jenny back. Other than that, I really don't think we're ever going to see her again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a fan service at the episode at the end of each Doctor's lifespan? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we need that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think the occasional fan service episode is fine. Yeah. Um, but to do it every couple of years, every time a, an actor leaves the role, mm-hmm. not so sure about that. Uh, but I would bring Canine back. Um, mm-hmm. But if they do that, then they're going to have to address Liz Slayton. And they've not right. done that in Doctor Who. Yeah. So they might want to wait a little while longer where they can get away with not addressing her passing. I think the canine is a lot of fun and I would like to see him come back. I don't know if, like, I, I think that, again, I mean, because you remember when canine, when, when it was an actual part of the show, mm-hmm. that he really did kind of take away a lot of dramatic issues because he knew everything and he could just shoot everything with his laser nose. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh. <laughs> So, and that's a real dramatic problem, as, as fun as the character is. Yeah. You know, even, even if it was just like, you know, he becomes the voice of the view screen. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's just somebody for the Doctor to bounce off of while he's in the TARDIS. You know. Yeah. Um, you, could, you could do something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Uh, and an alternate reality story? <laughs> um, you know, maybe. Cause I mean, we did one in, in uh, the Cyberman two-parter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because there's yeah. only been a handful, right? There's only, but yeah, I mean, Inferno is the only one I can think of from the old series. Yeah, yeah, because he's gone to other. I mean, he's gone to E space in that pocket world where the the Uncle Planet was, but those aren't really alternate realities, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I mean, if there's another one down the line, I wouldn't be opposed to it because I like, you know, one of my favorite comics of all time is What If, Marvel's sure. What If series. So sure. I clearly like the idea of alternate realities if it's done right, you know. So, yeah. Okay, who's next? Uh, next up we hear from Aaron. And Aaron just very, very quickly and very simply writes, I don't want you to go. <laughs> Edge of Forever, Earth2.net the show, <laughs> books without pictures, for mm-hmm. better or worse, old episodes of World's Finest Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, we're, we're around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're around. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. But thank you very much for the David Tennant pouty face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, next up we have an email from uh, somebody who actually asked that we not use his name. Oh, okay. And, but he writes, hi guys, I know this is an episode late, but I expected someone else to email in about the confusion you guys had in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. The reset button you guys talked about was actually the MagnoGrab remote the Doctor stole from one of the brothers. The reason the TARDIS was damaged in the first place was because of the MagnoGrab, so the Doctor sent the remote control back in time to his former self so they could deactivate it before it wrecked the TARDIS. While I agree that the idea of a reset button is ridiculous, the MagnoGrab control made sense even if not thoroughly explained. Thanks, guys. I love the podcast, and I'm really going to miss it when it's gone. At least I have a Star Trek podcast for the time being. Thanks again. Well, that's that's a very good point. I forgot that that's what the big reset button was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still don't like the idea of the show utilizing a reset button. Yeah. At least it explains what the button was and how it stopped the TARDIS from getting all broken and going on that adventure in the first place. That is true, yeah. I mean, they, they gave us at least some of it of a rationale for the, basically for the MacGuffin. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just the idea that now this is a thing that can happen in the show is just, a, I, I honestly think it's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... At, at least the doctor remembered that something happened. Uh, I think Clara kind of did. Yeah, she did a little later on. Mm-hmm. Like the memories were there. It just took longer for them to come to the surface. So at least it's not like the adventure didn't happen. I mean, it happened right. and the doctor remembers it. Like today I was watching um, the third episode of Voyager called Time and Again. Mm. And the, the third episode of the program, I don't know if you've – have you seen any Voyager I have so I've seen some. Okay. Um I don't know if you're familiar with this one, but this planet gets completely blown up because they're powering themselves with some stupidly powerful technology that is just well explosive. Well, blah 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 blah. They get at the end of the day, the entire episode is undone and no one knows that this thing happened. So mm-hmm. it, the whole thing was basically it was a dream. Kess sorta of knows something because she's got weird psychic powers. Right. But it's that whole Deanna Troy Guinan thing where it's like, Am I sensing something? Was it a dream? you know? And it was yeah. like three episodes in and you guys are already retconning out adventures. Oh my god. Oh god, Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Well, I mean to be fair, Voyager sucks. Voyager is su- Voyager you know, sucks. I'm gonna tell. No, no, I am not. I am. I have not seen all of Voyager. Mm-hmm. I've seen the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna tell you the biggest problem with Voyager. Okay. It was made before Battlestar Galactica reboot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that was made afterwards, Voyager could have been one of the best science fiction programs ever. Because by the time they got home, there would have been mutiny on the ship. It wouldn't have been everybody ends up getting along and, oh, the Maquis and the Federation crews are one. The ship would have been in tatters. It would have been, had been, they would have had to uh, get stuff from Borg ships and Kazon ships, and the mm. ship wouldn't have looked like a Federation ship by the end. That show could have been so good if, if they would have done it after Battlestar. 
but it was made beforehand, and it ends up being just another Star Trek show. Was Ron Moore... Did Ron Moore work on Voyager, or was no. he already gone by that he, point? He was, he was still doing uh, DS9. Okay. Because they overlapped, I think, for the the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong with that, but two or three seasons of DS9... And and Voyager were going at at that same time, and Ron Moore was on one, and uh, he wasn't doing. I don't think he ever touched Voyager. Okay. So, and if he was, we probably would have got darker stories. Probably. You know, because if in DS Nine you see a lot of the groundwork being laid for Battlestar Galactica, because mm-hmm. that's his show, right? That was Ron Moore. Yeah. That? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, not to get on to Star Trek. I mean, I will say know. this. I will say this. The the Buck Rogers episode was pretty good. That's the black that and was that, the black and white holodeck one, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that was that's a fun episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will give it. I'll give it that. Yeah, it, it has some decent episodes. The pilot's pretty good, actually. As it's, I recall, the pilot was okay. You know, but yeah. uh yeah, Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yeah. yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh next up we hear from Brock. And Brock writes, Hello boys. One last time onto the breach for a while. I'm sure there are lots of people who want to talk Nightmare, Nightmare in Silver uh, in the name of the Doctor. I really want to talk about the time of the Doctor. I really enjoy this one. My two major complaints, the 50th anniversary special is that it doesn't really feel like special for the entirety of the series. They should have held on to this story for the new series 10th anniversary for a few years down the line because it completes the major overarching plot of the new show, The Time War. The other I do, is I don't think we'll get to see all the weapons slash beings used in the Time War. The Nightmare Child, the Scarrow Inversions, the Horde of Travesties, the Could Have Been King and his army of meanwhiles and never worse. By the way, if there's an expanded universe story of that last one, please let me know. This is a great story. To all the haters and complainers about this episode, I would like to point out that this is the War Doctor story, not 10s or 11s. It's all about the War Doctor deciding whether or not to use the moment. I also believe the moment is spending most of her slash its time trying to prevent the War Doctor from using it, initially showing his future incarnations as the man who forgets and the man who regrets. When you get to the Zygon human peace negotiations, a lot of people's biggest complaint, and he leaves it because it's the decision he's made the decision to use the moment. He's seen that even though he destroys his civilization, he won't be an empty shell forever. He will go on but not get over it. It will be something that looms over him. He still travels, he still saves many people. Using the moment, he will kill billions, but it will save all of reality. The rest of those negotiations are not important in compared to this decision. When you get to the last set of events, the moment has ready itself to be used, but I think she let the other doctors in to, t- to the time war to talk him down and prevent her from using her. That's not why they came at all. They came to forgive him, and they came to help him. If not for Clara asking the three doctors to take another course of action, I believe they would have gone through with it. My God, what a glorious scene. All 12, no 13 doctors. All 12, no 13 doctors joining forces saving Gallifrey and wiping out the Daleks. That scene may have replaced Matt Smith's Stonehenge speech as my favorite moment in New Who. The final coda just sets up a future doctor's mission to recover Gallifrey. One last thing on Eleven's regeneration, I would change things slightly. When the doctor leaves Clara by the crack. Clara begs for the doctor's life. The regeneration energy should have come out then sealing the crack. When Eleven regenerates, that should have opened the huge crack in the sky, and something subtle should have come out of the crack that will be explained later in Series 12. Or in 12 series. At least that's what I would have done. Love the series. Come back soon. I'm already signed up for the Edge of Forever. Brock. Thank you, Brock. And obviously we'll address the bulk of those points uh, later on, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I like your reworking. And that, 
it does kind of bother me that Clara, t- I will say this, that Clara talks to the crack, it closes and a whole new crack <laughs> opens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I think, yeah, the energy should have flowed up from the bell tower or the bottom of the basement of the bell tower up to the top. And then if they wanted to do a thing where another crack opened because the doctor's regeneration energy was exploding, that could have been cool, you yeah. know, but yeah, it, it is like, wait, why are they opening, closing one and opening another, but yeah. whatever it's, it's a, it's a nitpicky thing on my part, you know, but uh, yeah, I think the rest of this we'll address later on. Right. Yes. I oh, okay, cool. All right. Next up, we hear from the devil himself. Oh yeah. And he writes, Hey guys, I'll keep this short. Congrats on making it to the finish line. I started in about halfway through the second doctor, and I believe, and at this point, um, I started in around halfway through the second doctor, I believe, and this point looked so far away. Now, here you are. Crazy. I will be following you over to the edge of forever and plan to play along when possible. You have like 300 plus episodes there, so cool. <laughs> the downside is that it will be years before you hit Voyager, which I'm sure I'll be sending in weekly emails defending for some odd reason. <laughs> Anyway, take it easy. I look forward to seeing you both in Chicago in a week or two. Though my kneecaps aren't considering, I am sure I'm still owed that beating for the Star Wars Holiday Special. Until next time, Will. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, that those didn't crack as loud as, 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 loud as I had hoped. Damn. Mm, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Will, come on. <laughs> you, me, Dan, in a dark alley. Wait, that sounds yeah, like bad. <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> oh, you know, it's a con. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what happens in cons. Speaking of which, maybe we should like actually like mention that that we we are all going to be at C two E two in a couple weeks. Yes, if anybody uh, is in Chicago, um, and I do know for a fact we have listeners in Chicago mm-hmm. um, or the Chicagoland area, um, or you're coming into town for C two E two. What's the dates? It's like April twenty twenty fifth. Yeah, twenty fifth, twenty seventh. Yeah, uh, if you're coming in. To C2E2, um, a bunch of Earth2.net uh, uh, podcasters and forumites um, and contributors are all coming into town. Um, and we're just going to be getting together, hanging out at the show, hanging out afterwards, um, you know, going to various panels and whatnot. So um, if you can somehow find us, we'll be the ones wearing the geeky shirts. That's how yeah. you'll find us. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You'll know us when you see us. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll also help you narrow it down. I'm balding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably have stubble too, you know? Yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm overweight and I, sometimes I'll have a beard. So, you know, I'll be that guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun because for the very first time ever, mm-hmm. I've known this man for... 12 years. Mm-hmm. I podcasted with him for about four or something. I'm finally going to get to meet James Doe. Nice. Uh, James and I have never met in person. We've, we've spoken on the phone. We've done obviously 100 episodes of world's finest podcast, but James and I will finally meet. So that, that is going to be super exciting. That is very cool. Yeah. Cause but, we should mention that the, the, the reason that, the, I mean, I mean, there's always a big earth to meet up at mm-hmm. C2E2. But the reason I'll, I'll be honest, you know, the reason that I made sure that there was no power and it was going to stop me from coming to this one, uh-huh. is that this is actually Earth 2's tenth anniversary. Yes, this month, and uh, on the site, I am doing absolutely nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think I hinted at it earlier. What I'm hoping to do is uh, next month mm-hmm. is do uh, put up a nice banner that says ten years parenthetically plus one month. 
Yes. <laughs> to do a delayed celebration. But yeah, I got to, <laughs> like I said earlier, talk to you off the air and obviously talk to the other Formites and podcasters because sure, yes. I, I, I have an idea for what I want to do with you guys. But getting mm-hmm. it done in April, especially with the con coming at the back end of the month, yeah, was going to be near impossible. Absolutely. So May, maybe June, maybe June, but you know, we'll, we'll see how I do this. But yeah, 10 years of Earth2.net. Oh my God. And that's, that, now that you, now that you, uh, Remind me that it's been the ten that it's been ten years. Mm-hmm. That means bigger on the inside has been part of Earth Two .net more than it hasn't. Yes, it has. Wow, I never even thought about that. Okay, I know, right? That's cool. Yeah. Okay, we have. Uh, see, the email train marches on <laughs> with Steve, and Steve writes, "Dear President Grover and Coach Toland, <laughs> so this is it—the end of a five and a bit year journey through the doc to Doctor Who's past. It's certainly been a lesson to me on the dangers of following podcasts from the start." <laughs> Whenever you or the hockey fans or any of the other longer-running podcasts celebrate podcasting anniversaries while you're all high-fiving each other, I'm sat with my head in my hands, softly moaning, five years since I started with these guys. No, where has my life gone? (laughs) Oh, well. Look look on the bright side. It's all been worth it. on the inside has been there for me through some of the darkest moments of my life. Dodo, the underwater menace, time flight, Adric. (laughs) I'll be following Edge of Forever, but it won't be the same. Star Trek had American, not British writers. So Mike will get all the pronunciations right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so wrong. <laughs> but not incorrect. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. How is it said? Cork? Kirk? Kark? <laughs> what? Spurk. <laughs> What will we find a Kirk moment to match Ian throwing Aztec off a pyramid? We can only wait and see. I don't know. That fight with the Gorn. The fight with, the fight with the Gorn is legendary for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks for the last five years, guys. Looking forward to hearing you follow Doctor Who in real time for a change, Steve. Well, we're still not quite sure how we're going to do it when we come back. Yeah, I mean, so. we've got it probably at least a year to to worry about that. Yeah, I know that my initial reaction is that I, I don't want to do it like week to week because so many other podcasts do it that way. Right. You know, there's no shortage of Doctor Who podcasts that, you know, talk about the episode that just aired this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement with that, with what you I said. Mean, it's so funny because when we started, there were there were a number of Doctor Who podcasts, but there's been a, just an explosion of them over mm-hmm. the last five years. Mm-hmm. And it's become to the point where if you're going to do it, you got to find a way to do it that other people aren't doing it. Right, yeah. If you can. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's still a way to do that. So, um... Well, I haven't listened to... I just haven't had the time to listen to what... Uh, and I, damn it, I'm forgetting the name right now, but what they're doing on Geek Planet Online, it's it's a look at all of the doctors, but it's there's a narrative around it. There's a story mm-hmm. structure about these four Irish guys that, get, that go to a pub and get abducted by aliens and they have to explain the doctor. Yeah. To them. And I forget, I'm going to look it up right now. Um, so, so pardon me here. Yeah. But, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. They mm-hmm. found a way to do it in a way that other shows aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? Because there's, I mean, there's well over 100 Doctor Who podcasts out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just, just a crazy, crazy amount because mm-hmm. the show's just gotten so popular in the last few years. Yeah. And that's, and that's great, but it means that the, the field's very crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's called The Chronicles of Time. Okay. And it can be found on geekplanetonline.com. It looks like as of date, they have two episodes out. And I believe there are, there, there's one plan for each doctor. So you can okay. see how many episodes they're going to have there. 
Okay. Cool. Very nice. All right. Uh, next up, we hear back from Lori, and she writes to Dan and Mike. It's strange that I had the complete opposite reaction to Mike when watching Name of the Doctor. The first time I loved it, and I remember that you didn't give it a favorable review the first time around, and I wanted to defend it. But now I think it's terrible. <laughs> it makes no sense. I guess I was just blinded by the fan wink before. Also, I do wonder why the Great Intelligence didn't try and impact the War Doctor's timeline. I mean, really, the single most important thing the Doctor's ever done, ending the time war that's too big to mess with. Really? That's going too far. I'm pretty sure there isn't going to be an answer to this other than he can't be included because that would just mess with the numbering. I also don't like the idea of Clara being the one to introduce the Doctor to the TARDIS. I always imagine the Doctor seeing the TARDIS for the first time would be a bit like Mal seeing the Serenity for the first time in Objects in Space. Mm, okay, I kind of I get that. That's a good point. Yeah. It lessens the relationship with the Doctor and the TARDIS to hammer Clara in there. I suppose I shouldn't criticize an episode for messing with my own personal canon, but it annoys me. No, no, I, th I think you have something there. There, The Doctor should have, because I know I love that, that, that moment. In, mm -hmm. in, in Firefly. That's a beautiful moment. So, it is. Yeah, you're right. I think I kind of always imagined the same thing. So my Doctor Who story. I started watching Doctor Who in 2005 with Rose. I was 11 at the time. And I remember my parents being really excited that it was coming back. They'd watched Pertwee as children, and they were really excited. I do remember there was a buzz around that first episode. It was on the news, the adverts were everywhere, and my parents understood that something they thought was long dead was coming back, and they were excited. I loved it, and it quickly became part of the family routine. I clearly remember Are You My Mummy being said by everyone in my school after The Empty Child aired. I also remember obsessively checking the TV guide to make sure I was home on time for Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same in America, but in the UK, the time Doctor Who went out varied wildly, so it was necessary to do this to make sure we'd be home in time. Then there's my classic Who story, which started more recently whilst I was at uni. I remember on... Uh, I remember on something of a whim deciding to watch an unearthly child and the internet fairy not being obliging. <laughs> I just could not find this episode at the time, so I decided to rent it. Specifically, I rented the beginning box set, so I watched the first three episodes and the special features. The problem was instead of enjoying them as fiction, I saw them instead as the first domino that created the show I love today. So I was fascinated by these episodes, but I didn't love them. Then I was in a DVD store, and I saw the Aztecs. It was five pounds. I thought, that's pretty cheap, and it had the same TARDIS team as the ones from the beginning box set, so I bought it, and I fell in love. I loved everything about the Aztecs, the fact the Doctor gets engaged, Ian throwing a dude off a pyramid, <laughs> and inventing the Vulcan nerve pinch before Doctor Who even existed. The glory of John Ringham is... Oh, I, I used to be able to pronounce this. Tlatoxel. Oh, yeah, ringing, yeah. <laughs> ringing every drop of Shakespearean melodrama out of his role, and, of course, the glory that is Barbara Wright. The way she takes charge of the situation holds a knife to a guy's throat so that she can get her way, yeah. and see her break down under the pressure of it all. I love Barbara. She's flawed, but she's always determined to do the right thing and see justice prevail, and when she sees people die pointlessly, she has to act, even though she knows she's not a god. After this episode, she became my favorite companion, and I knew I had to have more, so I went back and watched The Keys of Marinus, and my journey to, to acquire every Doctor Who DVD began. <laughs> There's been ups and downs to this journey, and I still feel cheated by the fact that I paid full price for the sensor rights. <laughs> That's 18 pounds I'm never seeing again. <laughs> was, was someone laughing in the background there? That, is, that would be Wendy in the background there. <laughs> That's what I thought I heard. <laughs> but it's been a fun journey, and I discovered Bigger on the Inside and Earth2.net through this journey, and it's been a blast. So I've thoroughly enjoyed this journey through space and time, and I'm looking forward on going on a trek through the stars. <laughs> From Lori. P.S. A short anecdote about how much Doctor Who is part of my family. 
The night day of the doctor aired, my family was invited to a party. My sister, my mom, and I all decided we'd rather watch Day of the Doctor <laughs> than go to this party. When my stepdad pointed out, you can watch Day of the Doctor after the party, I said, yes, but the 50th anniversary special would be on and we wouldn't be watching it. <laughs> he said, but you'd miss the party. You can watch this any time. I still don't understand his logic. <laughs> we still would have missed the 50th anniversary special to go to a party. This makes no sense to me. I remember my mom saying, how dare he arrange their party the same day as Doctor Who's 50th anniversary special. It's so inconsiderate. My mom wonders why I'm so nerdy and comes out with stuff like this. We did still go to the party slightly late with me wondering the whole time who the hell Tom Baker is supposed to be to the amusement of the host, but it was fun. I hope this amuses you, and I look forward to your last episode with enthusiasm and a small hint of sadness. <laughs> Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. And next up, we hear from Dietrich, and he writes, Hey, guys, I started listening to BOTI maybe a year ago and enjoyed all your coverage of the classic series and some of the new. Now that you guys are caught up to the present with Doctor Who, it occurs to me that a bunch of Mike's wishes from the past have come true. What? I remember Mike saying he wanted the Ice Warriors to come back, oh. and they did. I think perhaps he also wanted the Zygons again, and the Great Intelligence, etc., but I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, sorry, I thought you meant my stupid-ass theories had come to luck, had come true. It's like, no, no. <laughs> I think at least one of the, I don't remember which, but I think at least one of those you actually did, you did call. Yeah, I think I lucked into one, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's the law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm glad that some of Mike's wishes came true. I enjoyed the nostalgia of hearing you cover episodes I've seen, hearing about ones I didn't know, and the always enjoyable discussion between you both. Thanks for all the great podcasts. Next up, and I'm, I'm really sorry, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, um, Balaj. Balaj, if I've mispronounced that, I really am. I'm very sorry. Um, you know, he's actually he's a listener to... Uh, Books without pictures, um, and, and he's always been 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 active on on that Facebook page. But unfortunately, I did not know how to pronounce his name. So if if that's wrong, I apologize. But he writes, "Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for all the great episodes of your pod. Boti is my favorite podcast. I hope you will come back with some episodes after series eight. Based on the pilot, The Edge of Forever will be just as cool as Boti, even for a casual Star Trek fan like myself." I just hope you will say good things about my new favorite doctor, John Hurt, in the last episode. Give it the good work, Balash. I, I, I think we'll be kind to John Hurt. I think we'll, yeah, I think we'll probably, yeah, I think we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that John Hurt kid, he's got a future ahead of him. <laughs> I sure hope to see him in other things in the future. <laughs> Okay, next up, we hear from David, and he writes, Hello, Mike and Dan. As you begin your hiatus, I wanted to write and say how much I've been enjoying your show. I began watching the show in 2010, beginning with Matt Smith, and have seen all the current seasons with Doctors 9 and 10, plus a few older stories when BBC America aired their Doctors Remembered specials. When, with Matt Smith leaving and getting to see his regeneration when it happened, instead of seeing it as a past event leading up to the present, as I had with the past Doctors, I have a better understanding of how fans felt when their Doctor left. I was sad to see Eleven go, but like he said, the Doctor must change, and I'm looking forward to seeing Peter Capaldi's Doctor and seeing how different he is new. I look forward to your new episodes whenever you think the time is right to continue. I'm also looking forward to your Star Trek podcast. I've never really followed the original series that much and plan on watching the series with you. One question before I finish. Will your Star Trek podcast be looking only at the original series, or will you get to all the other shows, similar to World's Finest Podcast, how you looked at all of the DCAU show? David. Everything 
that is uh, considered canon. Mm-hmm. That being the TV sh- all the TV shows will be covered mm-hmm. on the edge of forever. Yes. Um, that definitely includes the cartoon too. We've had people ask about the cartoon. The cartoon mm-hmm. is being covered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, and the movies. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. The movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had people ask if we were going to do the fan adaptations. No. I, at least I, I, I wasn't planning on covering that. No, I shouldn't no, speak no, no, for, no. for Dan there. No, but. I mean, there's been some, I mean, okay, I'm going to say right up, there's been some absolutely phenomenal fan films mm-hmm. in the Star Trek universe. Um, the stuff that James Colley was doing is just amazing what he was able to do. Um, but no, that's not something that we, that, we, that we plan on making part of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we really want to focus on. I'm not disrespecting that stuff, but what the producers, like what the Hollywood producers intended. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up, we hear from Kat and Rosie. Kat and Rosie write, Dear Dan and Mike, congratulations for completing the end of your epic journey. All of Doctor Who now lies behind you in the form of 140 brilliant podcasts. It's been great fun to listen to them and hear your discussions on every episode. We've both learned lots from Dan's seemingly endless knowledge of Classic Who, and we've laughed at Mike's theories and enjoyed watching episodes for the first time with him as well. Thank you for years of entertainment. Our overall views of Series 7 are that it's just meh, and I find it easy to forget that the two halves are part of the same series as the tone is very different. The pawns going and not going in the mystery of Clara. It's the series that had some good ideas, Ice Warriors, High, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, and upgraded Cybermen, just to name a few, but none of them, apart from Cold War, managed to do it well enough. It's a pity that this is Smith's last year in the role, because he did such an amazing job in the role. He made it his own, where a lot of people thought he couldn't, and wanted him to fail because he wasn't David Tennant. Night of the Doctor is brilliant, and I'm not only glad that they finally gave us the regeneration, but that big finish is now officially canon. They deserve it because the audio stories they produce are brilliant. I've fallen in love with the Eighth Doctor through them. Day of the Doctor is good fun. We were both lucky enough to see it in the cinema the night it came out, and although there are a couple of problems with it, it holds together well as a good story and not just as an anniversary special. Time of the Doctor is good as well, though I still think Moffat threw too much into it. The Weeping Angel wasn't needed. But he did a fairly good job of tying up all his loose ends. Rosie and I both cry at the scene in the TARDIS just before the regeneration, it was beautifully acted by everyone involved, but especially Matt Smith. It's odd to think there won't be another episode of Big on the Inside for months, but we are both looking forward to watching Star Trek for the first time and listening to The Edge of Forever. Thanks again, Cat and Rosie, Big on the Inside's biggest fans. Thank you, ladies. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, we have one more email, and it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it comes to us from Wendy. <laughs> Who's sitting two feet to my left right now. <laughs> Mike, Mike, uh, don't, 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 say, say, say what you told me off the air. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> last night, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, Shannon was putting away the d- dinner and I was, I was doing things on my computer, putting away dinner, putting away the dishes. And uh, I see on Facebook, I have mm-hmm. this uh, private message from Wendy. I'm like, oh, okay. Um... And uh, she had asked what the email address was for Bigger on the Inside. And I kind of chuckled to myself because I found this humorous and I also had beer, vodka, and wine in my system. And Mm -hmm. I turned to my wife and I go, I I tell her what just happened and I finish it up by saying, she couldn't have turned two feet to her left to ask Dan? <laughs> but it, it obviously gave me the opportunity to to thank Wendy for uh, upping her Patreon Mm -hmm. donation for our final episode. So, yes. 
Well, uh, dear Mike and Dan, Wendy here, Dan's co-host with Books Without Pictures and Girlfriend. When he and I met, BOTI was already a big part of Dan's life, and it's kind of strange to think about him not getting ready to record the next episode. When I met Dan, the only classic doctors I knew were the fourth doctor, who I'd watched as a child, and the sixth doctor, who I never watched but remember seeing and being really put off by. I think it was that crazy costume. Uh-oh, are we going to have a problem with, with Chris Johnson and Wendy in the same room? I know, Chrissy right? Too? Uh-oh. I know. Uh, uh, rumble, rumble. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think she can take him. Probably. <laughs> Since meeting Dan, I've watched a lot of the old episodes with him, often against his recommendation, <laughs> like the Censorites, <laughs> and listened to your episodes about them. I'll miss the show while it's on hiatus, but I'm comforted by the knowledge that you'll be back. Question for you about Patreon. I support the show. Do you know what will happen with the hiatus? Does my pledge go on hold until new episodes return, or will it cancel after a certain amount of inactivity? If it does, please remind us about Patreon when you come back. Mike, thanks very much for running the site and for creating the show. I don't know if you know how much the show has meant to Dan. (laughs) I can't wait to hear you two on your new project. If you need a red shirt for DS9, you know where to find me. And Dan, can you run down to the laundry room and get the clothes from the dryer? Thanks. Do we got to take a break right now? So no, do we don't got to take a break right now. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Wendy. Um, <laughs> this, this is weird because she's in the room with you, but I'm talking to her into the future. Into the future. Wibbly, uh, when it comes to Patreon, I don't know. I will mm. actually contact the people at Patreon because they are very accessible. Um, and I will get an answer because, yeah, I mean, as, as you said, I don't know, a few minutes ago, it could be a whole year before Bigger on the Inside's back, and I don't want them closing down this account, you right. know. But when the show comes back, I also don't want to surprise people, and all of a sudden they get money deducted out of their PayPal account, you right. know, and they're like, oh, shoot, I forgot about that, you know. Right. So uh, I really I, I really don't know, but I will try to get an answer to that question. And uh, not only will I tell Wendy uh, via email through you, Dan, uh, but I will also actually post that on the official Patreon page because you can post mm-hmm. notes on there that they don't, you know, you don't get charged for that. I just post it right. out. And, yeah, yeah, there's a note, you know. So, yeah, there you go. Or you could shift your funds over to Edge of Forever. Yeah, you could always, you could always start paying for Edge of Forever. Because I haven't created a Patreon page yet, but I'm going to. Because yeah. I need mm-hmm. the money from the show to pay for the forums. <laughs> for, for the month that we're not going to have a show, it's like, yeah, how am I going to pay for the forums? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Mm, there's that. Yes. But we, all, uh, we also have three voicemails. We do indeed. Uh, so, and the first one is from, we haven't heard from him in a long time, but from our old friend, Adam Pearson. Hi, Dan and Mike and all the listeners to Bigger on the Inside. It's Adam here from the 20 Megabyte Doctor Who podcast, sending in a message to thank you for entertaining me thoroughly over the last five years. Yes, I haven't made many contributions myself over the last few years, but I wanted you to know I've been listening all the way through. And congratulations for reaching the end of the road. And also providing me with subject matter for my show because your opinions are so important so um good luck with your star trek podcast uh, i might listen to it i haven't really got time to watch any star trek but um i have watched them all obviously already um obviously uh, yourselves are quite entertaining anyway so i might just give it a go and see how we get on with it it in fact might even uh, inspire me to get into watching star trek so all i want to say is look forward to when you start back up again with doctor who and I'm going to miss you. And thank you again. Thank you, Adam. It was it was great hearing from you again. I, I don't remember the last episode. Uh, man, 
It might have been around, like, episode 90, actually, our last big recap episode, you know? Yeah, I want to say that, I mean, I, I think Baker is the last time that we regularly wow. from Adam. Yeah, yeah, regularly, absolutely. I'm very, I'm very, very possibly wrong about that. But, yeah, Adam was, was a, you know, a, a regular contributor mm-hmm. for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really, really thank you, Adam, for, for popping back in, um, you know, before, before we leave. Um, it's really, really great to hear from you again. Yeah. And the next one is from our friends Dave Provert and I just Dave Provert Dave Probert. You have a new name, Dave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Ian Wilson. Hello, Dad and Mike. It is I, Dave Probert, and with me is Ian Wilson, your long-standing nemesis. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's not much to do with me. I mean, <laughs> basically, we're here to say, you know, congratulations on coming to the end of your uh, your journey. From the beginning of Doctor Who up to the present day, and to reflect a little on the legacy of Bigger on the Inside. Yes. What a legacy you have left in the form of our podcasts, which we have blatantly ripped off from you. Well, that's, that's a bit strong. We, we, we use you know, bits of the format, certainly. Homaged, then. Homaged, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Dress up for language, even though it equates to the same thing. Yes. Well, yeah, I think it all comes down to the fact that ultimately, I suppose, if you trace it back, it's all sort of Chris Brosnahan's fault. Yes, absolutely. Um, Our mutual friend. Yes, because it was obviously it was Chris who suggested to Mike that you watch Doctor Who in the first place. And it's because of Chris that uh, Dave and I met at all. Well, yeah, and it was because of Chris that I listened to Bigger on the Inside in the first place, because when me and him were on a podcast together, he mentioned he was listening to it and and, suggested people go check it out. I did, and I start, started listening to the other Earth 2 shows, and lo and behold, here we are many years later. In fact, um, it, because I knew Chris had a podcast, it's uh, where I heard Dave do podcasting for the first time ever. So effectively, yes. we're not p- paying tribute to you at all. We're, we're talking about how great Chris Brosnahan is, and <laughs> you guys are merely a byproduct. Albeit a long-running and entertaining byproduct. Dude, if they're a byproduct, what are we? Um, an homage. <laughs> we're, we're an homage of a byproduct. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. This is swiftly turning into a roast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that road. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah, we basically we just wanted to say thanks for being so, so entertaining. I mean, obviously, I, I know. I've been listening since sort of like uh, the early episodes. And I don't know about you, Ian. How, how long have you been listening? Oh, I've listened since day one because I'm a, a loyal listener and everything. And uh, thank you as well for taking the age jokes with typical humility and good grace, Toland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, basically, if it wasn't for sort of bigger on the inside existing, there wouldn't be a Shake and Blake. Nope. There probably wouldn't be a twice as bright half as long. Nope. Or a Pulp Diction? Probably not. No. Although, uh, arguably, Pulp Diction might exist, but it might have a better name. Can't be done. Can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, other than that, just to say, sort of, uh, you've done a fantastic job covering all the episodes of Doctor Who. You're going out on a high, certainly, and we look forward to hearing you voyage into the world of Star Trek. 
you might be. I've never listened to anything related to Star Trek whatsoever. So uh, I will find well, it. I will find it. That was the time edu- to fix that. Education. Fix it. Education. <laughs> Te- personally, I thought we were just doing this segment so that we could tell all of uh, Bigger on the Inside's uh, listeners about our podcasts and how we've also successfully done an entire podcast about science fiction. Then, to be fair, there's a lot less of Blake Seven than there is of uh, Doctor Who. That makes it even more accessible for new listeners. It does, yes. <laughs> and, you know, if you like snake dance, <laughs> are we the podcast for you? Absolutely. <laughs> we should probably wrap up now. I, I imagine they've probably got a show they want to do. Really? Oh, yeah. All right, then. Fine. <laughs> so... Um, until next time, cheerio. Yeah, all the best, guys. Goodbye. I hesitate to call myself a hero, of <laughs> course. <laughs> but it is true that without me, you know, there would be no, uh, whatever the hell it is they're doing these days. <laughs> 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 but, but it is true. No, I think, I think that a lot of, a lot of things, you know, it, it, it all kind of goes back to Chris Brosnan. Yeah, later on, when we got to the end of the show, I was going to, you know, thank certain people. Um, and Chris Brosnan's contribution to Bigger on the Inside cannot be understated. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize the effect he had on Dave and Ian meeting and their podcasting lives and all that. But, yeah, absolutely. Without Chris Brosnahan, this show does not exist if he did not say uh you know at the time i was uh dating jenny if he and uh, if he didn't say you guys need to watch this episode of doctor who that being blink um this 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 show right here would not be happening at all um in fact what episode of bigger on the inside was that let's or, or, or the hey, show. yeah uh, earth at the show sorry it was like back in like the 150s 158 it? september of t- uh 21st of september 2007 Wow. So, yeah. And like a year later, we were doing this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if Chris listens to this, but um, if anybody knows how to get in t- contact with him, Dave, Ian, um, or if anybody can point you to him on Facebook or Twitter, I suppose I could look him up myself, uh, do let him know that we finished this project and, you know, I am deeply, deeply thankful that he just sent me a message one day saying, you got to watch Blink because you're going to love it. Yeah. Also, Wilson, you are impertinent. <laughs> and speaking of Wilsons, yes, the last voicemail slash email this show will receive for a while is from the superior Wilson. Other that, Wilson. <laughs> that being the Pandy Wilson. <laughs> I don't know why he's the Pandy all of a sudden. The Pandy. Gets the, you know. <laughs> like... Like, 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 like the Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Green Arrow. Yeah, I was gonna, that's the one I was going to add, yeah. <laughs> the Pandy. <laughs> Hi, Dan and Mike. I'm Pandy. I love your show, and I will miss it a lot. I don't watch Star Trek, so I won't be listening. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I think that I will. I think I might watch along and listen along, and it'll be quite interesting, because all I really have to go on is that episode of Future Armor where they all come back, and uh, the films... Uh, yeah, so I look forward to you educating me on Star Trek, The Next Generation, and the other shows that aren't The Next Generation. Bye! So, thank you, Pandy. Thank you Thanks. very, very much for being the kind, kinder, gentler, Wilson. 
Yes. Yeah, and thank sense. you, everybody. Yes, indeed. Yeah. This show, honestly, this show would not be what this show was without everybody being so, uh, contributing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I mean, Lord knows we've had so many conversations spiral out of things that people write in. You know, we're coming on the forums. They tweet us. They, you know, ping us on Facebook at two thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which we love. Which yeah. We love. Yeah. But um, yeah, this show would not have been what this show was mm-hmm. without the people that listen. Yeah. What do you think he's doing? Reading a script. Well, he's always reading scripts and filming. Always filming. It's probably for TV. I mean, who wants to do TV? It's not like it's a motion picture. Oh, shut up! Look, this will be his agent. I guarantee it. Okay, I've had a call from my contact. I know the filming dates and I've got a plan. Your contact? Who is this contact? Well, I've picked up a lot of contacts over the years. Oh, I've picked up quite a few contacts while filming The Hobbit. <laughs> anyway, my contact. Uh, this contact wouldn't have a Scottish accent and be married to your daughter, would he? I see, I can't reveal that. Well, that's perfect, because that fits in with the other one, right? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Oh, listen, by the way, um, not that I care at all, but you haven't heard from the BBC about that Doctor Who special, I mean. Nothing at all. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's okay. No, no. Um, no, that's fine. Um, well, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Damn. Do you think we should call Tom? Call Tom? Why? Well, he might want to join the team. Tom? Well, you call him, then. Oh, no, I don't think I should call him. Well, it's your brilliant idea. Oh, for heaven's sake. I've eaten possum's anus on live television. Couldn't be worse than that. I'll call him. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Well, I seem to be stuck in the sodding time vortex again. So I can't assist you. Just one of the many regrets of my life. Goodbye, my dears. Whatever it is you're planning, I'm in. Work permitting, obviously. Before we move on to the two main stories that we're talking about today, we have to also talk about the Five-ish Doctors reboot, and uh, we're going to talk about two other things after that. But uh, synopsizing the Five-ish Doctors reboot, basically, uh, Peter Davison, uh, Sylvester McCoy, and Colin Baker are all really sad because mm-hmm. uh, no one from the BBC. That being specifically Stephen Moffat is calling them to say, hey, be a big part of this 50th anniversary special. So they get together, also with Paul McGann and with some help from uh, John Berman, and they decide that they are going to invade or protest outside the BBC. Uh, mm-hmm. to say no, no classic, no 50th, you know, <laughs> and then someone finally points out, um, in fact, it's Barrowman himself points out, um, they actually film in Cardiff, you know that, right? And they're like, oh man. So John reluctant, well, at first reluctantly, then gleefully, um, <laughs> drives them to, to, to Cardiff where thanks to the help of a certain son-in-law of one of the doctors, they're able to get <laughs> on set into the uh, wherever they're filming the the, the big scene involving uh, the TARDIS glitching in mm-hmm. uh, in uh, uh, the day of the doctor. And uh, at first, they they have to disguise themselves as Daleks to get into a shot, and then later on, they did actually disguise themselves as Zygons, but as the under the sheet Zygons mm-hmm. in the in the under gallery. Um, 
And after they do that, after they get on camera, even though it's not their faces, they are very content and uh, they go back to living their normal lives, really. Mm -hmm. That's this one, right? Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you want to say about the five-ish doctors? I, I actually had a lot of fun watching okay. this. It's not, like, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I actually laughed out loud at any point. Yeah. But I had a smile on my face the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's a fun little special that, I mean, addresses the fact that you could not realistically bring in any of the original doctors and have them play the doctor. Yeah. Because they're all so significantly older mm -hmm. that you could not really, you know, ask us to suspend disbelief for an entire episode. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's great that they were able to kind of be part of it in this way. Yeah. You know, they brought in, you know, Paul McGann for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Which was kind of cool, mm. you know. Um, you know, so many uh, of the companions just, just kind of blink and you miss them are in there, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, that that scene of of um, Moffat asleep with the swirling companion heads around him, yeah. like Caves of Androzani. <laughs> yeah. And then Matthew Waterhouse does the master part. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. And then he blew up. <laughs> <laughs> That part was that was probably the only thing I legit laughed out loud at yeah. while I watched it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't again. It wasn't like a gut bustingly funny thing, mm -hmm. but it was a very pleasant, fun experience. What about you? Well, the the first I don't know ten or so minutes. I have to admit I was really bored, and I'm like, mm -hmm. there's twenty more minutes of this thing because mm -hmm. this thing is like what thirty thirty one minutes something like that. I was really worried that. I was not going to be entertained. But mm -hmm. once they set out on the road mm -hmm. and they really start getting the uh, ball rolling on their little adventure there, mm -hmm. it turned into something worth watching. Mm -hmm. You know, if anybody's going to watch it, really just skip to the point where Paul McGann says, I'm in. Because mm -hmm. everything before that is them just sitting around, the actors, legit, the actors sitting around with their real families mm -hmm. saying, oh, no one's called me, no one's called me, no one's called me. It's like, okay, can we move past this, please, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But I was very pleased that they found ways to work in not just these guys, of course, but, because mm -hmm. uh, this was written and directed by Peter Davison himself, right? It was. I would be, I mean, I, I can't for one second imagine that at least the scripting was not assisted by somebody with a lot more Finnish knowledge than Davidson himself probably has. Oh, okay. Because there's a lot of jokes in this. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, but um, th that, you know, it didn't just focus on five, six, seven, and eight to some extent mm -hmm. trying to get into the show. They mm -hmm. also found ways to work in uh, people, I mean, from one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. You know, we get Susan as a swirling head. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we get Victoria as a swirling head. Mm -hmm. Sean Pertwee starts the show. Yeah, he does. You know, and um, I think he made a reference to Gotham. Um, uh, maybe he says to I forget who he's talking to in the in the chair when they're sitting in the chair in the lawn chairs. But he says, uh, "Oh yeah, I have an American show coming up, but I can't talk about that yet." Yeah, that's got to be Gotham. I would think so. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, he's playing Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. So. And it looks um, just like his father. It's so weird, man. It's weird, right? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. man. But, you know, and then there was a nice joke about Tom Baker not being there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the only doctor they didn't make a reference to was probably 
nine or yeah nine but he's not a classic mm-hmm. doctor so that's okay so right. i really did like the fact that they went out of their way to to get people from one two and three or who are connected to three mm-hmm. into this well i guess joe was there too so there was another reference mm-hmm. to to, to, to pertwee so that- uh, joe was there and, and and there was um you know some of of baker's forest companions were in there too oh yeah that's right they did yep well you Adric, know, La- yeah, there was yeah. Adric was there lala was there oh okay you know, Sarah Sutton, Nissa was there, although she's obviously she's more more Peter's thing. Yeah. Uh, John Leeson, oh. K9. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. And they did bring in John Coleshaw to do his, his Tom Baker impersonation. Oh. When- John Coleshaw is, uh, remember when they, on the, he did left the voicemail? Oh, yeah, yeah. Doing, a, I mean, he is a fantastic Tom Baker. Okay. He's been doing Tom Baker forever. And um, just, and it's not just that he sounds just like him, but he's able to do that whole "I'm crazy and probably drunk." (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, now I do have a question coming away from this. Yes, was it really them under the tarps? I hate to be a mark, you know, but like, it wasn't really them. Do we know? I can't imagine it was okay because like it would be cool if it was, you know. It would be cool if it was, but I can't. I can't think it was. Okay. I love that you know. Obviously, you know, Sylvester spends the entire time talking about how he's in the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually like went to New Zealand and shot a little scene with Peter Jackson and Ian McKellen trying to figure out what the hell <laughs> happened to Sylvester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and McKellen couldn't be bothered either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he didn't even know who he was. <laughs> It's almost like they didn't give him a script. He was really just like, yeah, it's probably better without him anyways. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And one of, oh, I forgot about this. One of the Dalek operators, uh-huh. you know, like like sitting there with Nick Briggs. Yeah. That's David Troughton. Oh. The big one was David Troughton. Oh, shoot. I didn't, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, because oh yeah, because when, when when he was in Midnight, he was wearing glasses, those, those thick glasses. Oh, so that, there we go, yeah. And he wasn't here. Yeah, it's a Clark Kent effect. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. But I love the way that they use John Barrowman in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was really, really good. Like, his, his, his deep, dark secret that he doesn't want getting out is that he's actually straight and married with two kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he spends the entire drive to Cardiff singing shows. Yeah. And then he hands them, like, copies of CDs and DVDs that they're actually able to use as currency when they get to the Doctor Who experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, and that's, that's this weird paradox, paradox with this episode. It's like watching it, like, it's, you know, it was, it, was, it was kind of fun and maybe got a chuckle or two, but mm-hmm. talking about it is more fun. Yeah. You know, than, than actually watching it, you know. I think it's I think it's worth people's time. I really do. I guess I just just skipped the last twenty minutes or so. But find find a buddy who's also seen it and just laugh about it together. You yeah, know? It, it does. It takes a few minutes for it to find its footing. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. But once it does get rolling, it really is a very fun little special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and oh man, oh the scene the, the the capping scene at the end with Uncle Rusty trying to <laughs> talk his way into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was that was fun because yeah. again he's a he's a born performer. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Like where where whereas Moffat was really kind of stiff and and not comfortable in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. He 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 just he just opened and you know opened up and and just sailed right through his scene. That was yeah. Really- um, uh, what was I gonna? Say? Oh, I love that. Uh, 
what do you call it? When uh, I think it's when Peter's having his. Uh, there's there's a bit with Tegan basically just be, well, it wasn't Tegan. Who was what was her what was her name? Um, Janet Fielding. Yeah, but she goes straight into Tegan mode and tells him off. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that's the perfect role for her. You know. Yeah, and I love that the entire time that you know. Um, you know, Peter Davison's trying to get on, and David Tennant is filming. You know, <laughs> we we get scenes here and there that you know clearly Georgia Moffat is incredibly pregnant yeah. and being left on her own the entire time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that you know she's she's you know talking on the phone with 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 Tennant, and yeah, okay, no, all things are fine here, no problem. And she's giving birth while it's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is that their uh, not to get in their personal lives, but is that mm. their first child or their second? I believe it's their first together. Okay, okay, cool. And she had she had a uh, a little boy beforehand. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And I didn't realize again. And as I get really into their personal lives, that Peter Davison had such young sons. Yes, those two boys in the beginning. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that. You know. Yeah. So well, he makes he makes jokes about that 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 you know his his you know his son his son's favorite doctor is his son in law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. It's like, yeah, yeah it's going to be Matt Smith well, and David Tennant. Yay! No, I used to be on the show, too. <laughs> yeah, and the bit with Colin's family trying to run away. That was funny. That was funny. Because that really does play into that 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 um, over-the-top hamminess that Colin is able to do very well. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I mean, uh, something to take away from this is that the actors really were taking the piss out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Really showing how... Uh, needy, I don't know if that's the right word, actors can be. Sure. You know, just that's like, you know, when they're wanting a part, or they're waiting for a part, or they're waiting for calls, you know? Like, they're, they're not taking themselves seriously here, yeah. you know? And, and I, I, I love, like that. Yeah, and I love that, you know, the three of them are just kind of sitting there, like, at one end of the table watching Paul McGann on the phone with his agent <laughs> at the other end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just being all, his phone's always ringing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's TV, right? Just TV. It's just TV. <laughs> that was the other thing I really loved was the interplay between Colin and Sylvester. Yeah, that was good. They were really good together. Uh-huh. That you know, uh, you know, as as natural because you don't actually see Colin play that naturally very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he really did it really well here. He's clearly very annoyed and sarcastic towards Colin mm-hmm. uh, Sylvester the entire time. Yeah, yeah, and. I mean, yeah, you could just chalk it up to being the two men, the two actors, but it's like it also works as when the doctors get together, they never get along, right. you know, so it works right. on that level, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoyed how they found little ways to let them have their doctor-isms, yeah. you know, and it's it, it definitely brought back some rather fond uh, memories of, of, yeah. of their times, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you have about this one? I don't know. I think we 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 picked this apart to a degree that it really probably doesn't merit. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but but it is a very very fun, you know, trifle basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've maybe seen this two or three times. Oh, okay. Um, you know, whereas normally something like this, I probably would have watched many 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 more times than that. But it was very very fun. And then you'll forget all about it about five minutes after it's over. Yeah, yeah. The war between the Daleks and the Time Lords threatens all reality. You are the only hope left. It's not my war. I will have no part of it. You can't ignore it forever. I help where I can. I will not fight. Because you are the good man, as you call yourself. I call myself the Doctor. It's the same thing in your mind. I'd like to think so. In that case, Doctor, attend your patient. 
wasting your time. She is beyond even our help. She wanted to see the universe. She didn't miss much. It's very nearly over. I could have saved her. I could have got her off this. She wouldn't listen. Then she was wiser than you. She understood there was no escaping the time war. You are a part of this, Doctor. Whether you like it or not. I would rather die. You're dead already. How many more will you let join you? If she could speak, what would she say? To me, nothing. I'm a Time Lord. Everything she despised. She would beg your help. As we beg your help now. The universe stands on the brink. Will you let it fall? Fast or strong? Wise or angry? What do you need now? Warrior. Warrior? I don't suppose there's any need for a doctor anymore. Make me a warrior now. I took the liberty of preparing this one myself. Get out! Get out! All of you. Will it hurt? Yes. Good. Charlie, Carries, Lucy, Tamsin, Molly. Friends, companions, I've known, I salute you. And Cass, I apologize. Physician, heal thyself. So next up are two mini-episodes, uh, and they serve as preludes to the day of the Doctor. The first one is The Night of the Doctor. The second one is The Last Day. The Night of the Doctor sees a uh, spaceship. I think it's like what a gunship or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's uh, damaged, and it's going to crash. And uh, the, the, the pilot uh, says something about a doctor, and uh, all of a sudden, the doctor shows up, and uh, he goes, hey, I'm the doctor, or probably not the one you were expecting, and my fanboy heart exploded, and I fell over and died. Yeah. Yeah. Holy because it's Paul McGann! Mm-hmm. Woo! And I believe that was the first hard curse of this episode. It took us an hour and 15 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> but it, Paul McGann was worth it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says... Uh, uh, why didn't you uh, leave with the rest of the crew? And she says, uh, I forget what she says, but basically they had to get, I had to save their lives. So he says, welcome aboard. He's already decided she's the companion mm-hmm. or his next companion. And uh, when they get to the TARDIS, um, he says the phrase, it's bigger on the inside. And she goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a TARDIS. He's like, yeah. And she's like, no, that makes you a time Lord. That makes you just as bad as, bad as the Daleks. And I'm not going with you. And she separates uh, them with a uh, blast door. 
And uh, she's on one side, he's on the other, and he's telling her, he's like, please open the door and just come with me. Let me save your life. And she says, no, no. And he says, fine, then I'm not leaving it. She goes, great, I get to kill a Time Lord. The ship crashes, and it lands on, uh, the planet was Karn. No, no, was the planet Karn? It was the... Yes. Okay. And who sees him, but the sisters, or the sisterhood of Karn, mm-hmm. dating all the way back to, was that Morbius? Brain of Morbius. Brain of Morbius, yeah. okay. And... Uh, they, uh, they, uh, the, the, the lead sister announces to her, uh, underlings that, uh, hey, the doctor is dead. Great. Let's go get his body and revive him. So, uh, they get him and they tell him that they've brought him back to life very temporarily. They do warn him. He, he is dead, 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 no regeneration. The mm-hmm. only way he can continue on and he has to carry on, he has to end the time war. It is his responsibility. They tell him is to drink one of these elixirs that they've made. So what does he want? Fat, thin, brave, bold, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring in the body of, uh, of, of Cass. And he can't save her. He is uh, dis- destroyed by the fact that it, it, she, she, she might have been able to live, but it was actually him being there that caused her to be stubborn and die. And uh, he feels so guilty about this. He turns to the lead sister and he says, warrior, I want warrior. And she says, okay, I, I kind of thought that's what you'd say. I prepared this one myself. She gives him a chalice. He drinks it. And... Uh, he bids farewell to all of his companions, including his big Finnish companion, since the email mm-hmm. earlier saying it's now in continuity. Mm-hmm. And um, he regenerates into a slightly younger, though we don't quite see the face direct on, it's through reflection, John Hurt Doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that. Yes, it is. So what are you thinking about the night of the Doctor? Oh, it's terrific. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that they were able to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that I was able to watch it without having been spoiled. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I remember we talked about this before, that you you actually were not so lucky, as I recall. And it was all my fault, Mm because I wasn't going to watch it, because I thought it was just going to be another Mm -hmm. prequel, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And at the forums, I clicked the spoiler tag, thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, it'll say something about Matt Smith, saving the day, or whatever. And right there, it said Paul McGann. I was like, oh, no, now i got to go watch it, (laughs) you know? So I was still very pleased to see him on screen, and my fanboy heart did explode. I meant it when mm-hmm. I said it, but sure. I wish I, I I wish I just would have watched it without being cynical and being yeah. like, oh, I don't want to see it because it's you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I know. Yeah, I, I, I spoiled it for myself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I you know clicked on it, and because like yourself, because I mean we've talked about this before. There's just too damn many prequels now. Yeah, yeah. it's just too many. Mm-hmm. So I, I you know, and I also kind of don't feel the need to rush out and catch all of them anymore. Yeah. So for that reason, you know, I, I was not expecting anything. I think I did click on this because, you know, oh, it's the 50th anniversary and it's been a while and this will be fun. But when I, you know, when he, you know, I heard his voice and I was like, no. <laughs> and then, of course, he, you know, pops into screen and I was just blown away, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. And the fact that it was just all on its own, just a very good six minute adventure was almost like frosting. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this this was just 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 very fun. Mm-hmm. And I know I told this story when this aired, but I'm going to tell it again now. Uh, it was like one of my favorite m- memories of this is having watched this. You know, and it was first thing in the morning. I was I was you know getting I was getting ready for work, getting ready to walk the dog, and I hear Wendy in the other room. And I just hear her squeal <laughs> at the top of her voice. <laughs> just, just loud and long. 
just like, oh, I guess she clicked on it. <laughs> because it was just, it was, the way that they did this, I mean, they announced that this was going, like, that they, basically this was going to be a thing. Like, you know, oh, we made a prequel. It's going to be on in about an hour. Hmm. Like, they just tweeted it, like, out of nowhere, that there was going to be this, this, uh, this little short. And, you know, there was no build-up. There was no preamble to it at all. It just hit everybody by surprise, and it was just the most amazing thing that they could have done for the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the story itself, is just, it was great. I mean, he just slips right back into the Eighth Doctor. Yeah. Because the fact is, I mean, he's been playing the Eighth Doctor for a long time, almost 15 years at this mm-hmm. point on, on, on Big Finish. So he knows the character inside and out yeah. at this point. But, you know, it's still just amazing to actually see it happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and he's just so the doctor. He's going to save this girl, and he tries to, no, you must let me save you, and then he dies. And the first thing he sees when he sees the sisterhood is he just starts to just bitch at them. Right, about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an inconvenience this whole thing is. And yeah. I'm so bored now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of him slipping back into the role, as you said, yeah, he's been doing Big Finish, he knows the character, but he hasn't been on screen with the character since 96, you know? So, what, 20 years almost? 18 years. And what I loved about it is he still walked and acted physically like the Mm -hmm. doctor, like that doctor, but he definitely played it a little more tired, a little more war-weary. You know, he's he's still trying to go out and have his fun little adventures, ignoring the war that's raging around him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you could see it on him. Like, yeah. physically, you can see it on him. And I, I love how it all came together at the end, where this, Cass's death was one too many. One, and mm-hmm. finally, he's like, okay, I, I got to do this. I don't want this burden, but I guess I have to. Yeah, because, I mean, it's clearly getting more and more difficult to ignore the time war. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, the TARDIS uh, looks a mess, too. What, the does. outside, we don't see the inside. Yeah, we don't. But the outside, you're right. It's like scorched and battle scarred. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. So clearly, the last you know 20 years or however long he's been the Eighth Doctor, which is probably a very long time, especially you know if we're counting you know, Big Finish and, and possibly even you know Eighth Doctor Adventures. Yeah. You know, he has probably been the Eighth Doctor for a very long time, and he's he's just kind of had his ass kicked for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, he's exhausted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely exhausted, but it is cool that they that they did mention all of the um, big Finnish companions. Yeah. Now, what about that? That because that does ask the question then, or it begs the question. So, is are they in continuity? You know? I think they have to be. At yeah, this point. they have to be. I mean, I personally never had a problem counting big Finnish's continuity uh-huh. because, by and large, they're fairly innocuous. Adventures that tend to slip very easily in between other stories. Yeah, like I know when Big Finish started. I'm honestly not sure they still do this, but when they start, I'm sure they do. They were actually like like on the back of this cover, it would say this takes place in between Kinda and oh, yeah. or Doomsday, you know, kind of thing. They were very careful to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no reason. There was never any reason to to say these don't count, except that sometimes people just don't like something and decide they don't, they don't count for that reason. Yeah, but here it is. You know, mm-hmm. Charlie. Charlie happened. Cariz happened. Lucy happened. You know, so, and that was just a nice little a nod to to that side of things that really did keep the story going during a period when there was no show. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. It is it is sort of a a thank you 
to mm-hmm. them. Now you're part of us, kid. Good job, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not quite like that, but yeah, yeah. Um, what else do you want to say about this one? Oh, uh, what do you think of his costume? Oh, I I liked it. Um, I, I would have. I actually wish we could have got more. <sighs> More long shots of him. I think that's the right long mm-hmm. shot. You know, because a, mm-hmm. a lot of the shots are like the waist up or whatnot. Yeah. So I, I, I never got a full sense of it, even though I've seen this a few times. Sure. Um, I'm glad it's not the one he still had in the movie. You know, I'm glad he's changed his clothes since then. You know, yeah. though he looks grimy and dirty. You know, he's he, yeah. he's changed the costume. But I, 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 I it, 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 it seems like a natural progression from this mm-hmm. to what the John Hurt Doctor will wear and then to what Eccleston mm-hmm. would wear. Right. You know, so I'll, I'll I'll say that of it. What about you? I also like it. I mm-hmm. like that it's. I mean, it's still kind of the green frock coat thing, mm-hmm. without being a very stiff and formal fancy dress costume. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much more natural. He's obviously lived in it for a long time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like it. I think okay. it's a good look, and I know that you know cosplayers have really latched onto it in a big way. Oh, okay. You know, uh, because it's it looks good and it's easy to make. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, honestly, I do. I like it better than his than his TV movie costume mm-hmm. because the TV movie costume really is very what 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 does Doctor Who look like? <laughs> Doctor Who looks like a Victorian gentleman, and we're going to, you know, carefully design something that you know brings that you know. And this just looks like it was slapped together over the course of a couple hundred years by somebody that you know gets in a lot of fights. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. When it comes to his regeneration, one, yes, thank you for finally giving that giving yeah. that to us, you know, because yeah. we needed to see that. Because now technically, well, uh, that's getting ahead of the, that's getting ahead of the point. I'll save that for later. But um, I, when it comes to his regeneration, because we see it's the explodey modern regeneration. Right. I wish that we didn't see the master regenerate in the same fashion. Mm-hmm. Because then we, it could be claimed that the reason he regenerates the way he does now is because of whatever the sisters did, bringing him back to life and giving him the elixir. Yeah. But because the master regenerates that way, it's like, well, that's just the way time and River too. You know, True. that's just the way they do and it Jenny. now. Uh, well, no, she just had the little thing come out. Of her oh, you're right. She just had yeah. the, the, but the energy was. Different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pissed about it. It's just my own, what I want my own personal headcanon to be. Sure. But at all the same, Paul McGann finally returns, finally regenerates, and I could not be happier with, with what they did there. Um, yeah. we, we haven't said much about the sisterhood, really. Do you want not to say really. anything about them? Or, or the main sister, I guess. The main sister. I mean, she was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much the sisterhood that I remember from yeah. Brain of Morbius. Yeah. So, yeah, they were fine. Okay. I think even, I think the costumes were actually pretty similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, it actually makes me kind of g- want to go back and watch the Brain of Morbius again because I think that's I remember a, that one being pretty good. All right, I, I think yeah, that, that was that was enjoyable. Okay, I thought. cool. Yeah. So then, if you don't mind, moving on. Okay. So then, the next uh, mini-sode we're going to cover is the day, or excuse me, the last day is what it is called, and mm-hmm. uh, basically. Um, a Gallifreyan soldier is being fitted with uh, some sort of camera in his head, on his head, on his helmet, but he's got a hard drive in his brain. And I've already spent too much time on this synopsis because, oh, my God. And all, you know, it's, it's basically a full motion video game. Yep. First person and all. And uh, it's one soldier telling this new recruit, oh, you know, we, we're, we're the Time Lords and we're the guards. And, you know, it would take 
up there in the sky is a sky trench, and it would be impossible to break through that. But some places have two, and that would be even more impossible. We got 400 of them. And so you see that bird up in the sky, like, let's train your gun on that. Let's pretend that's a Dalek. And, and it, we'll show you how to just shoot this thing down. Then all of a sudden it turns out, oh, no, that is a Dalek. Somehow mm-hmm. I got through the 400 sky trenches, as did, like, a billion other Daleks. And mm-hmm. uh, they start to wipe out Arcadia. So this is the first day of mm-hmm. the, la- the, great, the last great Time Lord. Yeah, this is the fall Lord, of Arcadia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's really that one in a nutshell. Yeah. What you got? Uh, I mean, you said it. It is. It's the tutorial level of a '90s CD-ROM full motion video game. Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. It's not very clever. It's not well directed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good. It's not well acted. So it's definitely a you know '90s <laughs> CD-ROM full motion video game. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just the only thing it's there to do is to kind of lead us into the fall of Arcadia, which is you know the biggest most horrible battle in the time war. Yeah. You know, which is, oh, look, I remember, because he mentioned that, you know, that David Tennant said I was at the fall of Arcadia. Now I'm looking at it. Hooray! Yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah, this this is not, this isn't very good. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down point, question mark. Yeah. Like, what? Okay, the only thing that I could say was even remotely enjoyable about this thing mm-hmm. was the bit where the guy says, um... The, the soldier who's tell you know who's telling his new recruit you know um, what this does is once you die the, the little thing little hard drive in your brain will be sent to your family and anything that's offensive will be will turn red and right mm-hmm. at the end when the, the our point of view character gets shot you see it mm-hmm. flash red for a second before, and then he yeah. keels over and dies like okay that was nice and a little creepy because mm-hmm. then they go and play the music and that the music was a little off-putting too but yeah. otherwise i was like what why what was the point of those premonitions yeah. there was no point of that except to show how horrible things were going to be well we're going to watch the day at the doctor yeah. In a little bit. So we already know we we know or we're gonna get a sense of how bad it is. I don't need one soldier dying in a in a full motion video game to tell me how awful this war is gonna be. You mm-hmm. know? So I I, I I I didn't understand the point of this thing at all. You're the interface. I must have told you the moment I had a conscience. Hello. Oh, look at you. Stuck between a girl and a box. Story of your life, hey, Doctor? You know me. I hear you. All of you. Jangling around in that dusty old head of yours. I chose this face and form, especially for you. It's from your past. Possibly your future. I always get those two mixed up. I don't have a future. I think I'm good. Rose Tyler. No. Yes, no, sorry, in this form, I'm called Bad Wolf. Are you afraid of the big bad wolf, Doctor? Stop calling me, Doctor. That's the name in your head. It shouldn't be. I've been fighting this war for a long time. I've lost the right to be the Doctor. And you're the one to save us all. Yeah. If I ever develop an ego, you've got the job. If you have been inside my head, then you know what I've seen. 
suffering. Every moment in time and space is burning. It must end. I intend to end it the only way I can. And you're going to use me to end it? By killing them all? Daleks and Time Lords alike? I could. But there will be consequences for you. I have no desire to survive this. And that's your punishment. If you do this, if you kill them all, then that's the consequence. You live. Gallifrey, you're going to burn it. And all those Daleks with it, but all those children too. How many children on Gallifrey right now? One day you will count them. One terrible night. Do you want to see what that will turn you into? Come on, are you curious? I'm opening windows on your future. A tangle in time through the days to come to the man today will make of you. So, first up today is the day of the doctor. And guys, there's so much going on in this one. Pardon me if I muck up <laughs> this uh, <laughs> synopsis. And if, if at any point, Dan, you feel like jumping in, just jump in, you know? Mm-hmm. So this one starts out with Clara. She is now a teacher mm-hmm. at uh, the same school that Susan went to, right? Yes, that's right. Cole Hill School. Yep. And uh, we get on the sign. It even says who the headmaster is. And that's mm-hmm. none other than uh, Mr. Aztec Killer himself, Ian Chesterton. Yep. yep. And... Uh, uh, Clara gets a message from another teacher, staff member, saying, hey, are, are, are you okay? There was a call from your doctor. And she's like, oh, did he leave an address? So she hops on her motorcycle because the school day is over, and uh, the TARDIS is out in the middle of literally nowhere, in the middle of a field. She drives her motorcycle on in, and the, she and the doctor hug, and he asks how her uh, new job is going. She's like, it's great. Then all of a sudden, the TARDIS just sort of takes off, but the engines aren't going. And the doctor's mm-hmm. like, hmm, that's a problem. He looks outside to see what's going on and it's being airlifted by a helicopter mm-hmm. and uh kate stewart the awesomeness that is kate stewart mm-hmm. um she phones the doctor and says hey we we found the tardis in a field and we're bringing it to uh uh the, basically the, the uh museum right i forget which is it the national gallery that she's bringing uh, them to uh... I think that's well, what it was. Yes, the National Gallery. Yeah, and she's like, where are you? And he's like, um, and he puts the phone out the, the door, and she's like, oh, no, shoot. She realizes he was in it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, shenanigans ensue, and he almost falls out, but the TARDIS lands in front of the National Gallery, and uh, we, you know, we meet Kate there. We meet someone by the name of Osgood, who is a, a scientist of some sort. You can tell by her white lab coat, and mm-hmm. uh, she's a fan of the fourth doctor because she's got uh, his scarf around her neck. And there's another scientist there whose name I don't remember. It's not that terribly important, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And uh, Kate tells the doctor that uh, uh, 
there's something going on, and she has to present Queen Liz's Queen. Pardon me, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, I didn't know her. I don't have the right to call her Liz. Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth the first credentials, and she hands him a letter uh, that's been sealed in wax. But it turns out that's not her cr- credentials. What the credentials are is uh, when Kate takes them into the museum, and I believe at this point they're probably in. I think they call it the under gallery, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, there is a painting. It's an oil painting in 3D somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, those are actually uh, the Queen's credentials. And the doctor's like, okay, this is all kinds of wrong because one, she shouldn't have had that. Two, you don't have that. And Claire is like, yeah, three, how can you have an oil painting in 3D? And the doctor explains that it's really a slice of reality, it's Time Lord technology. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's not a painting. It's showing what was really happening in that moment in time. And uh, we briefly uh, go into the painting and we mm-hmm. see uh, the John Hurt Doctor. I'm sorry, I refuse to call It's hard for me to call him the War Doctor. Right. You know, because I actually want to start calling him the Ninth Doctor, but I know I'll get people... No one wants to renumber, so that's why I keep saying the John Hurt Doctor. Actually, there are a lot of people that desperately want to renumber. I do. To me, it makes more sense, but then... uh, He's the ninth incarnation of this Time Lord. There we go. (laughs) But he's not the ninth Doctor because he's not the Doctor. Right, but then by the end, when he's accepted to be a Doctor... Mm -hmm. eh, you know, but all, know. all the same. That's why I keep saying the John Hurt Doctor. If I say War Doctor, that's actually me slipping up. But anyways, um, mm-hmm. we see him um, as Arcadia's falling and the Daleks are killing everybody and Time Lords, or at least the the, the, the people on Gallifrey are, are running around for their, trying to uh, survive. He picks up a gun and he shoots into the wall the phrase, no more. Mm-hmm. And um, we then go to um, not the Gallifrey high Counselor, high command, or something. That's like another mm-hmm. group of generals uh, leading this part of the war, mm-hmm. and um, they say we've got a message from the doctor. Blah 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 blah, and uh, they figure out that he has gone to the weapon vaults and mm-hmm. he has pulled out the most powerful weapon in all of time and space, and it is called the moment. And we are told that what the moment is, it is basically a bomb that doesn't want to go off. It mm-hmm. was artificially intelligent, and it became so smart, it grew a conscience. And it will actually try to persuade you not to use it, because that is how powerful. I believe they refer to it as the, like, the ultimate weapon of mass destruction or something the like galaxy that. galaxy eater. Yeah, there we, yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, the, the, the John Hurt Doctor, he goes somewhere. We don't know exactly what planet he's on, but he goes somewhere, and he walks miles and miles and miles away from the TARDIS, and he finds a little shack. And uh, he sets the moment down, and it's sort of like the, I can never say it, the the, the cube from, uh, whatchamacallit, Hellraiser, where it's a puzzle mm-hmm. box, and he's trying to figure out how to open it, and all of a sudden, Rose Tyler's sitting there. And it's like, yeah, but what? And he, <laughs> he doesn't know who she is, so he ushers her out, and he turns around, and she's, she's still there, and he's like, okay, what's going on? And quickly, he figures out that she is the moment. And mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't quite know what to call herself, because... You know, she's in the doctor's head and she's part of his past and his future. So she at first she calls herself Rose and then she calls herself Bad Wolf, but then she really is just the moment or whatever. But he keeps calling her Bad Wolf Girl. Well, he has decided that as awful as it is, he is going to have to trigger this device. But he, I don't know if he asks her or if she asks him, but the question comes up, how many children are on Gallifrey at this moment in time? Mm-hmm. And that's going to become very important. Um, let's see. So, um, we then, uh, cut back to, 
what do you call it, uh, Matt Smith's doctor and Clara in the gallery, and uh, they walk up to another painting, and you see Queen Elizabeth I and um, David Tennant's doctor um, married together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And uh, let's see, they, uh, as, uh, oh, oh, okay, so hang on. As they're walking away from the ga- the oh the painting we should we should we should note is called No More or Gallifrey Falls. And at one point the the white coated scientist who wasn't Osgood gets a phone call but we don't know from who yet uh, telling him to move the painting into the black archives and we'll get into that later. So, mm-hmm. um, let's see uh, what Kate really wants to show. Well, oh before, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you, you know what we see the the painting of. You know Elizabeth the first with the tenth doctor, mm-hmm. and that leads us into that oh that's right, okay, where they're in England in fifteen sixty two yeah, I think that's what they say, and you know the tenth doctor and Elizabeth they're having a picnic that turns into a Zygon attack, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes, it turns out all along the Zygon was not the queen, his would be wife, it is actually mm-hmm. the horse that they rode mm-hmm. in on, yes. so I like to still th- I like to think it's the horse from uh the girl in the fireplace. And so all along that horse was a Zygon and, and, and just being very patient. So, yeah. but yes, you're right. Yeah. So we, we see the prelude to the Zygon invasion. Mm-hmm. And um, what uh, Kate really wants to show the doctor are other paintings that are Time Lordian, again, being bigger on the inside. And, but uh, something's escaped from these paintings, but they don't know what yet. But it's very clear because uh, she shows them what the paintings looked like before and what they look mm-hmm. like now. And the the figure that was in at least one of the paintings is not there anymore. Well, oh, go ahead. And the, the glass that was covering those mm. paintings has shattered from inside, inside out. out. Yeah, yeah. So whatever happened, something escaped, like physically escaped from the paintings, and is out in the world. Yeah. Um, and so at one point, I'm getting this a little confused timeline-wise, we see mm-hmm. the John Hurt Doctor and uh, the moment uh, sitting there and a time fissure opens and a fez comes falling out. And even she is like, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> and keep in mind, she's super sentient, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. Uh, we see Matt Smith... Uh, uh, again, I don't remember the, 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 quite the precise order is that the portal's open, but mm-hmm. um, let's. Oh yeah, yeah. David Tennant's opens and uh, a fez comes falling out of there too. No, that doesn't. Uh, that's not how it no. is. Okay. What happens there? Okay, the fez, you know, falls out and lands in front of John Hurt. Mm-hmm. David Tennant and the Queen and the Zygon are having their thing, mm-hmm. where you know. You, you know he's you know they're you know they're, they're you know the, the Zygon's taken on the form of the queen, mm-hmm. and there's a fight, and they both run away and what have you, and then the um, that the the portal for him opens up, and that's when Matt Smith jumps out. But the Fez falls through first. No. Yeah. Um, well, does the Fez? It oh, does you're right, because right, Tenet right, puts because it on. Tenet actually puts it yeah. on. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, right. but, yeah, he puts the Fez on, and then Matt Smith's doctor comes. F- falling through. Clara's going to follow, but Kate says, whoa, 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 don't do that. Mm-hmm. The two men are looking at each other, and they quickly figure out that they are the same man. Mm-hmm. And um, they start talking to Clara through the portal, and uh, they, they wonder if travel 
it can work both ways if they can jump through the portal and then land in 2013. And the doctor, mm-hmm. instead, that, when I say the doctor in this case, I mean the 11th doctor or the Matt Smith doctor, um, mm-hmm. he isn't ready to just jump through by himself just yet. So he takes his Fez, he says Fez incoming, throws it through. That's how the Fez got to John Hurt. So right. John Hurt is like, hmm, okay, something's going on here. I'm going to go investigate. You girl in the box, you wait mm-hmm. over here. Mm-hmm. He jumps through the portal. Now we've got three doctors on the scene all hanging out together. And uh, he initially assumes that they are companions and mm-hmm. says, oh, they get younger all the time. And then when he figures out that they, too, are his future incarnations, he's like, even that one over there, meaning the younger <laughs> one. And Tennant's like, yeah, well. <laughs> The queen shows up again, or is it, or no, an army shows up, uh, mm-hmm. and the leader of the army is angry because someone called the doctor has bewitched the queen and is going to marry her, and he's like, so I'm looking for the one called the doctor, and I think Tennant is like, well, it's your lucky day. No, it's hurt. Is it hurt? Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's your lucky day, and Clara starts pretending she's a witch in the well and tells him she's going <laughs> to turn them all into frogs, and then the queen shows up, or is it a Zygon? We don't know at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. Um, but she's sort of playing it like she's a Zygon for a very particular reason, and they are all rounded up and taken to the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. While they are there, um, Matt Smith starts carving coordinate or numbers in the wall. We don't know what they are yet, but he's carving numbers in the wall. Um, David Tennant is, uh, I don't know, just being David Tennant. And yeah. John Hurt is, starts to probe them about because they keep looking at him like he mm-hmm. is like the most awful person or thing to ever exist and he starts to kind of probe them about this but they really won't answer him um mm-hmm. but he under they, they reveal to him that it must be early days for him that being the war like he hasn't they figured out he hasn't triggered the device yet that mm-hmm. being the moment and um he he asks them he goes um or the moment asks cuz she's following him psychically did you ever um count the children or something like that. And so he asks uh, Matt Smith and Matt Smith be like, what's the point? And David Tennant reveals it was like 2.4 billion or something like that. And so now John Hurt sees these men he's going to become the man who regrets Mm -hmm. doing what he did. And the man who to just survive had to forget what he did. And he's kind of uncomfortable with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, back in uh, 2013, London, uh, we are in the the Tower of London now, which happens to be Kate Stewart's office, which is also something called the Black Archives, which a TARDIS cannot get into, and is protected by memory filters, more of which we'll get into later. Uh, and uh, what they have there is uh, Captain Jack's uh, leather strap time vortex manipulator thingy. Mm-hmm. And um, at this point, it is revealed to us that, uh-oh, Kate and everybody else, we saw some of the people get Zygon earlier, but she's a Zygon. Mm-hmm. And so Clara's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, we at some point find out that what the doctor's carving into the wall is the the numbers that will allow them in the future to use the Vortex Manipulator mm-hmm. to get back to the doctor and save them from the Tower of London or something like that. Well, because it's a Zygon who gets that information, that can't happen. It can't be good. So Clara thinks quick. She puts the Vortex Manipulator on. She activates it using the code that she saw on what should have been Kate's phone, but was the Zygon's phone at the time. And she goes back to 1562 and gets them out of the room with the door just having been unlocked. And there's this really cool scene where they figured out that they they all have the same Sonic and it's 400 years separating them. So it's this program that could have actually finally melted a wood door, unlocked a wood door. It's finally going to work and nope, nope, nope. Clara door blocked them so Mm -hmm. 
let's see. They, um, the queen then comes in and she reveals, oh yeah, I, the reason I left the door unlocked is because I wanted to see what you would do when you would escape. She takes them down to uh, basically the Zygon cave or whatever, and mm-hmm. their, their, their staging area. And mm-hmm. at this point, we're still supposed to think she's a Zygon. And um, she reveals what the Zygon plan is. And that is they are using this uh, cube, it's Time Lord technology that they somehow got their hands on, to put themselves in these paintings to invade Earth when it's, quote-unquote, more interesting, I think is the phrase they use. Right. Many, many, many years down the line. So that's what we saw had broken out of the paintings with the Zygons. So uh, David Tennant is all like, ah, so you are a Zygon, why are you telling us our plan? And she's like, no, I'm not a Zygon, I'm really the queen. And she pulls out a knife, and she's like, do you think I haven't had assassination attempts in my life? Come on, dude. And then she's like, but I had to pretend I was a Zygon because, you know, I didn't want them to know, and I knew you could save the day, so come on, get with the program. And that program is, um, marry me, because he had proposed earlier when he thought she was a Zygon, because he thought that was a clue that he didn't think she would actually say yes, but he thought the Zygon queen would say yes, so it's all a ruse that blew up in his face. So, the wedding happens, the doctor actually marries the queen, we don't get to see if she's uh, the virgin queen or not anymore, Mm -hmm. but anyways, um... (laughs) Based on the end of time, we we think uh, that was uh, we think that name might be uh, historically inaccurate now. But anyways, um, they all <laughs> jump into what would be David Tennant's version of the TARDIS, and because uh, we see the, the 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 desktop as they put it is the coral one, and uh, when they all get in there, it glitches to <laughs> John Hurt's TARDIS, which is a uh, kind of a a council that you could sort of see becoming the the later versions, but it's surrounded by, as they put it, the round things. (laughs) More on that later. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it becomes the TARDIS we know now, that being Matt Smith's TARDIS. Mm-hmm. So they're flying around, and Clara reveals, oh, yeah, yeah, this whole thing's going on in the Black Archives, but we can't get in there because it's TARDIS-proofed, and they're like, well, we got to figure out a way. So the doctor, that being Smith, phone calls that male scientist from earlier, the phone call that I spoke about, telling him to put the painting in the Black Archives. So he does that, and they all figure out what they're going to do is they can't land the TARDIS in the Black Archives, so they're going to somehow, and they never really quite explain this, they're going to fly into the painting, they're going to put themselves in the painting, the gallery, gal, uh, the Arcadia Falls, or no, Gallifrey Falls slash no more painting. Mm-hmm. I said that backwards. That might have been a clue. So <laughs> they are going to, they put themselves in that. They, 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 they blow up a Dalek and it bursts through the glass that protects the uh, 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 painting from touching it. And mm-hmm. what do you call it? So uh, they step out and at this point we've got Kate Stewart and Zygon Kate Stewart and they're real Kate can't let the Zygons get control of this room because there are so many deadly alien weapons in this room, including time travel, that she's not going to have it. She will set off a nuclear bomb that is going to destroy all of London. So she is willing to kill millions to save billions. Obviously, this touches all three doctors in different ways. John Hurt's doctor, who hasn't done it yet, but the decision is weighing on his shoulders. Tenants, who again regrets. And Smith, who would rather forget that it happened at all. Well, what the doctor does is he uh, messes, the, the doctor, this being both Tennant and Smith, messes with the memory things in the room, and he makes everybody that is in on these negotiations think that they are human. Neither knows if they're human or Zygon, so they all have to agree to live, and they stop this nuclear bomb from going off, and they've got to come to some peaceful resolution. That's the end of that storyline. So, mm-hmm. um, 
Clara goes over to John Hurt and she talks to him and um, we, as they're talking, we get the sense that he realizes it's finally time to do what he has to do. He can live with being these two men if it does save billions, if not trillions of lives, if it saves the galaxy. Clara looks away, he disappears. So he's at the spot again where he's going to trigger the moment, and the moment is still trying to persuade him to like not push the big red button, because there's literally a big red jeweled button. And uh, right before he's going to do it, she, she mentions the sound that the TARDIS makes. It brings peace and, and mm-hmm. comfort, and he goes, I'd like to think so. And, t- and she goes, even to you, two TARDISes land. Mm-hmm. Everybody steps out of their respective TARDI, TARDISes, mm-hmm. and <laughs> they say, okay, you know what? You were the doctor on the day it was impossible be- to, to get it right. You know, this is a tough decision. We're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. They all put their hands on the big red button, and uh, Smith just happens to look over at Clara, and she's crying, and he's like, what? She's like, you've told me you've done this, but I never thought it was you that did it, this face that I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that moment, the, um, the moment uh, triggers some sort of thing that all of the men can see. Now she's actually breaking through to all of these men. And it should be said, Tenant's doctor admits that them being there should be impossible because that breaks the lock of the time war. So mm-hmm. something powerful drew them through. And of course, that was the moment. So now she's kind of revealing herself to all of them in a way. And she's showing um, all these families and children getting slaughtered. And then there's this sort of like peaceful resolution. The next day, all the Daleks are dead. We don't mm-hmm. see what caused it, but peace can exist on Gallifrey once more if the Daleks should die off. Well, Matt Smith says, no, you know what? I've had 400 years to think about this. There's a better way to do this. He turns the moment off and they, without doing contact, they all get the same idea pretty much at the same time. What they're Mm going to do is they're going to use those little stasis cubes to put Gallifrey into a painting. And what the universe would think is that Gallifrey disappeared and the Daleks destroyed it and the Gallifreyans the Time Lords destroyed the Daleks and everybody be like okay the Time War is over but no if the paint if the Gallifrey goes into a painting the Daleks these billion billion Daleks will shoot each other destroy each other in the crossfire and the day would be saved Mm -hmm. and they're like okay let's try this so they all hop in their TARDISes and they they phone the or they Skype the Gallifrey High Command they tell them their plan and at first um, they're they're a little the, the Gallifrey High Command is like that that would take centuries for those calculations to work out. And the doctor's like, oh, I've had plenty of time to do it. (laughs) Then we hear William Hartnell, or someone sounding like William Hartnell, I want to talk about that, saying, he calling to the Gallifrey High Command. And then we see all 12 doctors. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. All 13 (laughs) doctors, because Peter Capaldi shows up. (laughs) So, and they're going to do it. They're going to try to save Gallifrey this way. And, uh, the, the planet seemingly explodes, and so do all the Daleks. And we see the Dalek part fly past the uh, the screen there. Mm-hmm. We cut to the museum, and they're all looking at this painting. And again, they still don't know what to call it. And what these men come to terms with is that even if they didn't save Gallifrey, at least they they at least they did the right thing. You know, they mm-hmm. tried to save it. They just didn't destroy it by pressing the button, by using the moment. Well, Mm -hmm. John Hurt um, uh, is finally accepted as a doctor, and that's more in his own heart, accepting himself as as the doctor. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He gets in his TARDIS and he vroop, vroop, vroops away. And though they don't full on show everything, it's pretty implied that he starts to regenerate into Eccleston. Yeah, that's 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 pretty. Yeah, clear. the hairline kind of becomes Eccleston. The hairline, the the teeth, the eyes. Yeah, that's, that's Eccleston. Yeah, exactly. So that's his story done. And we are told he because the timeline. They're all kind of muddied, you know. None of this really should have happened, but it did. He's not going to remember, so he's going to have to live with the fact that he thinks he destroyed Gallifrey. So all along, this is always what happened. The Doctor never destroyed Gallifrey. This all this mission always happened, but Eccleston thinks he did because Hurt thinks he did. So. Yeah. Tennant is about to get into his TARDIS, and he says to, to Smith's doctor, okay, something's going on. You're, you're heading somewhere that I know you don't want to head, but tell me because I'm not going to remember anyways. He says, mm-hmm. well, we're headed off to Trenzalore, and mm-hmm. that's our grave. And Tennant's like, that's not right. He's like, I know, but that's what it's going to be. Tennis, uh, t- tennis. Tennant gets in his TARDIS, and uh, he says, I don't want to go. We need a new destination. <laughs> and he vroop, vroop, vroops away. Well, that just leaves Smith, Clara, the painting and their TARDIS. And uh, Clara realizes the doctor needs a moment alone to reflect on this painting. And she says, oh, by the way, there was a, an old man. I think it was the curator looking for you. And uh, tenant, or not tenant, Smith sitting there. And he's saying, he's like, you know, I could be the curator. I could be the great curator of this galaxy. And then a booming voice from the past. Dan, I'll let you do this one because he's your guy. He's your guy. Go for it. <laughs> you know, I think you might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to recap this part of the scene? Yeah, yeah this, I mean, there's really not my... Okay, it basically is Matt Smith paying tribute to Tom Baker, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, the this person who goes unnamed, uh, you know, kind of comes in, explains, you know, first of all, you know, explains that, you know, the, the real name of the painting is Gallifrey Falls No More, mm-hmm. which, you know, the 11th Doctor takes to me, oh my God, it worked, whatever we did, it actually worked, and... Somewhere out there, Gallifrey's real, and it's saved, and I need to go find it. And the curator's like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of stands there being the fourth doctor for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being all crazy and scattered and smart and awesome. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he even does that, that little thing he always did where he yells and then immediately shushes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other person. <laughs> um. And yeah, so basically, he is setting the he's setting the doctor off on his next, the next quest, the next yeah. thing that the that the show is going to be about, yeah. which is the search for Gallifrey. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I'm gonna get ahead of myself here. Mm-hmm. Next year is the tenth year of the new series. Mm-hmm. I think that might be wrapped up in the 10th anniversary of the program next year. Very, very possible. Just a guess. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Smith's Doctor, uh, being pleased with himself, gets in his TARDIS. We don't see it happen, but he cuts to a monologue where uh, he says, you know, Clara always asks er, you know, asks me if I dream, and he's, she's, he says yes, and it was, what do you dream about? I dream about going home, or something like that. And she's like, what do you mean? You just, ram- just roam about the galaxy. And... Uh, uh, he uh, steps out of the TARDIS, apparently. I'm assuming this is a dream sequence. And mm-hmm. um, we, as he's stepping out, we can see John Hurt standing there. We can see Tennant standing there. And uh, as uh, the camera pulls away or whatever it does, we see men in costumes pretending mm-hmm. to look like all of the other doctors. Not Capaldi yet, though. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, Capaldi. Is that how it said? Capaldi. Capaldi, damn it. Capaldi <sighs> is my pal. Capaldi is my... I will never remember. Those things... What are those called? Homogra... No. Um, where, you, where you say Prince of Pale to remember how to spell it. What are those things called? 
Oh, oh, yeah, I can't. I, can't. Yeah. I know what you. I know what you. Those mean. have they. They never work for me. Ever, ever, ever. Clearly, look, look at me. So, or listen to me. Well, anyways. Uh, Smith joins all the doctors standing there and the camera pans up and we see they're all looking at Gallifrey and he says, I'm just going to read this directly here. I have a new destination. My journey is the same as yours, the same as anyone's. It's taken me so many years, so many lifetimes, but at last I know where I'm going, where I've always been going, home the long way round. And uh, this ends the mm -hmm. day of the doctor and we get credits featuring every single uh, name of every... Uh, man who has played the part and we get all their faces we get doctor faces in mm -hmm. the in the closing credits there so there we go Whew. there we go anything you want to add to that i can't imagine there's anything else okay yeah so sorry that one took longer but i i just showing you how i love this episode to death mm -hmm. and i thought it deserved mm -hmm. a proper full length synopsis so sure so my um, i'm a little hoarse right now so i'm gonna sip some water so what do you think of this one i really enjoy this mm -hmm. Um, because it works on multiple levels. It works as the big anniversary fun party romp, you know, that we all, you know, that we have traditionally always had, you know, for big, you know, for the 10th anniversary and the 20th anniversary. But it also works as an actual story with a plot and a resolution. Yeah. You know, unlike those other stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for that reason, it's I, I think it's it's a it's a rousing success. Yeah, I think it's a very 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 successful episode that also happens to be a just a fantastic congratulations to the show for having lasted this long. Yeah, you know it's it's a it's a great little party for for you know the cast and for the fans, and it's just it's just a a huge amount of fun. While at, again at the same time. Kind of putting the cap on the time war. Yeah. It puts the cap on the time war and then kind of brings in this new thread for the show to follow for the next however long it's going to follow that thread, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. yeah I, I think what I appreciate most about this one, outside of what you had said there, you know, that, because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, this is, it works as a multi-doctor story. It's clearly the best multi-doctor story to date, mm -hmm. but it's it's that yeah, as you said, it puts the cap on the time war, but and mm -hmm. it's paying tribute to all this modern stuff. These these nine years of the Doctor going, oh, I'm the last of my kind, and I did this. Mm -hmm. We finally get to see that, and that's great. But the way, the little ways, it pays tribute to the classic era too. It's not ignoring that, but it's mm -hmm. not jamming it down our throats. Seri right. You could seriously watch this and have no idea of the classic era. You really think mm -hmm. Christopher mm -hmm. Eccleston was the very first Doctor ever, you know, and. Obviously, that that'd be reckoned out now, but whatever. You 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 could go in watching this, mm -hmm. and and enjoy it for for its modernness. But if you're if you know the classic stuff, you see the little things in there. The way it opens with the theme, the cop walking mm -hmm. down the street, the school being the school, Ian's name being there, you know, uh, Kate being there, little things like that. So it's it is it does encompass the whole fifty years and not just these last nine. I guess mm -hmm. is where I'm going with that. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, there's a lot to say about this one. So, where do we go? Um, yeah, I don't even I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. Let's well, let, you know, let's just, let's get the the fan stuff out of the way okay. first. Let's just talk about how awesome all of it is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many references. Some that like you really have to like like dig deep to to understand. I just read recently. 
that at the very beginning of the episode, when you know, when Clara like rides out of the school mm-hmm. on the motorcycle, that took place like that aired at exactly five sixteen, mm-hmm. which is exactly the time that an unearthly child aired. Yeah. Which is like, who's gonna know that? Yeah, I had that pointed out to me. Like, like there's a, yeah. there's a clock that says five sixteen or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm sure there's still more that I haven't gotten. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, I, 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 I it was this viewing that made me realize when the doctor is talking to Kate when she's uh, about to set off the bomb destroying London, mm-hmm. um, he's doing what he did in Blink. But with a reel-to-reel recorder and not a DVD played on a laptop. Yeah. He's talking to her. And again, they, they don't point it out. He doesn't even make a reference to this being a recording. But we see the, the tape reel going. We know it's a recording. Right there. Another, another real subtle little reference, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, and it's, but it's just like lots of little things. Like, you know, unit is still everybody's still either Greyhound 1 or like Greyhound Leader or yeah. Trap 1. You know things like that. I love, I love that Unit has their base at the, in, at, under the Tower of London. Yeah, <laughs> like a real, honest to God security organization. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also love how uh, Ingrid, or, or or whatever her name is, the, the actress's name is Ingrid Oliver, but the um, Osgood. Mm-hmm. How. You know, uh, you know, it's kind of setting up like that tradition now because we saw you know, early with Malcolm in Planet of the Dead how the mm-hmm. unit scientists worship the Doctor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they just think he's the best thing ever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they just they're fascinated by him. They want to be him, and she's like walking around in Tom Baker's scarf. <laughs> well, didn't Malcolm wear the scarf too? Did he? I, he had. I, I thought that. he had a scarf, if not the. He might have had a scarf. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember being the Baker scarf. Yeah, but I didn't make that connection that the unit scientists just. Yeah, want to be that. Of course man. they do. Yeah. You know, of course they do. He'd be like their rock star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that moment when the doctor's trying to convince Clara that he legitimately does have a job with a unit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is my job. I'm doing it. <laughs> do I have a desk? No. I'll take a yeah. desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, of course, my favorite reference. Yeah. You're not reversing the polarity, you're confusing the complete the polarity. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I, I have to admit, when I first acquired this one, mm-hmm. I thought the uh, the version I was watching, I thought mm-hmm. I had been duped. I thought I had been tricked because of the way it opens mm-hmm. with the original theme. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, what? No, I, I spent all this time waiting for this one to properly air on TV. Mm-hmm. And I see this, I'm like, no. And then I'm like, oh. So I, I gave it a few, I actually fast forwarded a, a bit. I'm like, oh wait, no, this is new. And so I rewound it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's 50th anniversary. Of course they're going to begin it with that one. <laughs> with the good version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. And I love that it, that it, you know, it opens with that, with a policeman mm-hmm. walking around the, the junkyard. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Yeah. Um. I. I. I want to get one thing out of the way here. Okay. okay. What? Because because she came up. What do you feel about Osgood? Because I um, don't like her. I like the I fact that she idolizes the Doctor, but I did not like this mm-hmm. character. She's probably like the biggest niggle for me. I think that as a character, she's not. She doesn't contribute a lot. Uh huh. I think that. 
this is a case of a fairly, a somewhat high-profile fan mm. who snagged a role. Oh, is that really what that is? I think so. Oh, okay. I think so. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion about the character one way or the other. I like the relationship that she has with Kate Stewart, though. Okay, yeah. You know, that very, you know, you know that she has to be reminded to use her inhaler when she starts wheezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, and that Kate just almost offhandedly, you know, will say inhaler mm-hmm. when she starts to get excited. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I, I, but that's, that's more on Kate than on the Osgood yeah. character, you know? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, cause when it, when it comes to Osgood, the reason I don't like her is because twice, she does this at least twice in this story. She's like, save me, doctor, save me, save me. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like, really? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I just, I didn't like her at all. The story doesn't suffer if she is. The only thing you lose, and this is a moment I will admit I, had, I do like, is mm-hmm. when nobody in the room knows if they're human or Zygon. The yeah. two Osgoods figure it out because of the trope mm-hmm. of, not the trope, because of the use of the uh, inhaler. Mm-hmm. And because we know who had the inhaler before they all forgot, we now know mm-hmm. who that they know which one's the Zygon and which one's the human. And they tell each other to just, shh, let's keep that a secret. Yeah. You know? I, so I did like that moment, but mm-hmm. overall, I just did not like her begging to be saved by the doctor and whatnot, especially when she's standing next to the awesomeness that is Kate Stewart. Right. And they make, I was confused the first time I saw this. They make a reference where the Zygon says, I wish I had, like, basically turned into your prettier sister. That initially made me think Kate and Osgood were siblings, Mm -hmm. but I'm, but they don't ever refer to her as Osgood, or Osgood Stewart. They don't get it. But it's, it's their relationship seemed mother daughter or sisterly in some ways. So I, th- yeah. I yeah, I agree with that, but I think that that I wish I turned into your prettier sister was more about the Zygon having been in, you know, was in her head, knew what she knew, yeah. and was just taunting her, yeah, with with you know her massive inferiority complex. But you can see why that would confuse me a little. I can see okay. that. Yeah. Again, if it, if it hadn't have been again specific, specifically for the scenes with the inhaler, her saying inhaler, and me thinking that they were related because she was treating her like mm-hmm. a child in some regards, yeah. Yeah. Then the, I, I wouldn't have thought twice about the sister comment if it wasn't that other thing. So yeah, that's all. Yeah. So sorry to get us off the gushing. I just wanted to get my one big niggle yep. out of the way. Nope. No worries. You no know? worries. Um, and obviously, you know, there's just like all kinds of lots of lots and lots of little ones. Like you know, the unit dating controversy gets a mm-hmm. gets a mention. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the uh, you know just just props and pictures and mm-hmm. lines being you know reused all over the place. But, okay, to kind of bring it back to, like, the story itself, though, can we talk about the interplay between Tennant and Smith? Oh, we have to. Oh, my God, it's amazing. I know. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, they manage to get that whole thing where they fight, but also they get along. Mm-hmm. You know? And... <laughs> When Smith is just getting on him for making out with his eye gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can trust him. He's really checked. <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a brilliant scene. And, of course, they keep doing it throughout the episode. Oh, yeah. But that initial scene is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Tennant makes a, uh, makes a d- joke. 
when yes. when they're comparing the Sonics, it's like yeah. compensating for what regeneration? It's a lottery. I was like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. But yeah, when Tenant first put on the Fez, what I wrote down yeah. in my notes is ten and a Fez equals Tumblr boom. <laughs> yeah, Tumblr just exploded at that. I point. know. <laughs> But, yeah, when it comes to Tennant and Smith, yeah, mm-hmm. they play the characters so very differently. But when you do get them together, you realize the similarities in mm-hmm. the way they do play the character. Absolutely. You know, and I, I love how they, they they mirror each other when they're pulling out the sonics, the glasses, the feet on the desk, both jumping on the desk. You know, mm-hmm. um, all those little things. It really makes me want, like, a half a season where these two are just running around together somehow. You know? I know, obviously it couldn't happen. <laughs> no, no, so good. yeah, yeah. But it a doctor be. with a doctor companion, and, yeah. and they're both fighting over who's the companion. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, yeah. That is so much fun to see them bounce off each other. Yeah, and it's amazing to see. I mean, again, because he's he's been gone for four years, just how effortlessly Tennant slips back. Into oh the world. God, yeah. I mean, he's, and it's weird because, again, it's only been four years, but he's noticeably older. Yes, he is. He is. He's noticeably older, but he's still, but, you know, you go along with it because he's just being the doctor in that, in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And I love, I mean, he just, he just has so many great things. Like all the speeches that he starts to give before realizing that he's f***ed up, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, you know, you know, dramatically dressing down the rabbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he's, you know, explaining to Elizabeth why he knows she's a t- Zygon because she's just so smelly and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He just gets so many great Tenth Doctor moments <laughs> that honestly, and you and you and you, you hear him do that, and like, you know what? I can't picture Smith giving that speech. No, you know, or I can give him giving the speech, but like, like seeing it to to its triumphant conclusion. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Tennant obviously would have. Oh wait, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, he had the good sense to stop sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I, 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 oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, I, mean, I think that that's really, you know, in, in the case of, and we don't do this nearly as often as we as we should or would like to, but I think that's a, that's a testament to, to Moffat, knowing mm. the differences between these two characters. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, a, a moment ago, I was going to say, was it about the Zygons? Ah, I'll come. No, it's something to do with Tenet. Ah, anyways, I'll, I'll come back to that later on. Um, but yeah, it was just so nice seeing him in that suit again, mm-hmm. just bouncing around, you know, yeah. um, it made me miss him, you know, yeah. but in, in, in a good way. Cause now I don't want n- new stories with, well, I do. I want Smith and Tenet running around saving the universe, being companions to each other. But, um, it, it made me go, you know what? I got to go back and watch some of his really good stuff because yeah. there was really good stuff in he there. Was a, he was a terrific doctor. He really was. And Oh, th- that's what I was going to say a moment ago. For me, my I think my favorite moment with him, at least in terms of, ah, yes, that's the doctor I love and remember, uh, mm-hmm. Tenant playing, is right before they pull off this grand impossible scheme in, in, uh, to save Gallifrey, when they're explaining it to Clara. And that's mm-hmm. a brilliant use of the companion, too. Like yeah. explaining what they're going to do, explaining it to us through the companion, but they're, uh, it's not written or acted in such a way that it's exposition. They're really, they're really like, this is such a clever plan. I have to tell my companion right here and right now what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, really yeah. great acting there. But what Tenet does is, I mean, yeah, Tenet was, could be loud and he could be bouncy, but when he got serious or, or whatnot, he, he could sort of like, he'd lower his voice and he'd whisper 
a little. And yeah. he does the whole thing. It's like, I forget what the line is. I think it's like they destroy each other in their own crossfire. And the way he mm-hmm. says it was like everything you need to know about his doctor. This big yeah. smile on his face. He's come up with this awesome plan and he's excited mm-hmm. to pull it off. But he's going to whisper it to you just a little before he goes back into Mr. Bouncy mode, before he goes back into Tigger yeah. mode, you know? Yeah, So, exactly. yeah. Oh, man. It's so good seeing him. It really was. Mm-hmm. It really was. So much so that you can understand why, and I know we talked about this, how the two actors so enjoyed doing this mm-hmm. that they actually came to Moffat with their plan for like a half a season. That's you right. That? I forgot about that. Yeah. That they would like gonna have like a, you know, the 11 would go off and do one thing and 10 would go off and do another. And then for half the time they'd come together and just have a fantastic time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. Let's let's talk about. If you don't mind getting away from Tenet, nope, nope. let's talk about John Hurt. Yeah, we have to. I mean, because obviously, you know, we've had teases of him in the Night mm-hmm. of the Doctor, uh, and obviously, and uh, uh, what was the last one? The Name of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But we finally get a John Hurt Doctor Who story, um, and I gotta say, yeah. he's my new Paul McGann. Like more stories, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's 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 amazing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's John Hurt. You know, he's going to be amazing yeah. but you know he starts off he's he's you know he's weary and he's angry and he's sad and he's all these things but he's still funny and he's still <laughs> curious and excitable and yeah he's he's just you know, i mean obviously he's john hurt he's a fantastic phenomenal actor mm-hmm. but he's just so the doctor in this one story that we get to see him in yeah and he, and he also plays off these two really well as well well, you mentioned him being all weary, mm-hmm. and what I thought was great, and this is in the writing, the directing, but specifically his acting, is mm-hmm. by, I was going to say by the end of it, and that's not quite right, the the point when they're in the, the Black Archives, uh-huh. and uh, Smith and Tennant are on the table, and they're sonicking the memory wiper thingies, and they're just being like, hey, this is fun, and we're the Doctor, and we're saving the world, mm-hmm. for the Pretty much the first time in the story, John Hurt has like a huge eating grin that is like synonymous with anybody who plays the doctor, you know? And you can see that we know in the background he has this momentous decision to make about the moment, Mm -hmm. but he's finally having fun being the the doctor again. This man who has had at this point eight lives before him and had always was always having fun or had lots of fun this doctor we know there's a reason he he is called the war doctor that's all he has seen and all he has known but for this Mm -hmm. one moment he's forgetting about that and he's he's being young like these two other guys even though they're older than him you know and it's that little progression of the character you know and then afterwards yeah he sits down with clara and they have a talk about it i love how they bond too Mm, yeah they, they bond really well to the point where She's the one that convinces the other two to go look for him. You know? Yeah. yeah. John Hurt is just... Oh, it's John Hurt. And that's... <laughs> that's really it, you know? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And he does have a great Doctor moment at the end where he says... Uh, what is it? It's something like... Um, if I could just be half the man you are, Clara. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two look at each other like, wow, man! <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, the doctor would do that to himself, to his future yeah. self. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. Uh, what else do you want to say about John Hurt or whatever? Yeah, I mean, he was just. I mean, I loved him. I thought that you know that scene where he you know steps through the portal and sees what <laughs> you know 
<laughs> these two idiots in front of him. Is just 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 great. He can't believe that they're so young. He can't believe you know, and he just slips right into that whole dynamic where they're just making fun of each other and giving each other terrible nicknames. <laughs> you know, he's you know, incredulous that they keep pointing their sonic screwdrivers like their weapons. No, no, like their water pistols. <laughs> Like, and that's another doctor moment, clearly. Why would the doctor have yeah. a gun? He would say water pistol, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would have liked it if he did refer to them as, what, a dandy and a clown. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine that he didn't, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I, I would have liked a, a little nod there. Because, of course, his at the end of his regenerate, or, yeah, when he's regenerating, what does yeah. he say? Uh, wearing a bit thin, which, wearing of course, a bit thin. yeah, it goes back to Hartnell. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah. he does get a sand shoes and Dickie Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tenet calls Smith Chinny. You know? Chinny. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you, you have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, let's see. Well, since we're, we're, we're going through the doctors here, we really haven't touched on Smith. No, we haven't. What do you want to say about Smith? He's terrific. Mm-hmm. He's always terrific. Mm-hmm. He's Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, I do like that this really is, I mean, as much as, you know, we've got Tennant and we've got John Hurt, this is his show. Okay, yeah. You know, he is still the lead character. You know, that, yeah, if for nothing else, that shot of him hanging on to the TARDIS for dear life <laughs> in the opening credits yeah. while the helicopter's carrying it is just it worth the entire history of the show. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of starts off and he's all mad at Kate. I don't like being picked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you know, Clara just steps from behind him. So that probably sounded better. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was your fa- your father would tell you, I don't like being yeah. picked up. <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> all of my shipping stories. <laughs> I can publish yeah. them now. They're validated. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, he. I mean, he was great. He's sad when he needs to be sad, and he's evasive and, and all that. But mostly he's just being the 11th Doctor. Yeah. He's goofy, and he's not entirely paying attention to what's happening all the time. Yeah. And he's, you know, yeah, I just, he's, he's terrific. Yeah. And he's always terrific. So he does the same fantastic job that he always does. Yeah, and I know we'll obviously speak more about him at the end of the show, so I don't want to belabor the point. But, yeah, the man... <laughs> In this episode alone, you get to see such a wide range of emotions from him. From the glee, from first seeing Clara when she enters the TARDIS, to Mm. the heartache when he's uh, scribbling the, or scratching the numbers into the wall and he gets angry. You know, just just everything that he's asked to do, he pulls it off with Mm -hmm. class. Pure class. Um, so, well, we'll stay in this doctor train. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't quite know who the curator is. What's going on right. there? But Tom Baker, yeah. Did you yeah. know going in? Did you know or I'd heard something? Yeah, because Baker himself spoiled it, right? He did. Yeah. Man, what yeah. the hell? But uh, all the same, I mean, obviously he's your guy, and you saw this yes. in the theater. We can't forget I that. Did. So, I did. Uh, yeah, what was that experience? Not just the well, theater I mean, experience, I, but seeing Baker up there again. Seeing Baker because the first time I saw this was on TV. Okay. Okay. And, I mean, just to see him, I mean, it was terrific. And the fact is, is that he, because even when he was the Doctor, towards the end, there was always that weird, where does the Doctor start and Baker himself end? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we got here. Yeah. Um, You know, because he doesn't come out and say, I'm you. 
he but he it, it's very you know he you know it intimates that in the future when you finally do decide to retire you might decide to maybe slip on some of the old ones <laughs> again that you really enjoyed so you know we get the impression that this is a future doctor who's decided to go back to being four yeah and but again it's really it's just tom baker taking a victory lap yeah but he is just so the doctor. He is. He just manages to be that man who, you know, yeah, he's old and he's, you know, gotten big and he's needs a cane to walk now. But he opens his mouth and the fourth doctor falls out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I wish... I hadn't seen, because basically I think someone posted to an article on Facebook. Or yeah, yeah, on Facebook they posted to an article, I should say. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think they were trying to spoil anything. I think they were just like, what? You know? But it's like, mm-hmm. really? Could we not have posted that? You know? Mm-hmm. Could, could we have mm-hmm. kept that big secret a big secret? But nah, it was it was still wonderful. You know? And you know what I'm going to say, or I assume you know what I'm going to say here, because I already posted on the forums, but I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Yep. That okay. it's either a Zygon. Okay. Who, because uh, what? When did the Zygons? The only Zygon story took place during Pertwee Zero, right? No, it was Baker. It was Baker. Okay, maybe a Zygon has been Baker, has been pretending to be Baker all these years, and it became the curator of this museum somehow, knowing something. Well, the only thing that falls to that is that they need the original. They need to like have the original kind of in in stasis to refresh the imprint. Uh huh. From time to time. So. Could that be why it's gotten old, though? Maybe. You know, I get what you're saying. I absolutely do. Because yeah. they say it in this episode, you know. Mm. But uh, my other theory, of course, is that somehow this is the master. It mm. always goes back to the master with me, I know. But that's because mm. Delgado's awesome. And right. he made right. the character. So I want to see other people make it awesome. But mm-hmm. somehow, with what we see in the next story, the master got out of Gallifrey, out of one of the paintings himself... And has made himself look like the fourth iteration of the Doctor, and is mm-hmm. now guiding the Doctor to free Gallifrey, so he, so the planet can come back, so he can just do whatever he wants to do with Gallifrey, because it's the Master, and Lord knows what his plans are. So, just mm-hmm. theories I'm throwing out there; they'll probably never come back to it. I understand that, and I don't care if they do or don't, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I don't know. I'm not so entirely sure that was the Doctor. Yeah. You know, so just saying, okay. just saying. Hey, well, we had to get one more wacky theory. Oh, of course. Come on. We had to. We had yeah, to. Yeah, no. This episode ain't done. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let's go to this one. What did you think about the, the conclusion to the Time War slash the way the Doctors dealt with the moment? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I like, first of all, I like that we're done with the Time mm-hmm. War. Quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that. Um, it was it was a really great storytelling device when it started, but then it just turned into an excuse for the doctor to basically feel sorry for himself every, you know, for an episode or two every year. Yeah, every time a new companion showed up, oh, I murdered my people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, but I thought that it was done really well. I like the idea that they you know figured out a way to possibly save Gallifrey, mm-hmm. while at the same time making sure that. The ninth and tenth Doctor would still have their their guilt yeah. for having destroyed it. Mm-hmm. 
while at the same time taking out a whole bunch of Daleks. Although, again, what was supposed to happen is that the, uh, you know, the moment not only destroyed the Time Lords, but also destroyed all the Daleks. Right. And I don't think that that is being addressed here. Right. You know, it was just, it got all the Daleks that were there. Mm-hmm. But again, that, that, that's, that's nitpicking. I can, I, can, I can overlook that. Yeah, you could maybe assume because this was going to be the last day of the war, no matter what, no matter if the moment was used or not. Yeah. You, I mean, this is the last day of the Time War. Maybe right. every single Dalek, they say there's a billion, billion Daleks up there. So right. maybe every single Dalek in creation is there at that moment. I mm-hmm. don't know. Right. But, yeah. Okay. But, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I uh, didn't really have anything. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I like the idea that this always happened. This is mm-hmm. all, at least that's what I'm taking away from it, that mm-hmm. this is the way it always was. You know, we just didn't have the full story. You know, like this is this is the the truest definition of a retcon. Yeah, you know, yeah, where we we're, we're sliding this thing into what's already there that doesn't actually ruin what's comes since. Yeah, yeah, we. I think we're talking about. Wait, did we talk about the Winter Soldier on the air or off the air? air? I don't remember. Uh, I think we. I think it depends on how you edit it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so okay. obviously at some point we, we mentioned the Winter Soldier. So going mm-hmm. to the comics, when they, without spoiling the Winter Soldier, when they brought him into continuity, mm-hmm. it technically, it the way Brubaker did that was perfect. Because as you mm-hmm. said, he slipped it in because we only saw that event from one point of view. And that point of view was foggy. So when you flip it around, you're like, no, this other thing could have happened. And hence mm-hmm. we have the Winter Soldier. And that's what's going on here. And it, it's, it's done so smoothly, so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And as you said before, it allows the 9 and 10 to have, and even 11 to some extent, to have their guilt. Right. And it's great. You know, it really, oh, yeah. I just, I, it's, it's smart. And that's not something I think I've said about Moffat in a long time. Yeah. He used to be Mr. Clever. He really yeah. was. And I think, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't want to suppose anything, but his stories and his storylines just weren't fascinating me anymore, yeah. but this has got me re-energized for the show. Not just because there's a new doctor coming up, um, mm-hmm. but because I'm like, okay, okay, I think he's back on track again. He has, he has a grand idea for the rest of the show and where it can go mm-hmm. even after he leaves, and we're seeing the first steps of it here. You know, and, and it's, it's very innovative what he did. So right. he put a lot of time into this and a lot of thought. So good on him. Yeah, I, I really, I can't, I can't point to anything in this episode that's anything but a total triumph for Moffat. Yeah. It's incredibly well written. It is very clever. And it's a loving tribute to a show that he obviously loves very much. Mm-hmm. While at the same time not completely being all about that. It does progress the story forward. And this whole hunt for Gallifrey thing has the potential to be a really good launching point for the next the next series or two. Absolutely. Yeah. It really does, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, and we have to address this does not undo the end of time at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's an off there's there's it's just said and they move on. But right at the beginning, the first time we see the war council or whatever they are, mm-hmm. they say that the Senate has plans and those plans have already failed. So right. we know from that line the end of time happened. The planet tried to push through at the end of the end of time, the doctor mm-hmm. stopped it, and now this is happening. Or they're happening at the exact same time. But all the right. same, 
it does not undo the end of time at all. Because I saw a lot of people freaking out about that. It's like, no, you think about that one line and mm-hmm. it fixes everything. Moffat was very wise to put that line in there. So I got, I got to ask, how did they do Hartnell? Was that an impersonator? I, but, that was an impersonator. Okay, okay. Yeah, he never said the word Gallifrey. I didn't think so, but I didn't know if it was some sort of vocal manipulation with, you know. Right. Cause, no, no, they, they, they brought in a, 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 an artist okay. to, to do that. It was pretty good, so... I agree. And oh, that moment! Oh my God! What was your yeah. reaction to that moment? Oh, I punched the air. I still do. <laughs> I know it's. I mean, it was terrific. Yeah. I mean, you see all these doctors, and for the most part, they are clips from old episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, which again, I do have that mo- that that tendency to go. Oh, I remember this one, and this one looks familiar, and I know we see this one. But y- you let it go. Yeah, you let it go because it is that awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you know, there's the all thirteen moment. Oh my God! Yeah. What did you do when you saw that? Uh, I, I, I believe I literally said, what? I'm not even joking. <laughs> I believe that's what I literally did. You know, because, yeah. okay, fine. We, we get all these, you hear Hartnell's voice. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. They're going to work them all in. And then, oh, I'll tell you what. Before, when he said all 13, for the split second before they show his eyes, I yeah. actually thought we were, actually, we were going to get um, half human doctor the the, mm-hmm. the one which and you mentioned this on the forums to me uh who i guess now would be considered the valyard he's not become yeah. the valyard but in terms of regeneration where he falls he's technically the valyard now right uh maybe well no i'm not saying that's what they're gonna do with the character yeah. but i'm saying no no well it would be between 12 and 13 oh so... okay and that was between no so that would be that would be that would be that would be 10 and a half okay because of that yeah. okay so that's who I thought it was going to be. But then we see his eye, you know, the, yeah. the next one's eyes. I, I'm not going to try. Capaldi's eyes. There we go. Yeah. I, I remember okay. the phrase, the, the, he's your pal or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. It really did. The fact that they could keep that secret, too. I mean, granted, it's, it's two seconds of footage, if that. You know, it's his eyes and his hand on a lever. <laughs> but mm, but sure. still, I'm... Did that leak? I don't remember seeing any spoilers about that leaking. No, yeah. I don't believe so. Yeah. I believe that was that was new. Yeah, okay. cool. Um, Billy Piper. We haven't spoken about her. No, we haven't. Wow. I thought. Yeah. yeah. She, they 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 used her really well. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's, it's so easy to to forget that you know her time on Doctor Who was like eight years before when she was basically a kid. Yeah. She is, and so she's. You cannot get away from the fact that she is significantly older. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, in a way that's very noticeable. You know, she's an adult now. So they found another way of using her. Because you couldn't not use Rose. No, you had to. You had to bring in Rose. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to use her that made it really work really well. And she crushed it. Yeah. She absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing but... but but praise for, for Billy Piper in that role. Yeah, you know, it's been said many times, I'm not a Billy Piper, slash, more Rose's biggest fan, you know? Right, Served right. her purpose, she did, the, you know, it was, it, and it worked to some extent, you know? Mm-hmm. But when I heard they were bringing her in, I was really like, how, how? As you said, she is so much, when I say so much older, it's not like she's like, you know, my age, you know? Right. So I figured I'd take the joke, and I wouldn't, yeah. you know, I'm not going to give yeah. Ian one last chance, even though he did in the voicemail. Wilson, but you know you you can't still have her playing Rose Tyler anymore. You can't yeah. unless you right. pull her from the other universe and all you know pull, do all those kind of shenanigans. No, who is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's a girl from your future, and I'm just using her image. That's all it is. Yeah. Done. And 
so again, very clever, very smart. And you know, she for a brief second she plays Rose. For a brief second she plays uh, the bad wolf. And then for the rest of the time she's just the moment. You know, and yeah. she gets those little snarky comments in there, like about the kissing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 this yeah. and that, and the compassion on her face, the worry on her face when the John Hurt Doctor is about to trigger the moment. She's yeah. really struggling to find something to tell him to not get him to do it. And so she has to bring mm-hmm. up the TARDIS sounds and this and that. And yeah, very, very strong performance from, mm-hmm. from, from her, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad it's Rose, but it's not at the same time, you know? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really kind of turns me off about this is Elizabeth. Oh, okay. She's very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. She's very, very irritating. Um, and that's not, I'm not, I'm not blaming the actress. Mm-hmm. I think that's just how they've chosen to portray Elizabeth the first in this, in this special. Yeah. But, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, this is just a terrific, terrific episode. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful to, you know, kind of have it be part of that, you know, you know, this, this, uh, airing that went simultaneously across the entire world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome. I mean, you know, I had to find a, a way to be in front of somebody else's TV because I don't have cable anymore, mm. you know, at precisely two o'clock in the, <laughs> in the afternoon. Um, but it was just, it was amazing to kind of be part of that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which, which was amazing. And then like a couple of nights later, I got, I got to see it in the cinema. That's yeah. Yeah. Which was very fun. Mm-hmm. Very, very fun. I, I will admit that, uh, during this viewing, mm-hmm. I was a little sad that I never had that opportunity yeah. because mainly for the 3D sequences, but because it was Doctor Who in the cinemas, you know. I will say this. The 3D sequences were there. Mm-hmm. They were not overpowering. Okay. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we're in 3D. <laughs> <Right>. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of the things that, you know, like the sequence, like obviously the sequence in the painting. Yeah, was amazing. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. In fact, the the whole the time war sequence yeah was really cool. Otherwise, you wouldn't have noticed. Okay, you really wouldn't have noticed. It was very well chosen uses of of three D. Yeah, and looking at it, you can tell the scenes that were going to be in that are in three D. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's not the. Hey, okay, have you? Um, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. Have you been to Disney World? No, I have not. Oh, okay. But... If you ever get the chance to go, go. Oh, my God. But see the <laughs> Muppet? Muppets in 3D or something like that? Okay. They the, the, the whole thing is that they're doing a Muppet a Muppet uh, uh, present, uh, an episode of the Muppet Show, where they're prepping one, and they've invented 3D technology. And they're like, but we're not going to do silly gags. And then they start doing the silly gags, you know? Right, sure. With this, you can tell where, with the way someone's standing and the way it's shot, if you had a 3D TV and the glasses and all that and the Blu-ray player, this mm-hmm. is going to look really good. But you... you you don't need it to enjoy the experience, you know, but it is a right. level I would like to see. And I, I generally don't believe in 3d programming. I think it's BS, you know, I think on, yeah, it's very, very rare that I can think of a movie that was enhanced by 3d. You know, yeah. I'm much more likely to actually be, have the 3d turn it, turn, like turn me off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not one of those people that gets headaches while watching the 3D movies, but um, Mm -hmm. most of the time it's economical, you know? Most of the time it's like, why am I paying 15, 16 bucks to see the same movie with Mm -hmm. glasses over my glasses, you know? Exactly. So, anyways, didn't mean to get into a 
a rant about that, but yeah. if at some point I, I befriend someone that has a Blu-ray player and a 3D TV, I might go, hey, can we get this and watch this, please? Or can you just leave I, me alone for an hour and a half and I can watch it myself, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, uh, anything else about this one? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm sure we could blather on about it mm-hmm. for another hour if we wanted yeah. to, but... I think we've kind of said everything we can say. It's absolutely terrific. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to see everybody, you know, the people that came back come back. It would have been nice to have a little bit more, like, you know, to have a couple more companions. But at the same time, you don't want to overbloat it. Yeah. I mean, as a 50th anniversary episode and also just as a straight-up episode of Doctor Who, it's just a... It works on every level. Oh, 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 let me ask you this. I'm sorry. That, yep. that was a good way to wrap that up, and I didn't mean to steal your thunder there, but this... Oh, that's actually not what I... Okay, but, okay, okay, well, thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> um, this, this, this... <sighs> Certain episodes of Doctor Who are mm-hmm. very clearly... Can very clearly be used to bring people into the program. Mm-hmm. Blink being the prime example. The Doctor's Wife, to some extent, especially if they're Neil Gaiman fans. 11th Hour. 11th Hour. You know how I feel about Midnight. I love that episode. I think that could be a good one. Right. This one, though, I have to say, I think it's a ton of fun. And it's... And it's it's wonderful for us, not just because we've seen all of the modern stuff, but because we because of this program, we've had the pleasure of seeing all the classic stuff too. You know, yeah. On some level, I think you could show this to a new person and get them excited about the show. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's there is a lot of continuity going yeah. on here, so. I, I then kind of go, well, maybe this wouldn't be a good one, a good first episode. What do you think about that? I think that you could make a case for it. I think that it is, as you say, it's very exciting and lots of fun. There is a lot of continuity, but I think it does a good enough job explaining what that continuity is in the episode. Mm -hmm. That that is less of a factor than I think you might be thinking it is. Yeah, because what I would hope people would take away from it is Mm -hmm. now they see that there's something in the Doctor's past called the Time War. And now now they know how it ended, what really happened. Yeah. And I, I would hope that they would go, oh, my God, I want to see the rest of this Time War stuff. Right. You know, and then you could then show them how Eccleston feels having regenerated from Hurt. You know, you, you, you could you could then see this is how he feels. This is how Tennant deals with it. This is how Smith deals with it. You know, so I, I think there's a way if you spun it the right way, there's a way to make this someone's first episode. But I don't know. You know, yeah. it's also got a, a ton of action. You know, mm-hmm. a ton of special yeah. effects, and some of the modern episodes aren't that action heavy. So people may walk out of this one thinking Doctor Who's this big action show and go, "What's with? Why is there no action?" You know? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. So I, I had. <clears throat> it's going to sound weird to say this being our last episode for a while. I, yeah. I want to hear what people have to say about this, and right. l- let me address this point too. You guys can still write in to the bigger on the inside email address. You still can. Mm-hmm. I'll still share the emails with Dan, and you know we'll both respond if we, you know, from time to time. But what I'd really like you guys to do is go to the forums, mm. forums.earth2.net, forums.earth-number2.net, and talk to us about Doctor Who 
there, be it in the bigger on the, in, bigger on the inside feedback thread or in the uh, Doctor Who thread. The massive Doctor <laughs> What is that, like 300 pages now or something? <laughs> something like yeah. that, yeah. Go to the forums, join, and, and talk to us there, and you're going you're, you're gonna to get responses from us right away instead of having to wait to us respond, to maybe respond to emails, you know. So mm. sorry to throw that in now when I should have said that earlier in the show, but I don't know, it kind of felt like a semi-appropriate place there. Took you so long. What's wrong? It's only a crack in the wall. I knew. I always knew it wasn't over. What is it? A split in the skin of reality. of the 26th of June, 2010, the day the universe blew up. Yes, sir. I regrouted it, put it all back together again. That's good. Well, it was my TARDIS that blew it up in the first place. I felt a degree of responsibility, but the scar tissue remains a structural weakness in the whole universe. Oh. And someone's trying to get through it from outside our universe, from somewhere else. Of course, of course. It makes sense. It does? Yes. If you're trying to break through a wall, you choose the weakest spot. If you're trying to break into this universe, you choose this crack. Because, no, if you're trying to break back into this universe, you said Gallifrey. Why did you say Gallifrey? Analysis of message composition indicates Gallifreyan origin, according to TARDIS databanks. You said Gallifrey was gone. No. I said it was in another universe. The message is coming through here. The, the truth field is, too. At a guess, if it's the Time Lords, if it's the Time Lords... Seal of the High Council of Gallifrey, nicked it off the master in the death zone. There is an algorithm imprinted in the atomic structure. Use it to decode the message. Message decoding. Message analysis proceeding. Information available. The message is a request for information. It's a question. Why can't you just say it's a question? It is being projected through all of time and space on a repeating cycle. The oldest question in the universe, hidden in plain sight. Warning, translation will be available to all life forms in range. Translation follows. Doctor Who. 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 Doctor Who! Doctor Who! Patch me through to the Doctor. Now! A question only I could answer. Truth-filled to make sure I'm not lying. If I give my name, they'll know they've found the right place. And that it's safe to come through. The Time Lord. Okay, so what then? If you answer the question and they come back, what happens? Uh, you need to take this to the TARDIS and put it in the charger slot with the Sonic. Why? Hell. All hell. That's what happens if the Time Lords come back. There's half the universe out there already waiting to open fire. Now please, go to the TARDIS and just do as I say. 
So, the last Doctor Who story we're covering for a while is the time of the Doctor. Let's see, there is this planet. We don't know the name of the planet just yet, but there is a message coming from it. It can't be translated, it's just some sort of beeping sound. And uh, every spacefaring creature in the universe can hear this. And it's filled them, I think they say, with fear or something like that. And they've all come here. And uh, that includes the doctor, uh, who's trying to figure out uh, what this thing is. Well, is that going on? as that's going on on Earth, it's uh, Christmas Day 2013. And Clara is making uh, Christmas dinner for her grandmother, her dad, and I'm assuming her stepmom? I assume so. Yeah, okay. Because um, I actually forgot that her mom was dead the first time I watched this one. I actually thought it was mm-hmm. her blood mom. And then I was like, oh, no, no, it has to be your stepmom or, or the dad's girlfriend or whatever. But she's making Christmas dinner. Well, um, let's see. Basically, the doctor shows up and uh, picks her up to go take her on an adventure. And uh, I don't He's naked for some reason. Because this, uh, oh, one of the yeah. tenets of this church is you can't be wearing clothes in church. That's right, yeah, because one of the, the big spaceship, there's a huge spaceship that's there that mm. is, uh, I forget the name of the... It's the Church of the People Mean. That's it, yeah. Which we've been kind of seeing in and out throughout his tenure. Right, yeah. Well, that was a splinter group of it, they say later on. Well, the the silence was. Right, yeah, with Madam What's-Her-Face, yeah. But these are the guys, like, like these are the clerics that <gasps> oh, we met yeah. in Time of Angels. That's right. You know? Yeah, so sorry, I forgot that. But yeah, they show up, and yeah, to, to visit them, you got to be naked. And but he's got this holographic generator thingy that he puts on Clara's eyes, so she doesn't see him as naked. But now she's gonna have to get naked to to go and see them too. And they're at this Christmas dinner. She's told her family, "Oh, the doctor's my boyfriend." Ah. Mm-hmm. So when he shows up, um, <laughs> we think he's wearing clothes. Clara thinks she's forgotten that he's naked, but everybody around the table can see the doctor a hanging. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's a little awkward. But regardless, he takes her off to go visit this church and talk to its leader, Tasha Lem, or Lam, or whatever it was, and uh, to talk about whatever this message is. And we are told that the second this message started being sent out, um, the, 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 the church got there first and put a force field. It somehow was protecting this planet. So all mm-hmm. these Dalek ships, these cyber ships, everything can't just go down there and invade and try to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the doctor um, uses... And Dan, please correct me uh, if mm-hmm. anything I get wrong here. Uh, the doctor and Clara go down to the surface of the planet using uh, Tasha's personal teleport, right? Right. Um, because if the TARDIS were to get through, it might break the security seal or something. I don't know. But they get down mm-hmm. there to start to investigate. What we quickly find out is that... Um, in this town, and the town is called Christmas, because mm-hmm. of course it is, there is a truth filter. Um, everybody always has to answer in the, you know, or always has to tell the truth, especially the closer they get to this uh, one bell tower, this one clock tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's see. The, uh, basically, quickly what the doctor figures out is that there is uh, a crack in the wall, mm-hmm. uh, harkening all the way back to this doctor's first adventure. So nice way to wrap that up. Um, and I mean that. That came out gruff. I really mm-hmm. mean it. It's a nice way to wrap that up. When, um, he also has this Cyberman head that he's calling Handles. And yes. it's been trying to translate 
this this message this entire time and um the doctor starts to piece things together and from out of nowhere well from out of his pocket he pulls what the seal of rassilon mm -hmm. <laughs> that he stole from the master as the third doctor that's right because it's from the the five doctors it's, it's from the five doctors but yeah. i was trying he to I, but i thought it was pertwee who stole it right he did, yeah. Probably stole it from Anthony. Yeah, it's a direct reference because he even says, "I stole it from him in the death zone." Mm -hmm. Slaps it on Handel's head, and um, the oh, because oh, 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 before they get down there, Handel's is claiming that this planet is Gallifrey, and the doctor's mm -hmm. like, "No, no, 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 no." Okay, fine. We maybe saved Gallifrey, but that's off in another universe, and I know what Gallifrey looks like. This planet is not Gallifrey. Mm -hmm. So, um, once Handel's has translated uh, 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 this message, it turns out to just be Doctor Who. That's just mm -hmm. Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, and it's being repeated now. Everybody, all the spaceships above, can hear this. Mm -hmm. And um, what the Doctor puts together, and pl again, please correct me if I'm wrong here, is mm -hmm. that uh, on the other side of that crack are the Time Lords. Yes, and they are trying to find a way back through. So what they did was they, they put the cracks in the universe to lead the Doctor to this moment, to lead them to this planet. And it turns out this planet is Trenzalore. Bum, bum, mm -hmm. bum. And they also put the truth field here. So if the, if the Doctor shows up and someone asks him his name, he has to say it. And by saying his name, that will prove to the Time Lords on the other side that this really is the genuine article. This is the doctor because he's the only person that knows it besides River, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, and if he speaks it, they can come through this crack. And the doctor is like, okay, that'd be great because they just want peace. But because of all the armies, all the aliens that are uh, up above in space, they're going to open fire, not just on Gallifrey, but also on Trenzalor, restarting the time war. So the doctor mm -hmm. is utterly, utterly screwed. He wants to help his people, but he can't bring them through because the war it's going to start. So one thing leads to another and he sends Clara away and he decides he's going to stay here and protect this planet. And he's not going to let the Daleks, the Cybermen, even the, the Weeping Angels, no one, the Suntarans, no one mm -hmm. get through. And um, and this is where it gets a little muddy for me. Because once they do start to try to invade, they're trying to destroy what? They're trying to close the cracks so the, the Time Lords can't come back through? That being the, all the other aliens, is that what they're trying to do? Um... Yes. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm, the whole standoff. I get, I get a little confused by the standoff situation of this one. But regardless, mm. the doctor spends something like uh, what 800 years there. I think he gets to the like the age of 2000. Mm. I think they say. Um, and at, at one point, he sends Claire away, but she comes back, sends her away again, and she's able to come back again. And uh, mm. he reveals to her, he's like, "Look, this is, you know, we we met that that other doctor. We just met that guy." And the, 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 the pretty boy doctor was so vain, he regenerated into himself another time. This is my last life. This is it. I'm dead. There is no regeneration for me. So mm -hmm. he, he, and he, he realizes he's, he's old. Like he's, he's so old, he's going to die soon. In fact, he even makes a, a gag. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, mm -hmm. he goes up to the top of the tower to basically tell the Daleks to kill him or off you know mm -hmm. just get it over with um and clara is downstairs w w with the crack and she tells it 
you know, you, you guys are, are getting the question wrong. I mean, you want to know his name. His name is The Doctor. That's all you need to know about the man. And if you love him, and you should love him, help him. Somehow help him. Mm. Well, The Doctor's still telling the Daleks to piss off. The, clack, the crack closes, and in the sky it reopens, and out comes a little bit of a fairy dust, and mm -hmm. it, it, it lands in the doctor's mouth, and he's very excited, and he's like, whoa, guess what just happened? I can regenerate <laughs> again! <laughs> and the Daleks go, oh, no. They collectively <laughs> their pants. And they start <laughs> opening fire on, uh, the, on the town called Christmas. Mm -hmm. And the doctor's like, nope, nope, nope. You guys aren't going to get away with this. And he starts, he regenerates. Uh, or he, he explodes with regeneration energy, uh, mm -hmm. shooting the Daleks and destroying their, their massive ship. And it should be said at this point, the Daleks were the last alien species that were there. At this point, over the 800 years, they say the other ones were just defeated or got bored and went off elsewhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, the the planet is safe. It's it's war it's war torn, but it is safe. And uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Clara uh, comes out of the clock tower because she uh, went inside with some people to, to uh, so they could take cover from the debris and the laser beams. Mm -hmm. She goes into the TARDIS, and on the ground she sees the uh, outfit the Doctor's been wearing for these past 800 years while he was protecting Trenzalore. And uh, she sees him, and he's young again. And he tells her, no, 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 this is just the factory reset. This is a whole new regeneration cycle, he says. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, this is going to be a little different, but this is what's happening. And he gives a big emotional speech to Clara, saying, you know, I... I was the doctor. I, I'm never going to forget being the doctor, but you know, life moves on, and as long as you remember who you were, who you are, you'll you'll always be that person or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, right before he regenerates, we see a young Amelia Pond run up the stairs in the TARDIS. It's just him hallucinating, and mm -hmm. down another staircase comes. Oh my God, Amy Pond, mm -hmm. and she tells her Raggedy Man good night, and uh, he promptly regenerates into Peter Capaldi. And mm -hmm. uh, he asks Clara, um, do you know how to fly the TARDIS? Because we're <laughs> crashing. And that's it until, what, September? Is when? August or September. August September yeah. when Doctor Who the fall. back. Yeah. So anything you want to add to that one? No, I think that pretty much covers it. We'll talk, we'll talk it through. Yeah, okay. So what do you think about the time of the Doctor? I like it. Mm -hmm. um, I like it. I think, okay, if they were ever going to do an actual final doctor story mm -hmm. like an actual like the doctor is going to die we're never going to be making any more doctor who again mm -hmm. he's you know he's going to be dead for real this is the story they should do oh where he just spends a few hundred years protecting this one planet okay yeah yeah i can dig that you know he turns the one planet he becomes part of their society he, he basically you know this, this forms his home yeah and, you know, the people love him, and he loves them, and, you know, every now and then something pops up that needs to be dealt with, and he deals with it, and there's a parade yeah. when it's over, <laughs> and everybody has just a fantastic time. Yeah. And it's just a very gentle, very quiet way for him to go out, uh -huh. you know? So I liked that very, very much. Yeah. Um, it seems like they took a lot of time... Saying, all right, look, here's all the questions and loose threads that we've had over the last three years. We're going to fix them. You know? So he sits down with Tasha Lem and they talk about, you know, you know, oh, well, the destroying the TARDIS and the Big Bang is what started the cracks to happen. And, you know, then they engineered a shot, you know, the, the 
River Song, and this is this is what that's all about, and all this all this other stuff going on. It seems like like there was a little bit too much of that, mm-hmm. which just it goes to show just how many of those loose threads. There yeah, were. yeah. <laughs> but on the whole, I think that it was a very well put together episode. Mm-hmm. Certainly less maudlin than the end of time. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like all about oh my god, Eleven's leaving, Eleven's leaving, Eleven's leaving. Mm-hmm. It was just a, it was just a nice little story. Yeah. What about you? I think it's a touch long, mm-hmm. and like I said, I'm, I'm I, the whole standoff thing confuses me a little, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy it. I think okay. if you you can cut out most of the Christmas stuff with Clara, you, you mm-hmm. really don't need that. It doesn't add much except. The grandma getting all hot for Matt Smith because she's seeing him naked, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could cut out Clara getting sent away not once but twice mm-hmm. and get this down to like a 45-minute episode. Sure. And it would be a very tight 45 minutes. At 60 minutes, very good story. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I will watch it again. It's not at the top of my list to watch again, but I will watch it again, especially if you're in a regeneration story. Of course. But I come away kind of going, eh, it, it basically, it just could have been a little shorter. That's it. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. Mm, okay. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, let's see. So just uh, where do we start? I'm, well, I guess we can just start at the beginning. Okay. Um, we've got Clara having Christmas... I like that this was a Christmas episode that didn't beat you over the head with how Christmas it was. That's true, yeah. You know, yes, there's Christmas dinner at the beginning. The town is called Christmas. That's about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's just a straightforward story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get that little that little glimpse of Clara's life at home. Yeah. That, you know, there's a stepmom in town that she's not super crazy <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And even like you know, you know, Gran is is not completely on board with this girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I liked. Yeah. You know, like she she you know got you know the Christmas crackers that didn't have jokes in them. She decided that it would be better to have poems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm super crazy about the whole all the all the naked wackiness. Yeah. Especially. When they get down to the planet and mm-hmm. they haven't, they're still technically naked mm-hmm. and they're kind of spooning. And yeah. I'm like, um, now Smith plays it well where he actually keeps his hips further away from her bottom. Mm-hmm. So they're not flush up against each other, but I'm still like, this is unneeded uncomfortableness. And it's just silliness for the sake of being silly. Yeah, uh, but I, it's one of those. I could almost get away with that because a, I think that the doctor would not really even think about that. You're right. Yeah, if it wasn't pointed out to you're him. Right. And also, it is that kind of cold mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that they may not even be. You know, they're more much more concerned about staying warm than they are about you know his 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 goodies touching her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah. it just seemed like it was just first of all, hey, you know, it's funny because the doctor's naked. Mm-hmm. And then also we're supposed to think the entire time, oh, Jenna's naked under her clothes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain element of that uh-huh. that that just seemed a little much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? It really doesn't matter. It's really not a big deal, which actually makes me wonder why they did it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. And then we get Matt Smith revealing that he's actually wearing a wig throughout this entire episode. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Now, why? I, I, mean, I assume it was for a role. Why did he shave his head? Do you know? He has, he's in that, that Brian Gosling movie. 
And he, he, he had to shave oh, his head for Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's okay. He had to shave his head for that. Yeah. Um, that's it. That was freaky. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's not a skull cap. That's Lex no, Luthor. That right an there. actual bald head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she makes that joke like his ears look like rocket things. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they do. <laughs> and then there's the realization that at the end, Karen Gillan is wearing a wig too. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can kind of tell hers because the yeah, hair's not the, quite right. Really not you know, yeah, it's obviously not. But her uh, yeah, yeah, two baldies there. You know, and um, yeah, but that scene. I mean the scene where they where they land on Christmas and they and they're telling the truth mm-hmm. for a few minutes. That's a very funny. Yeah, scene. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a very funny scene. But we we get that whole thing where now we have oh she's with him because she likes mm-hmm. him, and we're back to that. Yeah. 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 It didn't. I mean, I mean, I think all she really says is because I kind of fancied him, mm-hmm. not because I'm in love with him or anything like that. True. That's but true. But you're right. It's it's still a companion ran away with someone because it was a cute guy and it's like no 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 please stop this stuff you know (laughs) once in a while is fine absolutely once in a while is fine you know but to do it again no because who's the only one we haven't had then donna donna yeah yeah and they still found a silly way to work in a kiss between those two you know although to be fair once amy decided that Rory was for her, that aspect of things went on. Absolutely. Away. But the show kept leaving it in, like in, in the opening sequence with, when she's in the opening sequence of a, is it a good man goes to war? Mm-hmm. Where she's telling the story of Rory of the last centurion, but they leave enough doubt in there to make you think that this is actually the doctor's baby. Yeah. You know, so even though they moved away from the romantic stuff, they still kept it in there in these weird little unnecessary ways. So but anyways, that's, that's a tangent. We don't need to yeah. go on. Yeah. You, uh, just a few minutes ago, we're speaking about the threads that they wrapped up. We finally mm-hmm. got to see what was in the doctor's hotel, the doctor's room and from mm-hmm. the God complex, I think it was. And it was a crack in yep. the wall. Right. Um, I still don't know if it all comes together for me where he's was like, Oh, of course it's you. It's like, really, really mm-hmm. the thing you fear the most is whatever that was. Now, does he know ahead of time that that's what that is, though? That that's the Time Lords trying to get back through the... No, but the the fact that the thing he fears the most, Mm. even before he knows what it is, is is one of those cracks, really? Not Davros, not not the Master, not Omega, you know what I mean? (laughs) Not, you know, a house with a white picket fence and a wife (laughs) and two kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, I, I get it. They had to wrap it up, but that was a little... I don't want to say much, but again, a niggle, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed how he tricked the wooden cyber. That was really cool. <laughs> into <yeah>. killing itself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, using the truth filter and everything to be like, ah, ha, ha, I was telling the truth, but I really wasn't, you know, in such a way. <laughs> yeah. And then it blows a hole. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. He's, he, of course he's, he will have figured out a way around the truth filter. Yeah, of course. You know, to, 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 to say things that are factually accurate, but not, you know, really truthful yeah 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 exactly which is again which is why he was able to get uh twice able to get clara to Mm. hop in the tardis and you know wait for him even though he had no intention of actually coming with her and and sends her back home yeah you know um while we're talking about that moment Okay, uh, Tasha shows up. Now, at this point, she's still being controlled because she's become one of the Dalek human people. Right. But she's able to fly the TARDIS. 
And yes. she says something like that flying the TARDIS was always easy. It was flying the doctor that was hard. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Like, yeah. is she like supposed to be the, the new mystery woman, the new River song, now that River's maybe done with the program? I, I, I assume I, so. I didn't know if Moffat had said something somewhere uh, about this character, specifically the future of the character. Nothing mm-hmm. though. He hasn't said anything. No, okay. no, nothing, nothing. I know that like when like they announced the name, you know, people do what they always do, which is oh, let's let's move the letters yeah. around and find out who this is supposed to really be. Uh, and I don't think there was any indication of of you know who that was. But I think you're right. I think that the fact that you know there's that line that clearly she knows how to fly the TARDIS, and obviously there's some kind of ex relationship between her and the Doctor. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, she's dead at the end of this episode kind of precludes really finding anything else. Is she dead? Oh. Well, she was Dalekized, wasn't she? Yeah, but she took control. She she was able to take control of it enough to go get Clara and fly the TARDIS mm-hmm. and bring her back to Christmas slash Trenzalore. Yeah. But she does say it, it, at some point the Dalek part of her will take over permanently. Yeah. But I don't know. You could you could do story set before this one, I guess. Um, And who is this actress? Because I swear to God, every time I watch this, I think that it's Ava Green. She looks so... I know it. I I, I, I mean, like I was looking... uh, Sorry, I've got Wiki open. I can see it's not her, you know? But Mm -hmm. when I I asked, like, who is this? Like, do you know what else she's done? Like, do you know anything about her? I don't. I know that when they cast her, there was a lot of, oh, it's this person. But... Like I'm looking at her, I'm looking at her wiki page right now, and I'm seeing a lot of guest roles on a lot of American shows, but nothing that indicates anything that I mean. Again, I've seen some of the things that that she's been in. Um, and now you know what? Looking at these other pictures of her, she doesn't yeah. look like Ava Green to me. But with that like black streak or that makeup across her eyes, the way they did that, something about her makes her look a little more like her to me. And yeah. it's not a complaint. I think Ava Green's one of the most beautiful women on the planet. Uh, I agree. So you know, I, like I said, not a, not a complaint having someone look look like her for a little bit. You know, oh, she was in yeah. some episodes of Fringe too, huh? Okay. Maybe I don't know if yeah. I've seen her episodes of Fringe. I guess she was on Nip Tuck for a while. I never watched that. Yeah. But hmm. okay. Anyways, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Did did I ask you what you think about her? I don't know if I actually did. Uh, what do I think about yeah. her? I think she's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Although I think she's too close to River. Yeah. I think that that whole relationship is very, very, very reminiscent of the River relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why you would do that so soon after wrapping up. I guess mm-hmm. that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. You know? I know some people were even thinking that it could be River. In some way, yeah. I yeah. thought I even saw some speculation with the granny potentially being River or Tasha or something like that. There was some speculation with the grandmother being an old Amy. Oh, like an elderly Amy. Huh. Okay. You know, having aged from, but that makes no sense because we saw her gravestone. Yeah. Exactly. Um. What did you think of the Doctor using the regeneration energy as a weapon? Didn't love it. Yeah. I didn't love it. Um. I mean, we've seen that the regeneration energy can be very destructive. You know, obviously we saw that at the end of at, at end of time. Um, but the whole thing where he's just kind of shooting down Dalek ships with it is really... I mean, if nothing else, it's really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't love it. Okay. I don't love it. Yeah, I'm, 
I, I don't have much to add to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And what did you think of the very quick off-screen regeneration? I didn't mind it. Yeah, I don't either. I didn't mind it. I know some people went absolutely berserk. Just hated it. Hated it. You know, that whole basically he sneezed and now he's, <laughs> he's, he's Dr. 12. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't understand why there has to be that whole, you know, just flame shooting everywhere and him screaming and then... Uh, yeah. No, he just... He's, he's Smith and now he's Capaldi and now we're going to move on with things. Yeah, I mean, not five minutes prior, we saw the big flame shooting everywhere thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the fact of the matter is... This is a new regeneration cycle. Yeah. They are not supposed to go. He is not supposed to have this at all. Mm-hmm. So it's the fact that it doesn't look the same, mm-hmm. and it happens so quick off camera. I kind of appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me by surprise. I mean, obviously, I knew the regen was happening, you know, but right, of course. the way they did it took me by surprise. But I was like, no, that was kind of. I liked that. It was it was a gutsy move, and yeah, people were going to mm-hmm. hate on it, but let them hate. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it really did work. I think it, I think it worked really mm-hmm. well. Um, the whole regeneration sequence was just very nice. Yeah, you know where he kind of he's allowed to kind of eulogize himself mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. while at the same time pointing out that you know I am going. You know this is the same person. You know things things move forward. All that mm-hmm. I thought it was really nice. That that actress that they brought in to play little Amelia. Yeah. Was so unbelievably clearly not no. Amelia. I mean, I think she was even blonde. She was. So yeah. yeah, but it was nice to see. You know, again, you couldn't have Smith leave and not have Gillen come mm-hmm. in just just for a quick goodbye. Yeah. So that was very nice. Yeah, yeah, and that was, and I didn't know it was happening, so it was a great surprise. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and I liked the little tender touch to each other's cheek, or mm-hmm. each other's cheeks, I should say. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I, I also appreciate having Smith take off the bow tie before he regenerates, mm-hmm. because you cannot have the next guy take it off and, and right. get rid of it, even if he does it in like a very respectful manner to this this previous version of himself. You're gonna mm-hmm. have the Smith fans, the eleven fans, go, "Oh, he disrespected the bow tie." You know, fans. You know how we get. I you do. Know? I mean, it's kind of like when when Davison was unraveling the. Scar- and I think that was a mistake. I really do. I do. T- yeah, you know, I do they- too. I understand why they did mm-hmm. it, and I actually kind of understand their reasons for doing mm-hmm. it. Like, and, and don't disagree with them, but I can understand what you're saying here. Too. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, so moving forward, if someone has an iconic piece of clothing, we have to have this version get it off if they can, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it doesn't look like they're uh, they're disrespecting anybody. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Uh, what else do you have about this one? Well, I I actually feel a little cheated that we're not going to get an entire season of Handles. <laughs> I liked Handles. Handles was awesome. Oh, yeah, he gets sad when he dies. He does. He gets yeah. sad. I mean, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I love the, just that little bit where, you know, the doctor's trying to give him a good view of the sunrise. Yeah. And he's like, you know, oh, this doesn't matter. I'm not, I have no emotion. He's like, no, but is that better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you get the sense that, you know, he's had, he's had handles for several hundred years. Yeah. And he's, you know, <laughs> that they've got this thing going on. And we just got a few minutes of him, and he's awesome, and we love him. Yeah. 
and and Smith played his death so well. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. In my notes, I just wrote poor handles. No. You know. Um. But the doctor and his robot friends. I, don't, I mean, he even makes a reference to uh, Chameleon. Mm. I think doesn't he? I think so. Yeah. No. Wait. Because he says she says. Clary says to him, I invented a boyfriend at one point, or I invented a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, I did that too once. I built a robot or something like that. But mm-hmm. wait, he never... He didn't bu- no, he didn't build Chameleon. I mean, he built the second canine, so maybe that's mm-hmm. what he's talking about? Maybe. I don't know. But I, I think it was supposed to be a reference to Chameleon or whatever, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, Maybe there's another robot. I don't know. Well, I don't know. What, what did you think of the uh, the elderly doctor? Um... I, I liked that he was still Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, like when he comes out and he's like fixed all the kids' toys and he's but he, he's turned them into, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> hovering trains and whatnot or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know he's he's walking uh, like an older man. He's slower. He's I don't I'm not saying he had a limp, but like he's got a limp or something like that. You know, well, he's got mm-hmm. a cane. So. Yeah. Um, but he's tired. It's time for him to go. And that's why he just goes up to the top of the tower. He's like, this is, I'm done. I know this is my time. And, you know, the makeup looks a little rubbery in points, but sure. it's it's kind of, but overall, I dug what Smith was doing there. I don't know if we needed mm-hmm. to see him go from being a 1,200-year-old man to an elderly 2,000-year-old man. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if we needed all that for this story well, no, you, you kind of do because of what you said earlier. So I'm going to I'm going to take that part back. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the way Smith played it. Is ultimately what matters here. What about you? Yeah, I liked it. I thought he played it really well, and I think there's there's more than a little Hartnell going on there. Mm, okay, you know, mm-hmm. even 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 the outfit with the check trousers and the, yeah, yeah, and the cane. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really really good, and I think that it really worked again for the fact that what I liked about it about this whole scene is that this is where he's settled down. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, this is the doctor who's settled down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it worked really well. How, you know, he's a little bit senile at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks that, you know, the, the young man that, that he, that he's talking to at one point is the little boy that he was dealing with hundreds of years before. Yeah. Him. Yeah. And so you can see that this is, this very much is the end for, for this doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I thought it was really well played. Mm-hmm. You know, the the makeup could have been better. That's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. But um, yeah, this just—I mean, in general, there's much, much more positive about this episode than the negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best last Doctor stories there's ever been. Um, I mean, obviously caves. Yeah. Oh, caves, yeah. Yeah. You know. But this is like right up there, I think, with like Legopolis. Okay. You know? Sorry, it, it's been so long for those with me. Yeah. That, and for the most part, I've only seen outside of the modern ones and yeah. caves once. Right. That it's it's hard for me to refute or agree with you. Sure. There, but it's it's like said, it's a good for me. It boils down to it being a good story. That's. Uh, I I think you called it bloated earlier. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's. It's that's what it is for me at the end of the day. Sure. So should we then move on to Matt Smith? Yeah, I guess it's time. Wow, Jesus mm. Christ. So, um, like, what are you thinking about this 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 young man? He's, he's still not even 30. He is 30. Oh, he is 30 now. So he is 
30, he might be 31 yeah, at okay. this point. Yeah, what do you think about this this young kid, I'll say, that stepped into this role and made it his own? Nobody saw that coming. No. Nobody saw that coming. Mm-mm. I think that he is an absolutely phenomenal doctor. Mm-hmm. He is, and I'm just going to say, he's, he's, he's neck and neck, I think, with Tom Baker for me. Mm. For one of my all-time favorites. He really is. I think it's a damn shame that he really did not have... Uh, terribly, significantly terrific stories. He, he's Colin Baker in that way. He kind of is. And to a little extent, McCoy, too. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I think that he, he, I enjoyed watching him so much that it really made it easier for me to sit through his era than it was for me I, you know, that I, in a way that I can't say the same about McCoy or, or even Colin. Mm-hmm. You know? Um... Because he was just so effortlessly the doctor. Yeah. From the day that he popped his head open, like you know, over the lip of the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that he was just he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal doctor. Mm-hmm. And I just I wish he'd had better stories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, going back to the eleventh hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, the moment when he comes becomes the doctor is when he finally puts on his costume. Mm-hmm. And tells the Atraxi to run. Mm-hmm. And he's just got that look on his face like, yeah, don't mess with me. Yeah, I'm you know? not kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pick up a gun, but I will break you. You know? And, uh, yeah, from that... I, I mean, earlier in the episode, too, like you said, when he's got that stupid big old... That stupid grin on his face and he sees mm-hmm. little Amelia. Yeah, he's so the doctor there, too. But it really is mm-hmm. the end of the episode where I was reassured. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this man's going to do with the role. But I'm on board because of mm-hmm. that right there. Right. Um, and I kind of got what I wanted from him in a lot of, not every, but in a lot of episodes where at times he was playing the role a little older. Mm-hmm. Not not like Grumpy Hartnell, you know what I mean? But he was playing an older man in this young man's body, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, he, he, he really made that work. And, you know, him trying so hard to be human and just fit in and never getting it right... Mm-hmm. I think it's probably going to be one of the more favorite things I take from the character, too. I'd agree with that. Yeah, because I don't think we've ever really seen any other Doctor attempt that, have we? The only other thing I can think of is there were times when Tom Baker was very good at that. You know, where he was, you know, oh, you're a beautiful woman, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, where he was, you know, he was an alien, and he didn't really... The only difference between that, basically, was that he... Was that Baker his doctor, the fourth doctor, was entirely uninterested mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in, in fitting in and being like these people, whereas Smith, Smith's doctor is much more, he's trying. He, you know, he's not getting it. He doesn't always understand that he's not getting it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he is separate and, and a little more aware of it mm-hmm. than, than, than four was. Yeah, yeah. But as you said earlier, that could be because we don't know where the line between Tom Baker and the doctor begins and ends. Mm-hmm. And I'm not entirely sure Tom Baker isn't an alien. There's so that. <laughs> he might just be like, I don't care if I'm human or not. I don't know. Whatever. There is that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, what else do you want to say about Smith? I don't know. I mean, he is an absolute, I mean, he's terrific. His rapport with his companions is second to none. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he's almost like, like two in Jamie. In that you really you couldn't have the eleventh Doctor without the Bonds, true, and especially Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what little 
chance we got to see him with Clara, it seemed like he had a very different relationship with her, but he also worked with her exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to talk about Clara to any extent? Because she's not leaving the show. Right. Um, do you want to say anything about her? Outside of, I don't know. that. The, I mean, again, I think that, they, I, honestly, and it, it's been going on for too long, but I think they are still figuring Clara out. Yeah, they are. And I'm really hoping that she clicks with 12 mm-hmm. in a way that the actress clicked really well with Smith, but Clara never really clicked with 11. Yeah. Because, again, she was so different from story to story. Yeah, it, it, she she did really well. I don't think we. I, I should have said this when you we were talking mm-hmm. about the day of that actor. I mm-hmm. think she did really good playing off John Hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't get too much time with Tennant, but uh, she when at the end when she's looking at Smith and she's got to be all sad and crying and I didn't think it was you that was going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. there was a connection there between them. Definitely, and so but. And not just the actors, the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does with the next guy. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that, that I, I hope something. I, I yeah, I, I, I want her. I, I like Clara. I do. Um, but is it, yeah, it's 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 like when they would bring on an, a companion in the old series, and they didn't know they were you know. Like, the, the, mm-hmm. the original scripts only had two companions, and all of a sudden they have to pigeonhole in a third one. Absolutely. You know, and it feels yeah. like they're doing that with the one companion on the show. It kind of does. And now that her mystery is over, and we've got a new Doctor, and it looks like it may be the next storyline is, let's go find Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they can just focus on becoming buddy-buddy, like uh, Baker and Sarah Jane or something like that, you know? I'm really. I'm hoping actually now that she's she's she can stop being the Rubik's cube. Yeah, and can start being an actual character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That they will settle on a way to do that. Yeah, that's, that that's really what I'm hoping for. I won't remember this, will I? The time streams are out of sync. You can't retain it. No. So I won't remember that I tried to save Gallifrey rather than burn it. I have to live with that. But for now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. Thank you. Which one is mine? Thin. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. So, with every single episode of Doctor Who covered, um, Dan, where do you want to begin? Do you want to? look at classic v modern do you want to yeah do you just want to start there i think that'll make the most sense i guess yeah let's let's start there i think i think that's good so obviously this project started out 
And I'm sorry, I'm rem- I, I shouldn't call it a project, you know, <laughs> but, right. but it did take up five and a half years or so, you know, yeah, um, yeah. this started out with, with one mission mm-hmm. with you being the schooled Doctor Who fan and me being someone who is new to, to, to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had a very clear idea about what the classic series was mm-hmm. and what it became when it came back, what the show became when it came back, where I really didn't know. I knew a little about the classic stuff. So that said, what are your overall thoughts about Doctor Who as a whole, but specifically when you look at the classic and modern eras side by side? Because um, we're almost at 10 years now with, with, right. this, with, the, with the new show, and the other one lasted, what, 30-something or 20? Uh, 20, yeah, 20, 26 seasons over 27 years. Yeah, yeah. So, so com- speaking about all that as a whole, what are, what are just your thoughts? That is, I mean, that's obviously, that's, that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, but yeah. That's, I mean, but, but it's something I think that we should, we should talk mm-hmm. about. Um, obviously, the differences are very easy to see right away. Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, Modern Who is a show of the 21st century in terms of production values, in terms of how things are written and acted and shot and, and so on and so forth. It's a very different looking and feeling show than, than the classic series. Which is not to say that the classic series, a like classic Who, is this, this monolithic thing. You know, it changed dramatically many times yeah. over the course of the years it was on. Mm-hmm. You know, you could look at an unearthly child and then put that up against survival and you would be forgiven for thinking that they were two entirely different TV shows. Yeah. You know, because they, they look nothing alike. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, you can watch Rose and watch Time of the Doctor and think that those were two different TV shows. Yep. To some degree. Not, not to quite as great a degree, but again, it feels very different because things things do evolve over the years. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that there was such a big time between between survival and and Rose means that it, it seemed like a much like a much bigger jump than it than it might have if the show had been on during those intervening times. Mm-hmm. But I think that Rose would still have looked like Rose if it had still been on that entire time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, TV's just different. But at the end of the day, the kernel of what Doctor Who is about is still very much in effect. Mm-hmm. You know, at you know, you know, the Doctor and his friend, or more than one friends, use the TARDIS to go someplace weird or unusual or dangerous or exciting, see a mystery or a problem, solve it, and move on to the next thing. Um. But with that said, it uh, it's definitely a different show now. Um, classic Who, even the best classic Who, could be very slow moving. I mean, no, 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 could be about it. It was very <laughs> slow moving, and you can either get your head around that or you can't. Right. And that, which is why I say a lot of people who come into the, the into the modern series since since two thousand five. They just cannot wrap their heads around the old show. Mm-hmm. They just can't do it. They cannot enjoy it because it is so slow moving, and because you know it can be very hokey. It's it's acted very differently. It's much more theatrical than the new series, and I can't fault them for that. 
you know, some some fans are like, well, you're not a real fan if you can't appreciate the horns of Nymon or what have you. But it is such a different show that I, I don't think we can point to, to new Who fans that cannot enjoy Caves of Androzani and decry them as not real fans because it is so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I would love it if everybody loved everything. <laughs> you know? But I absolutely understand why they can't. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. But now you yourself, because you started, with, you know, this this podcast, having seen the modern series exclusive, almost exclusively, right? Yeah. And you had to kind of jump into a very different type of program. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? It. <laughs> it it was a little rough at times because of what you've already said, you know, mm-hmm. uh, about modern fans having trouble getting into classic stuff. But I sort of eased my way in mm-hmm. because of Netflix. Because mm-hmm. and they still are, of course, you know, streaming certain episodes or certain stories of classic Who. But one of the ones they were streaming at the time, or I believe they were streaming it. Maybe I got my hands on it another way. Was um, the Curse of Peladon. Mm. So I was able to watch Classic Who in color, and Mm -hmm. it had a little action and a little romance, Mm -hmm. which, of course, the modern series has in certain degrees, depending on the episode, you know? Sure. So then going back to the, even beyond that, to the black and white ones that really didn't have a ton of action. Okay, like the Aztecs, fine, sure, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and and really didn't have romance. Again, we'll we'll ignore the Aztecs. Mm -hmm. Um. It wasn't as hard a transition, mm-hmm. but it was a rocky road sometimes. Sure. Um, and if there's anybody out there who is listening to our program, and they've only, they're only modern fans, and you mm-hmm. know, as, as you said, that's fine. You know, I would suggest them trying that, trying mm-hmm. a Tom Baker story. We've recommended so many, so many times. You know, mm-hmm. um, or I would even say, you know, certain Pertwee stories. Obviously, I have my fetish with him and whatnot. And mm-hmm. then go back even further to see your your unearthly childs, your Aztecs, your Keys of Marinuses, your War Game, War Games, War Games. That was War Games. Yeah. yeah, you know, those ones. Maybe not consume the whole thing, but try it that way. But, yeah, like I said, it was rough at times, but I think I f- accidentally eased myself in. Yeah, you know? there's, I mean, a definite sense in, and it's not just Doctor Who fandom, but I think genre fandom in general, that if you're getting into a show, you have to start with season one, episode one, yeah. and go forward from there. And if you try to do that with Doctor Who, you were not going to do it. Yeah. It will, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. It will not work. Partly because so much of it is missing. Mm-hmm. But also because... If you don't fall in love with the format of the show, then you're not going to be able to get through those early episodes. Yeah. You know, you just you just not. And cuz I know that early on, Mike, you know, as I recall, again it's been a long time, but as I recall, you were very slow to get I mean, I think you liked Hartnell when you first saw him, mm-hmm. but then we're kind of ho-hum on him for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, if you were not doing this podcast, would do you think you would have continued? No. Yeah. I don't think yeah. so. Um, I definitely would have skipped the, all of the reconstructions. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I might have watched, like, uh, if there was one where five of the four existed. I might have watched mm-hmm. those five and then just 
five of the four, <laughs> five of the six, pardon me. <laughs> um, I might've watched those five and then skipped whatever one wasn't there, you know, or whatnot. Sure. But yeah, I would have, I would have tried it cause I know, I know me, you mm-hmm. know, but eventually I would have been like, nah, I can't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you were saying with Hartnell, you know, it's, it was really uh, only kind of recently mm-hmm. that I've really grown to be very fond of his version of the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's the first. You gotta, you gotta pay respect to that. But it, when I think back to like what he brought to that role, uh, what he did for the show, mm-hmm. um, how he just invented the Doctor mm-hmm. and, and created the template that everybody would use or not use after that um, is is when you'll see me on Twitter getting all nostalgic about him. I've thought of like generally I'm drunk and I'm getting nostalgic <laughs> about Doctor Who when I'm thinking about Hart and I'm like, yeah, he was really the best. Screw everybody who says he wasn't, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it, it took me a while, but no, he's, he's the man, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love every actor who played the part. You know, mm-hmm. I said a minute ago, y'all know my part, we fit, uh, fetish, but you know, dude's definitely the man, but you gotta, you gotta be ready to, 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 to watch something that you're not expecting at all. Yeah. In, ter- in terms of not not even just just modern who versus classic who but modern tv versus classic tv well that's you just know? it yeah. i mean those early episodes like right up through i would say the 80s it really is what what's happening is basically they are setting up some cameras and filming a play yeah that's really kind of what's happening mm-hmm. you know it got to be a little more modern as the 80s progressed but that was just how Doctor Who was filmed mm-hmm. or shot. It was it was on video. Yeah, you know. Um, there, again, there was that whole thing where they would go outside and suddenly everybody's on film. Right. You know, and that's something that takes a lot of getting used to. You know, whereas now it's very much it's much more cinematic now, mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of getting used to. When Rose started, I remember like like well, the first time I watched Rose, it was just wall to wall music. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That really, and, and it's still like that to some degree, although it has been toned down some. Mm-hmm. But it still is like that, that. And that took a lot of, lot, a long time for me to get used to that. Mm-hmm. That there was all this music constantly being pumped into the show. Whereas in the old series, like you might have five minutes of music in a, in a 25 minute episode, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just, it just, it just it feels very different. Which is not to say that it one is better than the other. They're just two different things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. Something I would like to talk about, like kind of, kind of one of the biggest changes, mm-hmm. is the romance. Sure. We touched on it a little earlier when we find out, oh, Clara fancied him and this and that. And I know we've said it in uh, other episodes, too. Mm-hmm. But th- this is really like, like probably the biggest change for me. You know, so again, you being the longtime fan, what were you feeling when, you know, Doctor Who starts again and it's very clear from the get-go that Rose has feelings for this guy and then the Doctor kind of sort of reciprocates in his own Doctorish ways. Like, yeah. what did you feel when, when you saw that? I... I did not... Okay, yes. Oh, wow, this is different. Definitely. I did not have a problem with it, per se. Mm -hmm. Except that I think it could have been done better. Mm -hmm. Like, it could have been... It was a little on the clumsy side sometimes. Um, You know, that... I think you need a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, 
it was kind of being done from the standpoint more along the lines of Rose has feelings for the doctor and she's not even she wasn't sure what those were. True. Because sometimes it was very father daughter. Yes. But you know, I did not have the knee jerk. This is terrible mm-hmm. that a lot of people did. Yeah. And that really did come from old school fans because the doctor was almost entirely asexual in the in the old series. Mm-hmm. And his asexuality kind of became entrenched in fandom during the wilderness years, I think. Mm. Like, it became, it became a much bigger deal than it really, I think, was. Um, but I can also understand that you need to acknowledge that stories are told differently now. Mm. And people do develop feelings for each other. And... We need to address that. And the doctor is traveling with a pretty young girl, and we probably should focus on the fact that, yeah, there's probably going to be something going on at some point. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, people are going to, he's going to notice, at least. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we, you know, okay, look, this is how his thing is with Rose, but then now Martha's falling in love with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he's kissing, you know, Kylie Minogue, you know? <laughs> When she becomes a thing, and you know, we sidestepped it with Donna, but then the first thing Amy starts to try to have sex with the doctor right away, mm-hmm. and it does become a bit too much. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that this is what the show is now, mm-hmm. and we can rail against it. Although there's a lot less railing against it than there used to be, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. But I think a lot of that too is that so much of the people that watch the show now are people that have come in since the show started. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's just how it is. What are you talking about? Shut up. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what oh, about you? Yeah, for me, it's... Okay, you know, I, I start as a as a modern fan, and, and it's there. It's, it's right there on the screen, this, this romance or this would-be romance. And I'm like, okay, that's just the way it is. And then, also keep in mind, I saw the 96 movie, mm-hmm. and... There was kissing in that, you know? So I'm like, okay. Oh, my God. Fandom just went berserk when that happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, I imagine. You know? So I'm like, okay, maybe that's just how it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Then we go back, and I I go back, I watch the classic stuff. I'm like, okay, that's not how it was. It built to that. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And it worked with Rose and Eccleston because, and, and to some extent, even with Tenet, because he was that version of the doctor those versions of the doctor were still healing from Mm -hmm. the time war so the first companion that that runs along with him happens to be a rather pretty face he's he's looking for some sort of healing he needs to latch on to something Mm -hmm. and he latches on to this girl and maybe he puts some maybe he latched on a little more than he used to you know outside of like maybe sarah jane or romana or something you know Sure. Um, or, or Joe, as, as I always suspect. Um, so, yeah, that was absolutely fine. It worked for me. But then, as you said, I, I, I truly feel the character of Martha was hampered yeah. by the fact that she just couldn't be basically Liz Shaw Mark II. The, yeah. the smart doctor, that's, or the would-be doctor that's traveling with a man who calls himself the doctor. Oh, no, but she's got a fancy... It's like, no, we didn't need this again, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's the moment where I got frustrated with it. Not just as someone who has now gone from the classic to the modern, but as someone who was just watching the modern, too. I'm like, no, no, no. Just as a writer, I'm like, that was the wrong thing for them to do with that character. And then to keep doing it, yeah, taking a break with Donna, it... it, it I'll accept that it's there, but it just doesn't feel right all the time. Sure. So that that yeah, that's my stance. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, part of it for me was, honestly, that RTD did not always know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that he was, honestly, this is one of the one of the things that I think Moffat, for the reputation that Moffat has, actually was less clumsy with it mm. than, than, than Davis was. Mm-hmm. You know, because with Moffat, you know, Amy wanted to... Oh, yeah. And that's all it was to it. Amy wanted to... He did not reciprocate that, you know. He had his again. He saw her as a very daughterly figure, mm-hmm. and you know he was aware that she was very attractive. But that just you know she was his best friend, yeah. And that wasn't really on his mind. Clara also likes him, but not you know she's not going to be as 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 in in your face about. It, although she did kiss him in the snowman, right? Whereas he again is very aware that she's attractive, but when she kissed him, it really was more of like yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. then it was an actual. I'm going to do. So I'm going to suck face with Clara Oswald now. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I think that he actually carries it a little better than than RTD did. Mm. Well, that makes a good transition. I think. Oh, hey, look at that. <laughs> okay. At that. Well, before we do, um, mm-hmm. do you want to say anything else about classic? I don't want to say versus modern, but classic side-by-side with modern, comparing them. Anything before we move on? Not especially, no. I think that, again, I mean, I think we talked about it. They're very different shows that, that, that serve different purposes and do different things. Okay. Yeah, and I, I obviously agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to the two men who have really mm-hmm. been running this show since it's been brought back, RTD mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to talk about differences. Yes, we do. Not just in terms yeah. of how they handle romance, but just the overall vibe of mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, with with the classic era, you know, you, you we we saw it change all the time. How many times did it change during Tom Baker's? Like three or four? Something like that. Like every time, how many producers did he have? Three. He had three. Three. Had three and pretty much every time new producers or new writers came in, the entire tone of the show would change. Yeah. And we saw that between the RTD and Moffat eras for better and worse in both regards. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I I guess I'll start by saying I appreciate the fact that Stephen Moffat's era wasn't continuing exactly what RTD had done, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, again, for better or worse that he actually did try to continue to evolve the program, Mm -hmm. you know? So what do you think about these two guys eras? I think that part of it, RTD Really, we really had to watch RTD kind of fumble through a process mm-hmm. that, you know, he wasn't entirely certain what kind of show he was making until, I would argue, season three, you know, yeah. when he finally really had a handle on what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for that reason, you know, you know, whereas Moffat's seasons, you know, the show was already pretty much a pretty well-oiled machine by the time Moffat took over. Yeah. And, and he was able to kind of hit the ground running. But, again, they have very different styles. And I think that basically, and this is a vast oversimplification, but I think that RTD was more interested in character than he was in story, whereas Moffat is more interested in story than he is in character. Mm-hmm. I think that RTD will just hand wave a goofy plot with, you know, well, but look at the beautiful line that I've given this character. Mm-hmm. Look at the, you know, the marvelous, you know, interaction between these two people. 
you know, and, 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 you know, kind of hope that you don't notice the fact that the story makes no sense or is just outright stupid. <laughs> Whereas Moffat has this entire Chinese puzzle box, you know, that, that, that overarchs throughout the entire season. And we're, you know, looking at, oh, my God, how did he know this? How did he do this? How did he fit all these things together in a way that looking back on it, it all makes so much sense. And, oh, my God, that's amazing. Whereas just, you know, whereas the characters will behave differently from one episode to the next, regardless, you know, depending on what that particular episode needs it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that both showrunners have their, their champions and their detractors. Mm-hmm. But I think that they both did, the things that they did well, they both did very well. Mm-hmm. But the problems that they both have are significant. Yeah. Yeah, and for me with Moffat, the biggest problem right now is... uh, I shouldn't really word it this way, but Mm -hmm. in some way, I think he started to buy into his own hype. Mm -hmm. And I think he started to pretty quickly after taking over. Mm -hmm. um, Because... Okay, yeah, RTD, his season of specials, not his mm-hmm. best work, you know? No, no. But at least it was only over the se- like a season of specials that he, that right. he sort of started to taper off, you know? Right. Moffat, right. he's just been, in a lot of ways, taking a kind of a nosedive for me mm-hmm. lately. And that's why I was so pleased with, with the day of the Doctor and, just, you know, uh, the time of the Doctor, too. That's like, oh, okay, it's on the upswing again. I'm, I'm happy again, you know? But I, 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 sometimes I just think that, that, that Moffat is like, look how clever I am. Look at the grand scheme. Look at the puzzle box. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's times where I'm watching an episode and I'm seeing Moffat on screen in some way, where I rarely, if ever, felt that with RTD, if that makes sense, you know? It does make sense, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and I don't mean, I don't mean to be Mr. Grumpy Pants here, but in some ways I do kind of wish he was leaving the program with Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. I understand he has this thing that he wants to tie up with the, or I assume he wants to tie up with the Gallifrey sub, with the Gallifrey plot. You know, mm-hmm. fine, let him tie it up. But I kind of want him to go within the next year. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, which, in some ways, I was kind of feeling about RTD too near the end. But I knew yeah. when his end was coming. It's like, oh, okay, that's yeah, kind of his time to come. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, we can get kind of tired of doctors. I'm kind of getting tired of this producer, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I agree. I agree. Um, it's really funny. I don't know how kind of tapped into fandom and, and what they were going through, like at the time that Moffat came on board. Mm-hmm. When it was announced that he was taking over, there was just this sense of jubilation. Yeah, in the air. Moffat's going to. He's going to fix everything. You know, or you know, whatever. But also, there's. But it was just. It was just unreasonable. He's going to fix the show and it's going to be the best show in the history of the planet and he's also going to heal the earth and bring the dead back to life and take me out to dinner you well know. he did do it with rory maybe no, eight or 20 that. times there is that but it was just like just these huge expectations yeah that nobody could have followed up on yeah and there is i think a certain sense of you know he didn't come through on these things that we just kind of assigned to him <laughs> yeah and I think that hurt him mm-hmm. in a way that it really shouldn't have. It's yeah. incredibly unreasonable. But also, it became very clear that he had a couple of arrows in his quiver that once he'd fired them, it became clear that that's really all he had mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah, He has, I mean, he's got some good things. He is a very clever writer. Yeah. And he is a very funny writer. 
and he's able to kind of use those two things to carry things a certain way, but you can't skate on clever and funny forever. At right. some point, you do need to be able to make me care about what's going on mm-hmm. and not just try to figure out what the puzzle box is. Yeah. And that's that's unfortunate. That that is kind of, to a certain degree, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to say anything else about these two producers? Not especially, no. I know that um, the the big rumor that when Moffat finally does leave is that the, that next in line is Mark Gatiss. I hope so. Well, I do too. I think he's a good. I think he's good. I also think that he's not going to again solve every problem right. the show has. It is true that the stories that he writes, to me, feel the most like classic Who that modern Who ever gets. Okay, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, and I love that. You know, when I see that he's the writer on an episode, that I'm like, okay, if nothing else, it's going to feel like an old school story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably enjoy it on that level. Yeah. But, you know, will that work for an entire season? I don't know. But I do think he'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah, and I, I do worry to some extent. Should, and I was actually thinking about this the other day, should Mark Gatiss take over? Because mm-hmm. he and Moffat are writing uh, co-writers on and co-producers on Sherlock. Yes, they are. I, I worry that uh, Stephen Moffat will still have some sort of hand. Mm-hmm. In the show, oh, I can't um, imagine that though. Uh, yeah, I know, and that's just me being s- silly and speculative, you know, because mm-hmm. I never do that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I hope whenever it happens, it's 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 Gatiss. I you know, his, his stories aren't always the best, but their vibe is good, you know. And right. you said, yeah, there is a classicness to those things. Yeah. Um. So should we get to some of these lists that we made? Or? Yeah, we probably should. We probably okay, should. so. Uh, we didn't uh, confer off the air as to what list we each made. <laughs> yeah, let's find so out. So <laughs> this will be a stumbling. Uh, 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 this this could be we, like I am with my words right now because four mm. hours, people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, uh, pardon us if we stumble a little here. So uh, one of the ideas uh, I believe you threw in my direction was uh, ranking some of the new monsters. Yeah. Do you want to start there? Yeah, let's start there. Okay. So, however you want to do this, top to bottom, bottom to top. Yeah, I don't know that I have a bottom to top. It's it, like I was making this list, and it just kind of struck me how few modern new monsters uh-huh. <laughs> there a have been and b have really made any kind of impact. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. At number one. Mm-hmm. I had to put the Weeping Angels. Yeah, as did I. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do wish they would have stayed a one-story monster. Mm-hmm. And it would be very easy for me to knock them down to number two mm-hmm. because they got overused. Like, why were they even in the time of the Doctor? You know what I mean? But, yeah. oh, got to have the angels show up, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah, I, I really do think they got to be at the top. If only because without them, again, this show don't exist because we didn't have Blink. Right. So it might lose a point because I got overused, but it gains a thousand because of that, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, when they're used properly, mm-hmm. they really are a very scary, effective monster. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so what's a monster you got on there? Well, the next one I have after that is actually The Empty Child. 
the ah, yeah. are you my mummy? Yeah. Sorry, I wrote down gas mask pe- gas mask people, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, that's them. Yeah, they, they, they weren't really named, so I did, I just called it that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that that whole thing of you know they've they've taken over, you know these these sick, injured, even dead bodies, and you know we, you know they they're, they're kind of zombie like, but also very creepy and they move slowly and when they turn into it you can actually hear like you know bones cracking yeah. and that whole <laughs> whole thing it was just just a very effective monster in a very scary episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we should point out both of those of course created by Moffat. you know yeah absolutely so uh if if i were numbering them i would put them at number four okay um but they were the second one i wrote down but then i put in mm-hmm. four next to them Right. Um, I would like to suggest the Clockwork Robots. Okay. If only for their design. Mm. But and, and I, I I marked them as number five mm-hmm. because in truth they're not really bad. Right. They're just doing what they were programmed to do. It's the programmer who's at fault. The programmer should have said, "Do not use humans as parts." Mm-hmm. And we and then they're not monsters, you know. But yeah. in terms of design, yeah, they're beautiful. They were awesome. They are so yeah, I had I, I I could not not put them on this list, you know. Well, for that I mean for that reason, um, again for no other reason than because they just look so amazing. I had the Vigil from the Rings of Akaten, the Dark City monsters, the they Ooh, got the gas yeah. masks and the the long black coats. Mm-hmm. Yep, they yep. were amazing looking. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't do anything. Yeah, but their design alone was just so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That I just they just just immediately struck a chord with me. Yeah, but in terms of like what would come next on my list, mm-hmm. I put the beast. Ah, that almost made my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just because uh, part of it was the 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 visual design of it, the enormity of it, and and all that, but also the Gabriel Wolf voice that that came with it. Of course, was separate from the visual part of it, mm-hmm. but yeah, his voice when he was taking over Zed was or Toby, Toby mm-hmm, Zed Toby. was just so creepy and so well used. And of course it's Zutek, but I mean right. he, but 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 used so phenomenally well. Yeah. That I, I had to have him on that list. Okay. Uh technically what would be number two for me? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if they have a name proper, but the family? Mm, from the family, family of blood. blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean just I mean we just see humans. We never see what they are in reality. Mm-hmm. Outside of some green mist or whatever the, f- the hell we were seeing on their ship and whatnot, but uh, so well done, um, yeah. and for each actor played their role perfectly and did so in easily one of the best episodes of my, of the modern series. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I would I would definitely say that they're number two for me. Okay. Well, for me, for the next on my list, uh, again, this is purely based on the ability to use them correctly. Mm-hmm. Is the Ood. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Another one that almost made it for me. Yeah, I mean, used correctly, they're 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 amazing because mm-hmm. they're they're you know we're here to help, we're here to do this, and even when they're friendly, they're very creepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, they're very very creepy, and then you know they get taken over by the beast, and they're slavering and monstery, and they're going to you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the beast will rise from the darkness to consume the blood of the living. <laughs> Have some beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But they're they're a great visual. Their voice actor is very very good. Um, yeah, yeah. I just I, I enjoy those very mm-hmm. well. So smack dab in the middle of my list, number three. 
since mm-hmm. I've already said the, the bottom and the top there, uh, mm-hmm. would be the Vecinerato. That was next. That was my, my next one as well. Yeah, they're really not that different from the things in uh, was it the Ambassadors of Death? Oh, yeah. death. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just someone in a spacesuit. Yeah. They've just updated the spacesuit, but mm-hmm. the <laughs> the the. The fact that you can't beat them, you you literally mm-hmm. the doctor only wins because he at that point had nine hundred years of space time travel and kicking ass, and they yeah. just happened to be in a library. Had that story taken place on a on a moon anywhere else where they couldn't access data, mm-hmm. the doctor wouldn't have won, and they still yeah. got what they wanted. They just gave the doctor twenty four hours to get the hell off their planet. Yeah, you know and. Again, another one that aren't entirely bad. They're just sharks. They're just nature. Mm-hmm. They're just eating, you know? Yeah. Let's just say, in terms of, I mean, the visual design is very cool. It's a spacesuit with a skeleton inside. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Uh-huh. But also just the, the idea of what they are, that they are these tiny microscopic, just basically piranha uh-huh. that consume everything because they're always hungry. And the idea that they are everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just that this place, they're that much more dangerous because there's so many more of them. But that, you know, you, they're in your house. They're, the, they're the, the dust that floats in the sunbeams that, you know, mm-hmm. comes through the window at a certain time of day. It's just that there's not enough of them for you to really be worried about it. But if you ever had more of them, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's, and that, again, that's a Moffat thing. Yeah. You know, we'll yep. take this thing that surrounds you at all time, and it's better than Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think they're very, very effective. But at the same time, I am kind of glad that they've not come back. Yeah, yeah. There, there may be another story in mm-hmm. which they could be used, but let's wait a long time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd have to change the visual too, because why would, would people be in spacesuits again? You know. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, do you have any more monsters or? No. Okay, I have a couple of honor- honorable mentions if you don't mind. Sure. I really do kind of like the uh, the Carrionite witches. Okay. I kind of do. You know, they're they're they silly for that, story. for that story. Anywhere else, they're not going to work. They're silly, but they're kind of a little scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad guys, but aliens, the mm-hmm. adipose. Oh you know, yeah! Not monsters. They're not doing oh, anything bad. It's, okay, it, yeah, you know. I can't believe I forgot them. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're right. Because when you when you pitched that one, you specifically said monsters or I villains. I and, did. You I know, did. like okay, they're not. They're not. But uh, and I know, I I know that this is a classic series foe, but I feel the new series reinvented them and made them better than they ever were in the classic era. Mm-hmm. The Santarans. Yeah. You know, again, okay. that I'm cheating there, and that's why I made it an honorable mention and not a numbered one on my list here. Right, but right. they are, they're the same as what they were, but they, and, and now they've kind of become a joke because of uh, Drax. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you still can take them really seriously, seriously as these mm-hmm. badass warriors, you know? Yeah. So, okay, so from there, do you want to go to the female companions? Yeah, let's, let's rank the, the five modern female companions. Okay, so who's your number one? My number one is Donna. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to anybody. No. She was so wonderful. Mm-hmm. She was wonderful. She had a terrific story arc, and she had just an amazing give and take with her doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame that she came back, quite frankly, because there's no way that she could have been used as well. Yeah. But, um, again, you couldn't have Tenant leave and not have Donna Popeye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much like Smith and Amy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, what I wrote down here is her being older, 
mm-hmm. breaks the mold that we had set, not just in the modern series, but in the classic series, too. Yeah. I definitely. mean, uh, yeah, you know, we did have Barbara, and we mm-hmm. did have, uh, and I forget her name, but uh, the, the from the movie. Uh, Grace. Grace. Yeah, we had her. You know, so there's been some who have been a little older, even um, mm-hmm. Liz Shaw, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. but for the mm-hmm. most part, it's always teenage or teenage-ish girls, you know. Um, so that was different. But she also made him human again. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it sounds weird to say because obviously he's not human or is he half human? But mm-hmm. on his mother's side. But, you know, she 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 is the one that I think truly made him heal mm-hmm. from the time war, as best as he was going to heal as yeah. that iteration of the doctor. Sure. And because she was so fun, because she <laughs> she let him know. When, mm-hmm. when he was going too far in her first story, she's like, dude, what the hell? You yeah. know, right there, that, that moment, her in her wedding dress screaming up at this man she doesn't know on this weird adventure, that kind of defines her entire character. A- as we saw in Turn Left. Yeah. When her not being there is actually what led him to die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So who would be your second? Amy. Okay. Amy. Um, I love Amy. Uh, even, you know, not even just as, you know, half of the pawns, just... She is also very, very strong character, very, very, very funny, but also just fantastic companion material and is just so intertwined with her doctor that the relationship between Amy and Eleven is one of my favorite dynamics of the new series. Mm. Absolutely. I went with Rose. Okay. Um, and she got a, I'll tell you, Amy's my number three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll get to her in a moment. But yeah. I went with Rose because she gets a bonus point for um, defining, as much as we may lament the romance and all that, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she had to define what it meant to be a companion in this new Doctor Who series. Sure. And I think that the, the you know, the, the young at the time actress, Billy Piper, did the mm-hmm. very best job she could. And at times it was really good. It, mm-hmm. it really was. You know, any faults was generally with the handling of the character by the writers and not necessarily the actress. You know, ooh, I yeah. hate saying actress. The actor. Sorry, I, I never mm-hmm. liked doing that. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, she she kind of gets a bonus point from me and and gets bumped up to number two. Okay. Since you already gave Amy, mm-hmm. as I said, she's my number three, um, and it's because she. Regener- uh, uh, re-energize the show mm-hmm. for me. You know, the, the the show started afresh. New Doctor, new TARDIS, new 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 setting, new companion, and yeah, the Doctor and the setting and and the the, the new producers they helped. But having a brand new female companion, having no mm-hmm. baggage from before, helped. You know, uh, re-excite me about mm-hmm. the program. So there we go. Okay. Uh, well, my my number three is is Rose. Okay, okay. Um, I think that for all the stuff that we, you know, all the crap that we dump on Rose, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of it really is very valid. Mm-hmm. The fact remains that she is a very strong character who was brought to life by a, a terrific actress. You know, um, you know, my any problems that I have with Rose are not with Billy Piper. Right. I thought she always did did a really good job. And I thought that she hit the ground running from the very first episode. Yeah. Um, I think that, and I've said it before and I'll say it now, I think that she worked much better with Eccleston than she did with Tennant. Okay. Uh, I much prefer that pairing than I do with, 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 with Tennant. But she, 
you know, for all the problems that I have with Rose, and I have fairly significant problems with Rose, I think that her, the impact that she made on the show really can't be overstated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, number four. Mm -hmm. Who'd you go with? Ah, this was tough. I went with Clara. Okay, I went with Martha. Yeah, I went with Clara, but that has more to do with the fact that we don't really know anything about Clara yet. Yeah. And I think my problems with Martha couldn't, as much as I like that character, my problems with Martha meant that I really could not put her anywhere but in last place. Mm, Okay. Honestly. Um, I like Clara well enough. I think she's an interesting character. I think that she's she is she is funny. Mm-hmm. She is you know when she is kind of being allowed to be the companion, she does a good job at it. Mm-hmm. You know she I mean her role in the last two stories in Day of the Dog, the, the ones that we you know covered today, she was so good in them that I was actually able to kind of see hopefully see where the companion is going. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of it too is just I see potential. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason I put her—I'll I'll get back to Martha in just a second. The reason I mm-hmm. put her at number five is because the what I wrote down too new to say. Yeah, you know that—that's really it. She's only had a handful of stories. She's, she's changed in each one, or kind of changed in each one. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> Let's ask this again. <laughs> yeah. Many years down the line, mm. when, I don't know, Doctor Who, BBC takes it off the air again or something. I, right. Lord knows when that'll happen. But, you know, um, so when it comes to Martha, I would love to put Martha much higher up on this list. Mm-hmm. But because, I should say, she has so much untapped potential. Mm-hmm. But, and I said this before, I, I think I said this earlier uh, in this program, they took her in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. the absolute wrong direction. Um, I kind of liked the idea in the beginning mm-hmm. where at first she just wanted to shag the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, but then when it became a full on, like, I love him thing. Yeah. That's where I was like, nope, 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 done, 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 done. And they, they, they never corrected her there, you know, mm-hmm. to the yeah. point where, they were still bringing up her romance or her wanted romance with him when she came back in Donna's season. And it's like, oh, you moved on quick. And Donna notices that she's engaged, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would love to put her at, uh, I would love to put her at number one. Because mm-hmm. from, from her debut episode, from Smith and Jones, I, I saw so much that they could do with that character. With the way she gave back to the doctor. Because she was doing that before Donna. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you got to earn the title doctor. Yeah. You know? Like, wow, right there. That's what they should have done with that character. It should have been basically a lot of what they did with Donna on Martha. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, mm-hmm. again, I, mean, I, I did put her last, which is not to say I don't like her, because yeah. I absolutely do. But I put her last, honestly, because so much of Martha was wasted potential. Mm, okay. You know, they, you know, we are introduced to her, and she is very strong, and she is basically holding her family together by pure force of will. True. And she is a doctor, or is going to be a doctor very soon. And she is very smart and hilariously funny. She's a very funny actress. Mm-hmm. But in very, and, and again, you don't, you know, you don't want this to be the the calling, you know, the the main reason you like the character. But very, very attractive. Yep. Um, but also, just I mean, between, you know, oh, but I love him. <laughs> That just completely ruins that character. Mm-hmm. Outside of like something like human nature, 
she really is a very much a where are we doctor mm. what is that doctor mm. what are we doing doctor save me doctor mm. one of those companions that we really haven't had to deal with in the new series very yeah. much yeah you know yeah. which is just a waste of of how strong that character should have been mm-hmm. and was and was when she first came on yeah so should we maybe rank the seasons let's rank the seasons but let's start like start from from the bottom and go up i did include the special season did you i did not but okay. i can definitely yeah okay i know exactly where it would go <laughs> <laughs> um and that's the reason i mention it is because well uh, okay what i have written is that the last the, the the at the bottom for me is season 7 okay but i could make that the special season if I was going to add the special season, that's where it would go. Yeah. Looking at my notes, I probably should flip them around. Yeah. You know? The specials, with the exception of The Waters of Mars, mm-hmm. which honestly was adequate mm-hmm. more than anything else, those specials were god-awful. Yeah. They were really not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that was just terrible. But, yeah, Series 7 was on the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and we and we just talked about that. Yeah, so no need to <laughs> go back into it. But yeah, I'm 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 actually changing what I wrote on my notes here, and I am putting the specials last after season yeah. seven. So okay, so if specials is last for both of us, and then season mm-hmm. seven follows that, what's your next one up? My next one up is actually season six. Okay, series six. Um, again, not a lot of horrible awfulness here, mm-hmm. but not a lot of very good stuff either. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it, that was just a very met season for me. Other than Doctor's Wife, obviously Doctor's Wife kicks ass. Right. Yeah. Um. This was another tough one for me, and I'm going to flip this again while mm-hmm. we're talking. I yeah. too am going to go with series six. Initially, I was going to say series three. Okay. But yeah, well. To talk about Series 6, I have to speak about Series 3. i got to get ahead of myself, so I won't do that. But, okay. yeah, Series 6 just... Unfortunately, okay, Series 7 was bad. Mm-hmm. Series 6 is kind of forgettable. Yeah, very much so. You know, and that's why I... That's really kind of why I moved it while you were mm-hmm. talking there. You mm-hmm. know, and, and put it below Series 3. Because I have problems with Series 3, but Series 3 is not forgettable at all yeah, right. you know so yeah yeah so it's it's six for me as well so where do you go from there so does that well to kind of piggyback on that so so we're at the number five spot i guess there mm-hmm. so you would have three in that yes spot? i would okay and and that's because for all the good episodes that are in there mm-hmm. it doesn't fully hang together quite the right way for me okay um i don't know and i can never quite define what that means but okay. yeah there's something about that season despite like I, I really do like Smith and Jones. I love the Shakespeare Code. I got a softness mm-hmm. for Gridlock, uh, uh, Human Nature, Family of Blood, and then Blink, and then Utopia. Mm-hmm. You know, The Sound of Drums and Last of Time Lords may not be brilliant, but Utopia is great. Or okay. I mean, it's it's great because Derek Jacobi, you know, is the master well, yeah. for two minutes. Right. But yeah, there's something about it where it just doesn't feel cohesive, and that's mm-hmm. why it's kind of lowered down my list, despite there being some damn fine episodes in that season. Okay. So what's there for you? For me, is two. Okay. Two. Um, again, we've got a couple of really good episodes. That were, or, okay. Girl in the Fireplace, obviously, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. School Reunion is very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. 
the Impossible Planet two-parter is amazing. But other than that, everything is either mm, okay or outright terrible. Mm, okay. You know, that's where we've got Love and Monsters. That's where we've got <laughs> Fear Her. You know, Idiot's Lantern was really not great. Yeah. And everything else is just kind of meh. So that's kind of, yeah, for me, that is the season that's kind of right there in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So from there, I mm-hmm. went with season five. As did I. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Smith's first season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both kind of said it earlier. He, right from the 11th hour, he's got the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more on Smith and, of course, uh, Moffat for writing it. You know, mm-hmm. the way the way he did but yeah. um and you know again there's good stuff in here mm-hmm. but in, in a lot of ways with rtd and his first season kind of being bumpy in places mm-hmm. this one has those i'm um, the new sure. producer new actor mm-hmm. new everything bumps yeah. and that's yeah, so that's absolutely. why i put it there I mean, and I really can't add anything to that. It's much the same. Yeah. There was a definite excitement to that season. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that I think maybe made it a little, made it feel a little better than it might have actually been. Mm, okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, Smith's performance just carries it for me. Yeah. Okay. So you already said, uh, you already spoke about season two, and that's mm-hmm. what I would put in the next place up. Okay. Um,. I know, I know you put it, what, you said, what, dead center in the middle, right? It was number five. Yeah, but um, this is, you know, you, you said before, and I agree with you to some extent, that RTD, like, kind of figured out what he was doing with the program in Series 3, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't hang together that well as a season for me. I, I, I agree with you. But I, I think you can see the beginning of that in season or Series 2, and mm-hmm. it's because David Tennant has come on, and because he was a fan of the show, and mm-hmm. he brought this, this wonderful, bombastic energy to the character, Mm-hmm. that um, even in the, the, the bad episodes, the awful episodes, you can still watch and enjoy Tenant. So okay. that's why it's uh, there for me. Well, in my, uh, for me, I had uh, one okay. in that spot. And for me, that is purely on the back of Christopher Eccleston. Okay. There's a lot of really bad stuff happening in that season because they are very much trying to find their way. Yeah. They just, the, the, the first half of that, of that season is just not very good. Okay. Um, Rose notwithstanding, Rose was, was decent, but other than that, in the enemy of the world was okay, or end of the world, rather. Um, but Eccleston, from the moment we meet him, till the, till the, to the second that he turns into David Tennant, he is just putting on an acting clinic uh-huh. from the moment he starts to the moment he finishes. He is just entrancing to watch. Mm-hmm. And he just does it so well that he is able to be goofy and enraged and just just every note in between he just hits and he hits it perfectly. Um, so for that reason, that season will all and again also just for the personal reason. Oh my god, the show's back! <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's probably a little higher on my list than it, it probably should be, but yeah, that, that that's where that lies for me. Okay, so now we're at the. The, the the penultimate season, right? The second yes. from the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put one here. Okay. Um, Eccleston, everything you just said, going to echo that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, yeah, it has its bumps, but I think it's a little better than you were giving it credit for. And just a little. Obviously, I'm just putting mm-hmm. it one step up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, say what you will about Aliens of London and World War Three, but I think Boomtown is, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good episode in that it forces the doctor 
and I, I believe I'm paraphrasing you from when you actually uh, wrote your season recap of this, even before this show existed. Mm-hmm. So pardon me if I'm paraphrasing you here, um, but it forces the doctor to stop and look at his look at the fact that he can't run away from every problem. Right. You know, so yeah, it's got bad stuff like Aliens of London, World War Three, but you do get good stuff like Boomtown, at least in terms of characterization. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the Unquiet Dead. Yeah. Dalek, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The long, or not the long game, Father's Day. And yeah. We got the uh, empty, Father's, yeah. Yeah, and we got the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances. I know there's other ones in there, you know, sure. the Bad Wolf, the Parting of Ways, and this, but. I, I, I think that that is the best season that that season could have been. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if that had been the third season, then I'd be like, ah, it's, it's a decent season. But because yeah. it was the first season, because everything was new, everything was fresh, they were bringing it back, this was the best they could have done. And there, everybody is giving, I, I'm not keen on the phrase, 110%. Sure. You know, and, and you can see it right there on screen. You absolutely can. So that's, that's why it's second from the top for me. Okay. Well, for me, second to the top is three. Okay. And a lot of that has to do with the, you know, the ones that are good are so good. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Blink. Obviously, Human Nature. But you also get Smith & Jones, which is a very, like, like one of the better uh, companion introductions yeah. that we get in the series. Utopia, for no other reason than we get Derek Jacobi. Mm-hmm. You know, even, he's the master for about two minutes. <laughs> And those two minutes are like some of the scariest master moments you're ever going to get. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, even the ones that are okay. Forty two is okay. You know, it was fun. Um, the master two parter has such a goofy ending, but that part one was phenomenal. Yep. You know, and I like Sim as the master. He's very manic, and I know a lot of people. He's not to their taste, but I like him as the master, at least in this. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, basically, other than the Dalek two-parter and the Lazarus experiment, this is a really good season mm-hmm. that I quite enjoy. And, you know, Blink and the, the Paul Cornell two-parter just put it over the top for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, means that our number one, we're going to agree on our number one season. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the fourth season. Yeah, it's, been, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. There's not a misstep in that whole season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, what makes this season work Mm-hmm. is the fact that uh, RTD finally figured out how to incorporate a family mm-hmm. into the companion's life yes. and make it seem... Uh, look, I believe Jackie is Rose's mom. There, there's mm-hmm. a reason Rose is the way she is. Mm-hmm. I believe Martha, as you said, is holding her family together, you know, mm-hmm. and she's coming from that family there. I, I buy that. But with Donna... That is where it's perfect for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it absolutely, and in some ways, hit, it hit home for me because yeah. you know, um, I'm round about that same age. You know, mm-hmm. and I've I've seen families act like that, and mm-hmm. they weren't there all the time, the, the family. But when they were, they were used great. And I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about Wilf. Obviously, Wilf's a big part of this. Mm-hmm. But Sylvia, she she's a, can be an all, Sylvia, right? Yeah, she can be an mm-hmm. awful human being, but still, she does love her daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that is is one of the 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 biggest, brightest, shining stars of that episode is is mm-hmm. is is uh, Donna Noble's family. You know, yep. even above the episodes themselves, which are all really good. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've just yep. been going off. Partners in crime. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that story! <laughs> I love that story. Mm-hmm. But there's so many good stories. Even this, even this entire two-parter, yeah. which a lot of people don't care for. 
I think is, is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, Midnight, come on. Yep. You know, the, the library two-parter is, is, is really, really good. You know, uh, Unicorn and the Wasp was fun. Nobody likes the Unicorn and the Wasp, <laughs> but that's a lot of fun. I like the Unicorn and the Wasp. I do. It's Jago. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, and throughout the season, we get Wilfred. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is This is the best season. Yeah. So, did you uh, rank top five episodes? I did. I did a top five and a bo- uh, bottom five. Ooh, I didn't do bottom five. Um, okay. I did favorites, though. Okay. I did best and favorites. Okay, I, I kind of, for me, best and favorites kind of became the same thing. Okay. Thing, okay, so let's do this. Let's, uh, why don't you do your, I'll do, I'll do my favorites. Okay. And then we can do your bottom five, and then we can okay. do our top five. Does that sound okay. good? Let's do it. Okay, my favorites from top to bottom mm-hmm. uh, would be Midnight. Okay, absolutely is Midnight. That is, that's. I, here's another phrase I'm not keen on using in a post nine eleven world. You know, mm-hmm. but that isn't a Doctor Who story. You might write that Doctor Who story pre nine eleven, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't have the same impact. Sure, and it shows the scary nature of human beings, and that's why it's at the top for me. Uh, in terms of favorites, then Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, Blink, mm-hmm. The Girl in the Fireplace, and Human Nature, Family of Blood. Okay. So what what are your bottom five? My bottom five. First, I have a few dishonorable mentions Oh, here. sure, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you, you, you make a list like this, and, <laughs> and you just kind of, you know, pare it down. But Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, uh-huh. Christmas Invasion. These are the honorable mentions, right? This is the dishonorable, dishonorable. mentions. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Town Called Mercy. Curse of the Black Spot. Okay. Some some really bad ones. But for me, the bottom five stories. Okay, I'm going to start from five and go all the way down. Okay. Aliens of London, World War Three. <laughs> you know, just running around 10 Downing Street being chased by farting aliens. <laughs> Giant rubber babies that won't stop farting. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, I'm getting slap happy. <laughs> I know, I know. But, I mean, I mean, there were some, some good moments, and those good moments almost all came from Margaret Slavine. Yeah. Which is why I'm glad that they did bring her back for, for, for Boomtown. Yeah. Four, Beast Below. Okay. Yeah, you really hated that one. I really hated <laughs> Beast Below. Okay. Uh, three, Daleks in Manhattan slash Evolution of the Daleks. Oh, hell yeah. Hated that story. Mm. It was awful. You know, with, with you know, Scrotor the <laughs> Dalek man. <laughs> you know, with his face full of penises. <laughs> uh, two was Planet of the Dead. I hate that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the worst things that ever happened in the history of the world. Not just Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about Ian Wilson because obviously he hates that story because she stole from a museum. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that should have been number one. I know that's what he's thinking right now. That should have been number one, Daniel. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that he ever has called you Daniel, but you know. Yeah. No, he's old man totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something about museums. <laughs> um, and then the worst for me, the worst story was Fear Her. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have the hate for Beast Below that you do, and that's my pretty much, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah right, right there. I think I would, uh, for Beast Below, I would sub in um, Love and Monsters. Fair enough. Because you, you didn't say that as one of your dishonorable. I didn't. I you didn't. didn't. No. No, I no mean, it's not fantastic, but it's, you know, got its goofy charms. Yeah, and that's, that's I think that's my Beast Below, is yeah. I, I hate that one f- almost irrationally you know I, I i can't figure i just don't i hate oh my god 
from a block, people. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, our top stories. Top stories. Starting from the bottom. Well, I, oh, I've got sorry. a couple of honorable mentions. Oh, sure, yeah. I didn't do any. No, wait. Hang on. Sorry. I've got a list here. You know what? No, my honorable mentions, mm-hmm. some of them were on my favorites list. So, okay. Okay. So what are yours? Uh, the Lodger. Yeah. Which was just, you know, all kinds of fun. Mm-hmm. And Father's Day. Mm, okay. Which very easily could have gone in my top five. Yeah. But didn't. Yeah. Same here. Same yeah. here uh, with Father's Day. There was... I, I'm surprised I didn't make my favorites list, frankly. Yeah. You know. Oh, oh, oh. For uh, Best New Monsters slash Villains, mm-hmm. I came so close to putting Stormageddon. <laughs> Just because I'm anticipating it. You know. <laughs> Oh, but I didn't. Okay, so starting at number five, what do you have? Midnight. Okay. Um, and again, everything that you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I put Dalek. Mm, yeah. Okay. Number four. The 11th Hour. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, human Nature, Family of Blood for me. Okay. Number three. Blink. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. Uh, the day of the doctor. Okay. For me, that one. Oh God. I have. I've only seen it straight through. I think two or three times. Mm-hmm. But certain clips, I don't even know how many times I've seen them, and they still yeah. make me emotional and excited Absolutely. and feel like a little kid. Honestly, you know. Honestly, for me, I think it's because it's so recent. Okay. That I that I have a hard time deciding that that belongs in the top five. Sure, absolutely. But I'm sure after a while it, it will definitely make that list. Okay. okay. Oh, I just figured out what your number one will be. Okay. Okay. Oh, maybe. Oh, okay. okay so, we'll so I'm sorry. Did you? Yeah, number three was Blink. So what's your number two? What was your What was your number three? Oh, uh, you just that said, was the Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. My number two is The Empty Child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. The Empty Child. Uh, scariest. Fantastic performance from from Eccleston. Mm-hmm. You know, where he he managed to 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 not be angry and shouty the entire time, mm-hmm. but still very intense and tried to help people and all that. It's just yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performance. Plus Captain Jack. Yeah, yeah, true. Being Captain Jack. Yeah. Uh, my number two is the Doctor's wife. Mm, okay. Um, How did I not put the Doctor's wife on my list? That's what I thought your number one was going to be, dude. Oh, me. that's okay. totally what I thought it was. It's not, but it's okay. But yeah. Okay. Okay. But yes, anyway, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's, I was just going to say the doctor's wife. You know, that's all. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number one then? My number one is human nature. Okay. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, for me, it's Blink. Sorry. I... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I almost forgot to say that. Um, yeah. Just out of curiosity, where would you put the doctor's wife if you uh, changed your or added it into your list? If here? I was going to add it in there, I would probably put it in between Empty Child and Blink. Um, did you have any more lists? Because I think that's all I have here. I, no, I don't. I don't. So it looks like we're wrapping this up. I think we might be. Um, so uh, I just want to tell everybody to mm-hmm. stay subscribed mm-hmm. to the RSS feed, the iTunes feed. Um, I cannot promise that there will be any bigger on the inside, bigger on the inside specials. We've but, talked about but it. But yes, there very well may be. Mm-hmm. Also, stay subscribed because, um, you know, there, there'll be bits. That, that's what we're going to announce when the show comes back, whenever that is. You know, because mm-hmm. again, we don't know. You know, I mean, announcements will be made on our other shows and on Earth2.net, sure. But that's the first place it's going to go is the RSS mm-hmm. feed. So definitely uh, continue to subscribe because mm-hmm. there, there'll be stuff. And I think... 
I think I might put the first couple of episodes of The Edge of Forever in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first two. It might just be the first because I know the pilot's in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you want to continue to hear us, obviously there's Earth.net. We have our separate shows. But, you know, come on over to The Edge of Forever. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not mm-hmm. uh, a, a Star Trek fan or you don't know anything about Star Trek, then treat it like like I was sort of treating this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about Classic Who, and it was a learning experience, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to get from me and Dan. If you've listened to us go on for five-plus years and 140 episodes, obviously you enjoy what we're doing, so you're going to enjoy us over there, you mm-hmm. know? So so please do uh, come over there and join us. Um, oh, please go ahead. Well, I was I was just going to ask you something, huh? and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this ahead of time. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm kind of blindsiding you, let me know. Okay. Well, we talked back when we did episode 90. Mm-hmm. We talked about how, you know, that part of it was, was kind of ending and how since then the last 50 episodes have been a much different show. Mm-hmm. You know, we've almost, we've basically almost done two different shows. It's been, you know, what kind of one big experience, but at the same time, two very different experiences. Mm-hmm. Which did you prefer? Uh, I kind of liked being in the Ian position. Yeah. Uh, for, for, sorry, for those of you that don't know, the Ian position, it does refer to Ian Wilson. It's not, it's, 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 it's not, <laughs> I'm trying to word this kindly. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's what the show started as, where I didn't yeah. know what was coming. And I hate mm. using that word with the Ian position. But, uh. Uh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, Which well. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I I love Bigger on the Inside overall, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but sure. I, I think that I actually did prefer, um, like, you, like, when you could tell, like, the tell me, like, the little bits of history that maybe I didn't know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the why this happened, why that happened, um, mm-hmm. and just having everything be just so completely and utterly different, yeah. and at times completely and utterly bad insane zarby zarby i never expected that in a million years yeah yeah giant bees on the moon or wherever the hell they were (laughs) you know but i also didn't expect a shrinky down episode you know and that was kind of cool you know which one was that that was uh planet of giants planet of giants yeah you know so once we passed episode 90 and I was familiar with everything, or at least everything that had aired, the show mm-hmm. definitely did change. And, and, uh, but, you know, it, it was a good change, I felt. But yeah, if you're, if you, since you asked, I will admit the, the, the first 89, you know, episode mm-hmm. 90 just being the recap episode, the first 89 episodes, uh, yeah, I kind of like being a little naive, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm actually in agreement. Okay. Um, as, as wonderful as the last 50 episodes have been, we're just kind of talking about episodes that we've actually seen fairly recently, mm-hmm. especially lately, you know. Um, like, I'll, I, I, I'm, yeah, I probably shouldn't say this. When we were doing season one, mm-hmm. there were plenty of bigger on the inside episodes where I did not bother rewatching the episode. Oh, okay, that's fair. That absolutely did yeah. happen. I didn't like that I did it, and I've tried to make sure it never happened again, mm-hmm. but it did happen yeah. because I didn't feel like I needed to right. because I'd seen it recently enough that I knew what I was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but with with the first 89 episodes, a lot of times I was watching stories that I hadn't seen in 20 years mm, okay, and just going back and revisiting all this this history and, yeah, it was just a very different, very fun experience. Mm. 
that I'm so glad I was able to have. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, obviously, you know, I'd been working for Earth 2 for less than a year when we started. Yeah. And we've been podcasting a little bit, mm-hmm. and I've been writing. You know, that first year I did a lot of writing that first mm-hmm. year. So you and I, you know, we had we had a, a good working relationship, mm-hmm. but I really value the friendship that mm-hmm. developed between us over the course of those first couple of years. And um, that was something that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And as fun as the last 50 episodes have been, and they absolutely have been, and I know that our, our again, I, I almost never ask you like what our actual listenership is, mm-hmm. like the actual numbers. I know that it's increased exponentially since the new series mm-hmm. started. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fantastic. You know, I run into, I mean, I ran into people, not this past Eurasia, but the region before, that recognized my voice. Wow. They heard me talking and recognized my voice because they were listeners to the show. Cool. Which is amazing to me. Yeah. Like, like absolutely, like, like, oh my God. What? What? No. What? <laughs> yeah. But the fact that this kind of started off as this journey through something that meant a lot to me when I was, when I was a kid. And had kind of gotten away from for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of go back and revisit that. It was just so much fun. At a time in my life when I had a lot more free time than I do now, quite frankly, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I couldn't do what we did then. I couldn't be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I don't have enough time to watch all those all those episodes. Yeah. But. um, Yeah, it was it was something that really. It meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And. It's something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, something I was going to bring up, you actually did, was, yeah, when we started this show, we had podcasted before. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we knew, we had, a, we had a podcasting rapport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were starting to become friends. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm going to take away from this show more than anything else, is... Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming your friend and you becoming mine you know yeah. um you know because again when we started this show we it's, it's not the same relationship we have now right. you know and it really grew and i think anybody who listened to this show who listens to the first episode and listens now is gonna see our friendship grow throughout mm-hmm. the years um because yeah. i mean when we started this show this was a, this was your project yeah that you brought me in on mm-hmm. because i was a guy that liked doctor who mm-hmm. You know, because I was a guy that worked for the site. Right. You know, that's basically why I'm here. <laughs> you know, whereas now when I, you know, have an idea for, for a podcast segment or something, the first thing I think of is, you know, how would Mike want to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. because, we, because we do work so well together. Right, exactly, yeah. You know. Um, I, I, I want to uh, mirror something you said, too. Mm-hmm. You had said that we started the show at a time in your life when you had much more free time. And mm-hmm. that is the same for me, too. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, pulling the curtain away, you know, getting kind of personal. Mm-hmm. We started this show just a few months before my relationship, before my relationship with Jenny ended. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I moved out. I got my own place. And I could stay up to whenever. Not that you, not that I couldn't have back then, but sure. I could definitely be like, I'm going to sit on this big, ugly denim sofa that I have and watch all 10 parts of the war games in one night because I can, 
You know what yeah. I mean? And mm-hmm. I didn't have any other sort of responsibilities. Um, and then as my life changed and I, you know, met Shana and mm-hmm. uh, moved in with her and then we got married, I was very glad that we were in the modern era. <laughs> <laughs> because Absolutely. as a married man, I really am not sure I could watch even a six-part mm-hmm. story and then mm-hmm. another six-part story while still trying to keep up with my husbandly responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know, and keep the show going. And that's why with uh, the, the, looking forward to The Edge of Forever, thankfully, Star Trek is generally one story at a time. Or, well, doing two at a time, but yeah. 45, 50 minutes and then that's it. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly. not that different from what we're doing now. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. so yeah, this show would not be here right now if you know it's strange to say if that breakup didn't happen you know i i don't know i i don't know if i would have i i kind of needed that 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 free time just to myself to to use this show um to get that out of the show but also to the show helped me heal in a lot of ways you know what i mean it gave me something to focus on i'm right there with you i that first year that i worked for earth 2 was basically me distracting myself from my divorce yeah yeah you know and you know this this podcast was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're again, I'm at, at that same stage now. I'm very fortunate in that, you know, the, the woman that I've, that I've fallen in love with is also a fan yeah. and she does enjoy this. And we do watch occasionally, you know, we watch some classic who together mm-hmm. and she enjoys that as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's a f- commitment to watch all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, especially early on. Mm-hmm. When the stories were like regularly six to eight parts, and we were getting through two of them. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) you know, I mean, I would, you know, that's like, you know, three or four hours Mm -hmm. of Doctor Who that we would have to commit to watching every couple of weeks. That's a lot, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And as much as, as, as enjoyable, as much as we love the show and as enjoyable as doing it's been, it's a lot of prep work. So, I, and I absolutely could not do that now. Yeah. It just couldn't be done. I, I just, there aren't enough hours in the day if I want to, if I want to stay, if I want to stay in, in, in my relationship, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. And I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we're, we're, you know, it's been long enough. I mean, I spent most of my thirties doing this show. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I mean, uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'll, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to turn 40 in a couple months. Oh, that! Oh, I thought you were turning thirty-nine. Okay. No, I'm thirty-nine now. Okay. If you want, I can edit that out so Ian doesn't know. Ian doesn't. Yeah. Ian doesn't know. Nah, he'll. You know, he'll. He'll know sooner. Uh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> you know. Yeah, because thirty-nine is such a big difference. He's going to start. You know, <laughs> oh, I thought. <laughs> no, that's whatever. Yeah. But I mean, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is kind of what I've spent my thirties doing. Yeah. And um, I'm very pleased that we finished. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased that we that we completed what we set out to do. Part of me honestly is kind of pleased that it's done. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a slight relief there, you know. Honestly, I mean, the fact that we had this thing to work for, honestly, is what kept me going for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because it is such a hard, hard work sometimes. Yeah. But at the same time, I am very, I'm a little wistful. Yeah. Honestly. Well, you know, you had mentioned that the, the commitment that that, mm-hmm. that goes into this and. Like, I, I know that every single one of our listeners appreciates that. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I got to take away from this. Yes. You know, is whenever an episode was late, no one was like, where's my free entertainment? Mm-hmm. I maybe had that with another podcast. 
Well, I'm I not naming that, names, but that other you know. podcast when you guys were doing that other podcast was the only podcast that was doing that subject. That's true. So you got all the unadulterated crazy mm-hmm. in one podcast. Yep. Whereas we were when we started, we were one of several Doctor Who podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I think that we lucked out in that we had a much more put together fan base. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think because our listeners, even if they weren't following along in terms of uh, playing along, watching the classic episodes, if an episode was late for whatever reason, I, I appreciate the fact that they, that you guys, I, I shouldn't address you guys if you aren't there because you are there, um, were, were patient with us, that you knew that we were committed to this show and we were going to get you the best episode we could get you every time out. So I just want to say thank you to all you guys for not just being here and listening, but being patient with us, generally with me, because we might have a show done and then all of a sudden I'm sitting on it. I'm not editing it for whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a series of thank yous I want to give, but that's pretty much the first one right there. You know, I mean, we've had some amazing, amazing, amazing people. Mm -hmm kind of coming in and, and you know and they come in and out you know mm-hmm. i mean we've had people that were very you know strong you know writing every episode fans for i don't like to say fans i say listen, yeah that's hard for me same, yeah say because we're all we're all fans of the same thing mm-hmm. um you know but they would like listen you know for the first year or so we'd get an email from graham say mm-hmm. and then we stopped hearing from graham and that's i mean you know we're sorry to you know that that, that he kind of no, don't hear. And that's just one, you know, I'm picking at right. random. But, you know, and then Cat and Rosie would come in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And it's amazing that, that we people are connecting with something that we're doing. Yeah. And that's so weird. But I said it at the top, and I'll, and I'll say it again. We could not, like, this show would not be what this show is if people were not invested and interacting with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have had so many conversations based on questions or comments that people write in with, mm-hmm. you know, that just, just, you know, made us look at things a different way. Yeah. You know, people that, I mean, you know, sometimes we would say, oh, God, I'm sure somebody will, co- you know, correct us on this. But the fact that people were able to come in <laughs> and, and set us straight when we had questions or, or we're getting something wrong was a huge help. Yeah. And it just made the show better. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's always it's easier to podcast when you know that you're not just broadcasting it out into the ether and nobody's picking up on it. Yeah. But the fact that we've got people that are so engaged with what we're doing blows my mind, mm. for one thing. But it's also just so... just, just It made it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It made it worthwhile. There are people that listen to this show that I honestly do count as friends because they took the time to talk to us and not just at us. Right, yeah. Which is wonderful. Which is another, you know, again, that's something that I've had, you know, other, you know, and even on this podcast, but other podcasts, it's very easy for people to just, you know, want to hit you up and, and talk to you only about the thing that the show is about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm a man, damn it. <laughs> There's more to me than Doctor Who. <laughs> And we've just we've met some amazingly wonderful people just over the course of the last few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, Wilson. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of any like conversations, you know, directly off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. I, I do know you are absolutely right in saying that you know there, <laughs> there there's there's many hours on this program that didn't only generate conversations with us, but also the other listeners amongst mm-hmm. themselves, emailing into us to address a point that someone else had said in mm-hmm. a previous episode, you know, and that was always a little weird where it's like, well, wait a minute, guys, go mm-hmm. to the forums and talk it out. Don't use us as middlemen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. Um, I, I, I said a moment ago that uh, I obviously said a series of thank yous, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously I want to thank you, Dan, you know, for, mm-hmm. for, for, for putting up with my for <laughs> five plus years now. As well you should. <laughs> exactly. Trust me. I know. <laughs> I know, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, anybody, you know, who's ever written in, you know, thank you for being part of that conversation we've Mm -hmm. been talking about. Um, and, and thank you to the silent majority too, Mm -hmm. you know, um, thank you for just downloading us. Even if you only listened to one episode and even if we weren't your, you know, you didn't find us all that appealing or whatever, that's fine. That's fine. You still tried us out, you know, and I, 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 I deeply appreciate that. Um, you know, thank you to anybody who, and everybody who's donated to the show over the years, you know, uh, be it through Patreon or through the, 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 the link I always say at the end or whatnot. Just, just thank you everybody for, for all of your support, be it financial, through email, through tweets, through Facebook or whatever. Just thank you for being there and just making this an even more fun, a, a funner experience, a more fun experience. This is a poorly constructed sentence. Thank you for making this better. <laughs> I guess that's the word I'll settle on. <laughs> Five hours, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've got no more words. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I got to reciprocate with everything that you said. Obviously, Mike, thank you. This has been a phenomenal experience, and I'm so glad that you know <laughs> that Jenny decided not to do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, this is just—I mean, I, I cannot express how much this has meant to me mm-hmm. over the years. And obviously, we're coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, we're going to be doing Edge of Forever in a few weeks. Yeah. So it's not like you know we're never going to do this again because we absolutely are going mm-hmm. to do this again. Um, but this was special and this is something that I'm going to take with me for a very long time. And that goes for, again, that goes for Mike, that goes for everybody who's listened, everybody who's written in, everybody who hasn't written in, everybody that kind of took what we just decided to do a few years back where we were just going to walk through this series and talk it out Mm -hmm. and somehow it clicked with them Mm -hmm. and it just it it literally it just it just blows my mind Mm -hmm. absolutely blows my mind that anybody anybody stayed stayed with us after (laughs) (laughs) doctor hello you're young again you're okay you didn't even change your face. Ha! <laughs> Start it. I can't stop it now. This is just the reset. Whole new regeneration cycle. Ooh. <laughs> Taking a bit longer. 
breaking it in. Doesn't it? Everything you are gone in a moment, like breath on a mirror. Any moment now, he's a coming. Who's coming? The doctor. You. You are the doctor. Yep. And I always will be. But times change. So must I. <laughs> Amelia. Who's Amelia? The first face this face saw. We all change. When you think about it, we are all different. All through our lives, and that's okay. That's good. You've got to keep moving, so long as you remember all the people that you used to be. I will not forget one line of this. Not one day. I swear. I will always remember when the doctor was me. like to send us an email you can address it to feedback at biggerontheinside.com that's feedback at biggerontheinside.com next time dan and i will cover two more stories the man trap and charlie x (laughs) on the edge of forever and for those of you that like to play along with us these stories are available on dvd and streaming (laughs) for dan toland this has been michael david sims saying thank you for listening to bigger on the inside
All I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Engineering division ready, as always. Your mind to my mind. Bloody. Don't you think you should rephrase that? Your thoughts to my thoughts. I'll either choke me or cut my throat and make up your mind. I can't change the laws of physics. That thing must be destroyed. I tried to destroy it once before, Commodore. The result was a wrecked ship and a dead crew. Doctor, you are a sensualist. You bet your pointed ears I am. Live long and prosper. Edge of Forever, a continuing look at the Star Trek universe, coming to Earth2.net and iTunes in May. <laughs>